The year is 1978, and Palatoy bring you Star Wars. Hello and a huge Happy New Year from all of us at the Vintage Rebellion. I'm Stuart Skinner and you are listening to episode 44, Palatoy Junkie. As always, our R5-D4 focus collector and loose completist, which includes loose in packaging, we've now seen. Richard Hutchinson, Happy New Year, Rich. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too, Stu. Did you have a nice festive period? Just another day. <laughs> you one of them, are you? A bit grinchy? No, not grinchy at all. It's just another day. I live every day like the same. Oh, every day's Christmas. So, Rich, I've asked each of you to come up with two New Year's resolutions, one Star Wars, one General. What have you got? Well, it might surprise you to know that I've had no interest in New Year's resolutions at all. But <laughs> for the sake of the podcast and for putting one in for the team, I've come up with two. So my first one is Star Wars 1. I'm going to make more of working with the space that I have. So I can see little nooks and crannies, corners, you know, places that I can stick shelves in. Uh, so I'm going to work far more on my display solutions. But I'm still going to stick with the fact it's got to stay in one room. Okay, so that, that's my goal. It's not going to go out the one room. You've been working on that the last couple of months anyway, haven't you? You've yeah, yeah. So you've been highlighting a few. Yeah, I've done quite well with the one wall, but now I'm looking... I, thought, I can't remember if I was talking to you or Grant, but Grant says it's like the different stages of a collector. When you're in stage one, you get a bookcase. Stage two, you get a detailed cabinet. Stage three, you start to realise, actually, why have I just wasted my money on those? Because they're absolutely bloody useless. And then you start, you know, really getting into your stride. And uh, that's probably where I'm at now, thinking I'm regretting some of the decisions I made. You live and learn. Okay, and the general one? The general one, okay, I think probably for me this year is I need to, and I'm going to focus on more healthy eating and exercise because obviously the last few years I've had quite a few serious injuries. My fitness has gone to absolute pot. I need to build that back up again. I've done really well so far this year. You know, five a day, no problem. I've always, as a vegetarian, it's very easy for me to get a five a day. But what I'm going to focus on more now is to make sure I get a five a day of the right five a day because obviously there's unhealthy fruits that I should be avoiding, perhaps cutting down on bananas and grapes and things like that and focusing more on kale and, you know, other kind of vegetables. So that's my focus. I want to know how Rich can have an unhealthy five a day. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You would be surprised. There's, how, there's how is that possible? Right, there's, more, there's as much sugar in grapes and bananas as there is in a can of Coke. I know, but you spread it around, you know. Yeah, I couldn't bullshit on that. Yeah, and also they've got yeah. to be different sugars. I don't, I don't believe there's as much sugar in a banana as in a can of Coke. Well, okay, you I know, not... I know bananas. Bananas are the second highest, aren't they? Well, to, to, you, you put us locked in a lane up, right? And you, I, I got ID'd for a wallpaper scraper being Q two weeks ago. That's Jez was never ID'd after he was out of his, you know, soother. Stu, you know, fair enough, right? You, you're only two foot tall, so you mask a lot. But, uh, and I don't think Pete, you know, I, National Service was still in last time you were, like, at that age. But two weeks ago, I was ID'd at B&Q for a wallpaper scraper, a five-pound scraper. Do you think that's more because of your face? <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. Very youthful looking. I told you, agree. I'm glad you get it. 
<laughs> right. Do you know what? We're still we're still just introducing people. It's amazing. It's brilliant. <laughs> Completely lost. I think our next next intro. Yes, our Luke X Wing pilot focus collector and mint on card lover is also with us. Happy New Year, Jez. Hey, good evening, Stu. Good evening, lads. Good evening, everyone. Now, if I ask you, Jez, if you've got any good presents in your stock, you're not going to say no. It was just another day, are you? No, not at all. But before I go into that, I need to correct Ridge. What's all this about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Making a mistake like buying a Tatov cabinet. Tatov cabinets are perfect for collectors. Yeah, you can go bigger and, and bolder and more expensive and stuff like that. But, you know, they're, they're great because you can start off with one, build it to two, three, four. It's one of those things where if you've got a difficult room as well, from a display point of view, yeah, don't be knocking the Tatov cabinet, mate, or there'll be a backlash online. Seriously, Tatov yeah. cabinets are good. Slagging off 90% of the community. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what, you got in for bananas, for crying out loud? I've just done a quick Google thing on bananas, and uh, there are other search providers available, and it said something like um, regular banana, 12 grams of sugar, can of Coke, 39 grams of sugar. So in your face, mate, you've got to at least have at least three bananas. No, no, you, no. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, bananas, the bananas are bigger up here, mate. We don't have little tiny tiddler bananas. Everything's bigger how, up here. Sorry, sorry, Jess. How yeah. many grams do you say is in a, a can of Coke? Uh, 39. So, and you're saying 12. So your bananas up there, Rich, are three and a half times the size of a banana down south. Go and buy Richard's logic, and it's all relative. If everything's bigger, then your cans of Coke are bigger. You can't have it that way, Rich. Come on. You're meant to be a teacher for crying out. Pull, pull yourself together. You're sprouting nonsense. You really are. He's not a real What I also uh, love is he's given up bananas for kale. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so that's, not, that's not a like-for-like substitute. We're going to have to chin off all of this, lads, for crying out loud. Right, this is the January edition. We're going to have some new listeners. And you guys are talking about fruit and veg. Well, yourself. Okay, let, let, let's move on from it then, Jez. Jez, Please. what are your two resolutions you've come up with? Well, I've decided, and this might be a surprise to you, but from a outside of the Star Wars world point of view, I've decided that this year Here, I blood. want to do some charity collecting. I must admit, you need to do a little bit more for charity. I think you slacked this in 2017. This year, not that I'm going to go into it right now, but this year is going to be a slightly different year for me as well because I'm not going to be around for all of it. Lots more work to be done at one point, but from a collecting point of view, taking it back to collecting more for me, and more, more on this later on, but... Choosing what I want, collecting what I want. You're going to be collecting more for you. Well, who are you collecting for in the first place? Other people. Well, no, this, this is it. This, people, can talk about, people can talk about focus collecting and all sorts of stuff like that. But I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go back to almost a non-focus focus, which I think is is massively important. People lose sight of just seeing what you like and just think, yeah, actually that fits me right now. That fits my budget, uh, and I'm cool with that. I just trying to keep things a little bit more simple, really. I think we're going to hear a bit of that when you come to your acquisitions for yeah. this month, aren't we? Yeah. But everything, everything's positive. It's all good. Next up, our Ray Addict and ESB Gimcrack enthusiast. It is Peter Davis. Happy New Year, Peter Weedy. Happy New Year, little Stu. You spent Christmas in Scotland. I was. I was in, in jolly Tartanland. Now, you were further up north than Rich, but the bananas really big up there. Oh, my goodness. You can ride them. <laughs> what have you got me for your resolutions, Pete? Uh, well, I want, I know this sounds a bit strange. I want to sell more stuff off. I've got, I've kind of, you know, you, you kind of look at the stuff you get, um, especially used to you, and you go, I really don't need that. You just kind of accumulate Star Wars things. So, uh, this, that one joins into my, my, uh, my personal one. So I want to sell a bit more stuff off and kind of just streamline all my various focuses. This is, this is. And, um, I want to kind of save a bit of cash this year and, uh, for my big trip. 
every couple of every so many years i i have a big trip so i go somewhere big so i'm gonna yeah i want to save a bit of cash and try and raise some money selling a few bits and bobs for a big trip hopefully in maybe 2019 so go somewhere crazy somewhere south america-ish or maybe japan maybe somewhere like that exciting times mm. and finally a little bit of a surprise all of a sudden it's just popped up on my screen sigh you are with us tonight mate i i love giving people little surprises and popping up on your screen is possibly the best one i've given this year <laughs> well <laughs> indeed um, happy new year mate how are we now, happy new year to you too mate you had a cracking christmas didn't you yeah i had an awesome christmas i um i went to bed on the 22nd december and I got up on the 26th just so I could take my wife to hospital. It was amazing. I want to do it all over again. To be honest with you, you've got, you've got a child. You need to make more of an effort, mate, just sleeping like that, lazing well, around. I, it, it's nothing but pure selfishness, mate, to be honest with you. And uh, I get a little kick out of that, I'll be honest. <laughs> Two resolutions, Si. One Star was one general. Yeah, the general one is I am, much like Pete, actually, it's a declutter time. It is a deep deep clean i am reclaiming the house for the rest of my family who put up with an awful lot of odds and ends and well some would call it junk i think it's treasure uh, so that's that's got to go i'm that's it the everything all the various stereos and old board games and excessive amounts of vinyl and junk all going comics going yeah, so that that's the the non Star Wars one. I, I don't I don't believe you. And your Star Wars one? <laughs> Pretty much the same thing, actually. No, I'm I'm going to as uh, it's weird, Pete. We're we're in sync, mate. Streamlining. It's it's going to be reduction in quantity and just focusing on just things that really really appeal, and they don't have to be mega expensive at all. But they've just got to appeal and and hit the right spot. Really, I, I'm losing faith and interest in trying to complete any runs because whatever run of cards you choose there'll be three or four there that are in the three figure sum and i've really lost my taste for spending stupid amounts of money on toys it's strange because we recorded the interview the other night with uh, john abes coming up a bit later on and you told us during that interview that you were going after a palatoy 12 back run that's changed <laughs> since monday and it's now thursday since the last show we have had Although this does seem a long time ago, we've had the Christmas Farthest From event. And like I said, it, it does seem like a long time ago. And I'm sure, I'm certain we will purchase at least one item from down there. Alongside that, we've had Christmas. It's been a few weeks. Obviously, the Christmas episode, we didn't do acquisitions. So I'm sure we've all stopped up with something. So let's see what each of us have acquired. Now, I'm going to start with Jez because very often he said, oh, I'm not, you know, last year he's been buying his house and whatnot and getting himself sorted. But I know he mentioned briefly on the Christmas special that... He had taken a few Luke X-Wing mint on cards along to Farthest From to move on. Now, you did that for a reason, Jess, didn't you? So I decided that there was too much, a little bit too much orange in my collection. I missed the variety of card art. I, I love the card art coupled with the figures on them. And I realised that whilst I've, I've got no regrets in my collection at all from selling all the carded figures I had to, as you say, to buy my house in 2016, I thought, well, I don't have a great deal of capital at the moment. But the capital I do have is in is in Luke X Wing carded figures, so yeah, I took some with me, and it was great because I was able to uh, sell some, which then created some funds, and I ended up coming home, 
with a well a lovely variety really i took my um revenge proof so i took my loot revenge and i did a straight swap with uh rebel commander but the grade was slightly higher i, I had not that i'm into grades that much but it was i i turned over an 85 luke x-wing and i came back with a 90 rebel commander which apparently the rebel commander is a reasonably tricky one to get so again different card art i came back with a chewbacca came back with a hand trench came back with a lovely stormtrooper came back with a Klaatu skiff and fx7 which was a reseal which um, grant kindly gave me passed on after he had been given he had it and then he he got a, a fully sealed fx7 so he passed on his fx7 reseal to me so yeah came away with some great carded figures but the one which i've been saving up for 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 a little while and one which I had mentioned, which was definitely on my list, was a Palatoy uh, 20 back. So I got a Luke, uh, one of the graded ones, which came out of the uh, find, which ended up on Vectis probably, I don't know, about 12 months ago, where they had a whole case of Luke X-Wings, and they were all graded. So I got that one off Nick, and uh, and that's gorgeous uh, UKG 90 Luke X-Wing Palatoy 20 pack. And uh, now over the moon. So whilst I didn't spend a great deal apart from the the saving up i had done over the year for the 20 bag i came away from forest from with a whole new collection and it's great feel really really positive about it back in the game quite quite, quite uh severely wasn't it I yeah just, because uh, i'm wandering around just picking things up <laughs> no, not doing your stint on the table but i'm <laughs> but i'm still really really pleased though because i've still got the luke x-wing you know collection so i've got the um i've got the star wars 20 back i've got the uh 40b i've got return of the jedi i've got the tri logo the power of the force you know the poppy the twin pack um the trems and and the other bits and pieces so i've got a focus but i've freed up the oh, i've got 77 got 79 got 65 got the 41 you know i've freed up some other ones and um passed on both the Kenner 21 and Kenner 20. So I'm still really, really happy. There is still a fair amount of orange, but it's just allowed me to get some of the other card art, which I really, really missed. Yeah, I, I'm just really, really pleased with the way things are going. And, um, you know, don't all have to be gloom and doom in the collecting world, guys. That's very true. Uh, Rich, did you pick much up? Well, the father's form, I got a couple of nice items I was pleased about. So I got a, a 32 back Leah Bespin, and I got a 48 back Han Bespin as well. So they, they were two cards that I wasn't particularly looking for, but they were a good price. I got on eBay very recently, not going to quite class this one as one of my £50 purchases because it was just a touch over, but I got a 77 back ATST driver, which I was pleased about. I got a, a 41 back IG88 recently from Jabba's Palace Dungeon Court, whatever it's called. Secret Santa. I was so pleased with Secret Santa. So I opened that up from the stores from UK and I got 18 Dixie Cups and four pencil toppers. Now, how you got that for £25 beyond me because when I've been looking at Dixie Cup prices, I haven't got anywhere near that. So 18 Dixie Cups and some pencil toppers and postage for the £25. That, that's absolutely cracking. I was over the moon with that. And finally, a massive, massive thank you to both Mark Baker and Yehuda. Mark found it, but Yehuda checked it over for us. I got a, a UP red r5d4 yuda says that the red ones are actually a bit more tricky to find he thought it was pink and perhaps the photos might have just been a little dark but when it come it was clearly red and i, I took a photograph of it and sent it over to him so that's my first um little up item uh, and i'm really pleased with that so yeah cracking one for me 
actually, both you and Jess, what would have been your favourite pickup? Because you both picked up a few bits and pieces there. Rich? I mean, Dixie Cups. I think the Dixie Cups are really nice. I'm pleased with them. Really Lovely. fantastic cracking art on them. Yeah, I've not bought any yet. I've got fancy a few of them. Jess, what was your favourite pickup? I would say for me, I know it's obvious, but I would say the Palatoy 20 back. There, there is the logo there. I do really, really like that. But I'm, it's very difficult because, you know, the Revenge Proof, <laughs> uh, I like that. And Stormtrooper figure, I really like that Chewbacca figure. I'll go with the Palatoy 20 by Luke X-Wing. You know, you just asked me about Father's Trum and then Rich mentioned the Secret Santa, which obviously we um, we got to open after we did the Christmas recording. My Secret Santa w- was brilliant because it was a... Um, Oh, back so many great memories the panini sticker album and it was a um, pretty sort of p- half partially completed sticker album with a load of uh, sealed stickers as well sealed in packaging stickers so it really really did bring loads of memories flooding back which is great so i put that on instagram really really nice Sai, what have you been picking up pickups i've been very very good and farthest from i came away with a 30 back lando from nick dykes that i bought off him about a month earlier new acquisition but not new spend and i came away with a 45b forlom which i'd completely forgotten about that i won from a forum member on ebay about three months ago and i said don't worry about posting it bring it down farthest from pick it up then and I completely forgot about it. And he turned up, and he's like, there you go. Can I have some money, please? I was like, oh, bugger. Especially as I'd bought one at the last Vectis sale. So that's already disappeared back out the door. That's it for vintage. Pete, did you add anything to your growing runs? My growing runs? That sounds quite painful. I got a little bit of vinyl. It was the Miko Star Wars a single, which was quite amusing. Um, I, I don't, I'm not really collecting singles, but it, it's such a good single that I thought, ah, oh, well, there we go. I usually collect the long plays. I got a few card back, you know, just ordinary card back, card backs, loose card backs off Jason, which I'm now down to 27 to get, which I'm quite chuffed at. What what card uh, run are you doing? Just any any figure on any every, card? Every figure, you know. So every try and get a card back of every every figure that was released. So okay. I've got a few of the hard ones. It's just actually some of some of the easier ones I've got actually, but uh, I've got to get some things like you know Yak Face going to be impossible or you know going to be costly. I've got things like Boba Fett and like you know ordinary hand and stuff. In quite good condition, ones I was quite surprised at that. But um, yeah, so I've got 27 to go. It sounds a lot, but God, the pile of cards. <laughs> it's not obviously what's almost 70 ish cards lying around. It, it certainly it, it looks quite a considerable pile. But um, I thought one day, if I could afford it, is to put them with a loose figure in a, an acrylic case, maybe one day, and display them somewhere. But GW do those cases, don't they? Which quite smart looking. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, I'm not quite a better way to display my loose figures rather than stick them on stands and randomly placing them across a behind my computer. Really, what else? Oh, I, I think I'm, I'm sure I'm, I have mentioned this before, but I got I got a very manky attack commander. Um, mint on <laughs> mint on card. He's definitely mint on card. The card's not mint. It's water damaged, uh, but it looks alright. Oh, I did buy a, a collection of lovely tat off our friend um, Rob, which I, I'm going to have to sell because I have no idea why I bought it. But he sold it to me for a pound, so I couldn't turn it down. It was a Star Wars Famicom game uh, in its box, a bit ropey. The box, but it's all complete. Uh, a loose carded bubble. I'm trying to work out which one it is. It's got a green back to it, so it's just a loose bubble. The remote control R2, it's like the 12-inch kind of version, it's monstrous. 
but it's absolutely wrecked and I don't know whether I should do it up uh, or just sell it off I'm kind of it is really manked you know all the all the uh, metallic dome has been scraped off by somebody and all the the blue paint has been <laughs> scraped off so I was thinking about actually just you know coloring it in with some nice new paints but I don't know whether that that, that is would be frowned upon but it is it is wrecked one pound. Uh, you can't go wrong. Last, I think last time out we were having, you had this bargain pound from Fax, so it must be your newer, your new focus. Things for a quid. Things for a quid. What could just, you buy for a quid these days? Just a very quick one. You did just say when you were talking about your card backs, you said you'd got yourself a Boba Fett with plain hands. <laughs> no, 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 a Boba Fett card um you know the the normal everyday han solo figure <laughs> i thought those would be the ones i struggled to get you know you're thinking oh god you know a loose card back of one of those would be a pain but yeah. um, i've got quite a few of the harder to collect ones but um i've still got quite a few of the last 17 to get cool um, what are you stew well obviously we we always say don't say it until you've got it in hand now i know when I wrote my list down, I was kind of like, oh, I actually got a few more bits than what I first thought. So, first of all, the Vader lamp, which we spoke about in the Gimcrack section, turned up. Ian, thank you so, so much for getting it over here. I know this one cost him, it caused him a few issues how to get it to the UK, but we managed to get it. I think he, he messaged me on, like, uh, Boxing Day and said, oh, I found a way of doing it. <laughs> it's like, so, yeah, but that's arrived. And uh, it's got a little encryption on the bottom, all, like, um, carved out. Merry Christmas, Dennis. Uh, Love Mum and Dad, 1980, which is uh, nice and random. Stuart, it's so, worth mentioning, actually, because um, I didn't know this, because I didn't think it would be anyone would find the information, but another one appeared, didn't it? And it was that's right. I, um, Billy Herald had uh, purchased it. He um, sent me a couple of messages. We had a little chat. His is the same design, but the paintwork is completely different. Like, mine's got, like, a... Uh, grey like throw things coming over the shoulders where his is black so if you put them alongside each other they would look quite different although they're the same design it is really freaky looking some, but um, didn't someone mention on on the thread on a thread on facebook that it came it was kind of a not well known but a few people came across it as a kit that you could buy from a, like a gardening center or something you know exactly how you put it together but it was just bits and pieces and lights and you know paints and stuff and you could assemble it so i mean that's quite an interesting little mm. unofficial kind of um yeah real proper given cracks of item but you know I, I wonder how many other people got one yeah it would be interesting because like the electrics are like in a um do you know like you get on the bottom of money boxes the stoppers the rubber stoppers it's kind of like one of them in the bottom of it and just a little hole which has been pierced in it and the cable runs into that um i don't know how easy it is to get to the electrics in there yet i haven't actually looked but uh yeah does it work does it work oh i haven't plugged it in over here it does work because it was lit up on ebay obviously also i mentioned how beautiful Carl dix was didn't i before christmas now he's managed to get me this sigma trooper trinket box which um i haven't seen many of them come up so great to have that in my sigma shelf and i just want to give a shout out to mark daniels who obviously did a lot of designing for helix and he had some blank pencil cases from helix so he's done some one-offs and he drew me a lovely size snootles on one of those pencil cases so a one of a kind there i know that's not vintage i've also picked up a german esb sticker album which i bought months ago which i picked up at farthest from um i've picked up three felt tip markers return the jedi vader ones made by butterfly i've not seen them before so a red blue and purple a bit of a random purchase this week some wilton candles chewbacca shipping box which was next to nothing but i've got a few wilton candles so a little uh, shelf going on in my head i've picked up Hey. Now, Pete was saying about Rob Marsh sending off a few bits and pieces for next to no money. I picked up the Return of the Jedi blue and yellow display boxes, and they're both full of loose cards. I haven't been through them yet, but there's stacks of cards in there, so I don't know how far they are off, off a set. It's a little project for some point, maybe in about 10 years. Uh, I've got a 65-pack Bosk. 
uh, a 31 back Star Destroyer Commander. Went after that after Jez was saying it was such a horrible card, so had a, an inkling for that. And then my Secret Santa was amazing. I got the Sounds of Star Wars LP by the Sonic All-Stars. Brilliant. And this little uh, Chewbacca as a pencil topper, but he's had a little a little mailer box made for it because he's got dodgy eyes, so it's a bit rude, the things we're in on the box, so I can't read it. But I got a Boba Fett Ben Cooper costume. Um, God knows how. This is within the £25 list because... I've seen them on eBay, and they're nowhere near that price, so whoever my secret Santa was, thank you ever so much. Now, a new Star Wars Forum UK user under the name Taffius, who I'm guessing is a Welshman, left feedback on our Xmas special thread about advice for beginners, and it was even suggested on that thread that perhaps we could even do a show that is dedicated for advice for beginners. Now, that is something we may consider in the future, but this month, Rich, was going to run with the idea in Rebel Briefings, but we opted to move it to the beginning of the show. Firstly, great, great topic. And secondly, I think RB's pretty rammed this month, isn't it, Rich? Yep, it is. And obviously, we didn't want to lose this topic. Now, Rich, you'd already started prepping for this, so I'm going to let you run with it, and hopefully we can have a, a good general discussion. We were, you know, looking at our question and thought, you know, what a what a great idea, so so thanks. There's been quite a few new people have joined the Star Wars Forum over the last month or so. There's been a huge influx of new members, and it's really pleasing to say that some of them have actually joined the forum because of listening to the podcast, which is absolutely brilliant because we want people to get involved. And if joining Star Wars Forum UK is one of the ways to get involved, then you know, also be it. It's absolutely brilliant. So I've got a couple of questions for you guys just to give some advice. And um, Sai, I didn't think you were going to be on tonight, so um, I'll just think of something to throw it out to you. First of all, Stu, what piece of advice would you give to a newbie to learn about the do's and don'ts of the hobby? Research and educate yourself, I think, is the main, the most important thing. There is so many great threads on the forums. Rebel Scum, Star Wars Forum UK, you've now got Tantif, the Imperial Gunnery who goes through reproduction weapons. I think that's a great starting block. There's no point just going out and throwing money around willy-nilly, getting yourself in debt. Educate yourself, I think, because I think, I think just general little bits of advice, like if you're putting together a loose run, buy them with weapons, because if you buy half your collection without weapons and then try adding the weapons, it's going to cost you a fortune and it's going to be a, a nightmare to try and finish. Ask Pete, he's still looking for an A-Wing gun. We started this podcast in 2014. I'm still looking for a 12-inch Luke Saber. Luke Saber, yeah, I'm still looking for your Ben one as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a spare A-Wing pilot gun. Have you? Yeah, it's down the back of the radiator. It's still there. It's been there four years now. There you go, Pete. Go and get your sausage fingers down the back of his rad. <laughs> yeah, great piece of advice there, Stuart. I'd say the best, one, the best one that you did uh, give there was about buying loose weapons. Class- a classic newbie mistake is to buy a mint loose figure without a weapon. It's just, you know, it's false economy. Absolutely false economy. So, yeah, good one there. And, and lots, of good, uh, lots of good websites you've said there. SWCA is the one that I would throw out there. So, if you are looking to purchase... You know, for example, I don't know, you want a, a nice look farm boy, you know, go to TIG, go to Tantiv, SWCA, check out those websites and have a look and see if there's anything that you need to avoid, in particular, things like the repo items. On, sorry, sorry, Rich, I'd also throw in Souls Tracker if you want a, a rough guide to what the prices are going for. That's a, that's a good guideline, a good starting point. Yeah, Star Wars Tracker, yeah. So, Pete, where would you recommend that somebody who's new, coming into the hobby, looks to purchase items and have you got any tips for them to avoid wasting money 
Well, first of all, go to PayPal.com and read all about opening up a PayPal account. Um, it will take a, it can take a little bit of time, but I would definitely start there before you start buying anything. Uh, it's the best way to kind of operate online, especially between people. You can buy stuff off forums, you can buy stuff off eBay, you can buy stuff off Facebook groups. You can even use things like PayPal. You know, when you go to certain shows, some people actually take it as a as a form of payment. Um, you can have a, like a mobile business card and stuff. So I would definitely. That, that would be something to start with, and that gets off into good foot. Otherwise, you see something online, you really, really want it, and then you're dealing with like bank transfers and all sorts. PayPal will protect you if you don't just use friends and family. You can use it as a commercial transaction, and then you are protected. So if something goes wrong, if you're dealing with if you're dealing like under 20 quid, then friends and family might be okay. But if you're dealing with like several hundreds of pounds, do it as a commercial transaction unless you know the person. So if you, you know, if you're buying something off Richard Hutchinson Lake, then everyone knows him. So he's not going to rip you off. And if he does, we'll go around his house and beat him up. But if it's someone who has no Facebook friends and has just appeared, then, you know, you've got to be really, really cautious. Um, you know, if, if the deal sounds too good, but just by rule of thumb, it usually is a con because it's someone, you know, take the mickey it's very rare you'll find someone who's really going to give you an amazing deal unless you know them obviously you know transactions between collectors are usually better than they are between strangers so not all the time but mostly uh to buy stuff ebay is still a good place to buy stuff even though it gets slagged off it is it is still you know a reasonable place again you've got to be smart don't go and buy off someone who's got you know 35 percent feedback and has got 60 transactions which are all rip-offs be smart about it. If they've only got one rate, a one feedback rating, then you know, obviously, again, just be a bit cautious that they might not know what they're doing. Facebook groups, there's there's a lot seems to be a lot more stuff on Facebook groups than probably ever has been. As a real kind of weighing up now, people do go to eBay, do go to Facebook groups. Again, it's finding the right group, making sure you abide by the rules and stuff. And obviously forums. So there's, you know, forums are still going. Um, the Star Wars Forum UK is a great place to buy stuff. There are some of the forums out there that still operate, but I, I would. I think most people would police the Star Wars Forum UK pretty well. So you're, you are relatively safe on it. But again, if you use the rules of PayPal and not be silly about it, then they, they should be all right. And also, collecting events. There's a few collecting events going in the country. You've got, obviously, Father's Throng, which we mentioned. That's a great place to go and buy vintage stuff. You've got the, kind of the Echo Live stuff and, and various other events that, that happen, obviously, the more and more become, you know, that, that, that occur, just be wary of who you're buying against. Don't be afraid to go to a stall at all these events. And if you're a bit unsure about whether the weapon is, is bad or you think that looks, that looks a bit dodgy, ask. Just ask the person, is this repro? Um, if they're not sure, then, you know, you might want to give it a steer. You know, if you make a few friends online, you know, go and ask them. There's plenty of guys you can take with you. You know, you've got a mobile phone. You can take the, as Stu said, the Imperial weapons check and repro check. Take that with you. And if you're unsure, just leave it. You know, it's a Star Wars items. These things will appear again at some, si- some stage. As a new buyer coming into the hobby, is it important that I build up a relationship with any of the sellers that are out there? Or should I just, you know, look for the best deals, like what Pete said there, possibly on eBay or, or going onto the Facebook groups? I don't think this is as important as it used to be to build up relationships with sellers. Yeah, there's there's go-to guys that I will buy something off and be 100% sure and happy that I'm going to get exactly what I paid for. So Ian Sanderson, uh, Nick Dykes, for example, yeah, they're, they're absolutely you know outstanding sellers. However, I think in the pre-internet days, 
it was important then to develop relationships with your sellers and your shops and all the rest of it because you'd leave a list with them of what you're after and you'd hope that you were number one on the list when that turned up. Nowadays, I think that there are so many professional sellers, such as Ian and Nick and countless others, uh, there are also so many collector traders as such, so people who will buy and sell to fund their own their own collections. And there's just the supply of this stuff is is phenomenal. Uh, yeah, we're all we're all chasing something for the collection, but there's just so much out there that you don't need to restrict yourself to one or two or even a handful of sellers anymore. Just go where the where the item is that you want, whether that be on eBay, Facebook forums, local groups on on social media, trade fairs, wherever. Go where the stuff is. And finally, Jez, in less than fifty thousand words, do I focus or do I just buy everything? What advice do you have for a newbie coming into the hobby? slow down chances are you're already going far too fast because everyone does it everyone suddenly gets the bug and they're like oh bye bye oh, i've seen this i've seen that and they get really excited about it and they if you slow down drop a gear you will start saving money guaranteed and um, because that, that's what i've done and haven't spoken to all these other people everyone just does it too fast uh, too quickly um, but focus no don't focus whatsoever have a non-focus focus look at what you like Choose what you like. Don't buy for anyone else. Just go with the flow. Start off with a loose or loose run or whatever. You spoke about Star Wars Tracker earlier on. I would say absolutely check out Star Wars Tracker, StarWarsTracker.com. Just Google it uh, and check it out because this is a desktop-based website thing. There's also a, an app, and I believe at the moment there's a 30-day free trial. So you'd be silly not to do it. If you don't have Star Wars Tracker, just check it out right now. You get a 30-day free trial. It's brilliant because when you see Facebook groups, when you see eBay and stuff, you can look at instantly what the market value is. Because this guy, Jared, takes data analysis from Facebook groups, from eBay, and he sees what the market is doing. He's updating it weekly. So if you're looking, for example, at a Han Solo Best Ben Empire Strikes Back 41, and you're thinking, oh, it's in this auction group that says it's going on, it's at this price at the moment, you can see what these that particular card has been selling for for the last year. So you'll know if you're paying over the odds or under the odds, if you've got a bargain, or if you're just throwing money down the drain. So, uh, yeah relax don't focus and uh definitely take advantage of star wars tracker all sound advice here lads i can't disagree with anything that you've said and i wish there was somebody who could have told all of us that when we started collecting but we've seen so many people come into the hobby and we've seen so many people you know just buying 10 loose figures in one go five minton cards in one go at the end of six months, they've got 50 of them. And then the starter, like what Sai said right at the start, they start to hit the brick wall, the ones that are slightly, you know, a little bit more difficult to get, and then they lose interest. That was a cracking bit of advice that Jess is just, just take your time and relax. Like what Stu said, go and educate yourself on the piece, you know, um, l- learn about the piece, find out about it, perhaps go to some of the websites and see what CEO you've got and try and find out a bit about the history of the piece. And as Pete said, shop around. All brilliant advice, lads. It's not all just about buying, is it? There's a community there. There's, there's more than just how much you can own and what you can own. It's not a not a how big's your knob competition because Jez would have a terrible time. <laughs> Shall we go on to this month's quiz? Rich, you are hosting this as well. It's a bit like the Hutchinson show, this, isn't it? Yes. Okay, so we're ready for the quiz then, guys. Right. I've spent quite a bit of time making this quiz because I can't make it too hard, I can't make it too easy, and sometimes it's a little bit difficult to find the balance. So, 
We didn't expect Sai to be on tonight. So Sai, you're not taking part in the quiz, but I'm going to ask for your help. And uh, the main reason why you're not taking part is because I couldn't be bothered to think of some new questions. So you're just you're you, you've got a role, and I'll bring you to that in a second. Uh, so oh, screw you then. We've got three categories, and all you've got to do is guess the toy from the clues that I'm going to give you. So there are five clues in each category. You get five points if you get it on the first clue, four if you get it on the second, three if you get it on the third, and so on. But if at any time at all, if you guess it incorrectly, then it gets passed to the next person and they can steal your points. Okay? Are you sure we don't want Cy in this? Because it always yes. guarantees that the rest of us aren't going to finish bottom. No. He may still finish bottom. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are we now, doing in pairs? Nope, you're not doing it in pairs. Because it's three and it doesn't work. Each of you has one lifeline. So, as I've said, this side's not taking part. So, instead of a phone a friend, okay, we're going to have phone a bell. Oh, no, that's not appropriate for this show, is it? How about help, I'm useless, I need Sai. If you say that at any point at all whatsoever, Sai can offer one answer. Okay, oh. so that's going to be the way it's going to go. You'll pick this up as we go along. So, the first category is action figures. And I'm going to look at my Skype screen. And randomly, I'm going to start with Pete. Pete, do you want one, two, or three? Oh, let's go for the three. Come on, Rich. Right. Okay, so you went for three. So this is your first clue. I could double up as a completely different character in my use. I could double up as a completely different character. Can I jump in? No, you can't. This is Pete's (laughs) turn. It's not the Stuart Skinner show. (laughs) <laughs> can double up so I guess someone who's got a bit of a disguise going on maybe mm, let me think I'm going to move you on to the second clue go on go on I have no known major variations although thin stripe and pale face are sought after by some what Ooh. I reckon Simon. Sai, can I bring a Sai? Okay, there's your phone a friend gone. Okay, Sai. Have you got an answer that you can offer to Pete? I've got lots of answers. Do you want the do you want the right one though? Yeah, go on, give me the right one. Oh, I haven't got that one. Oh, you're rubbish. <laughs> well, you've just wasted your phone a friend. You, you, oh, you can, not a phone a friend was that? You, you can belt him later. <laughs> <laughs> give me an answer. I'm just gonna go for uh Leah Bush. It was not Leah Bush, okay, uh-huh. so you've You've gone. You've lost this one. So the person who's got the chance second is Stu. Uh, Joe, I'm going to go for it, Rich, because it's not my clue. So I'd rather get the more points. I'm going to go with Luke Stormtrooper. No, it's not Luke Stormtrooper. Oh, do I get a go? It's good. Yeah, I can wait for another clue. <laughs> um, I'll go for it. Luke X-wing. It is indeed Luke X-wing. Oh. Well done, Jez. You I have got Jez, yeah. four points. Yes, it's I a steal. Have. Well done. Okay. So the rest of the clues were I only came with one accessory, but should have had two to increase play value and to make me more accurate. I was the first variation of an already created action figure. And is it hay or goggles? Those were the last ones. Okay. Yeah. So moving on to Stu, you've got one or two, and don't forget you've still got a phone a friend. Um number one, please, Richard. I am packaged with two accessories, but only the DL20A is accurate. For the other, Kenner had the choice of the following, but chose not to go with them. They could have included a flamethrower, a pulse cannon, 
a repeating blaster, an electromagnetic projectile launcher, a sonic stunner, a paralysis cord, poison gas, or a thermal detonator. <laughs> what a toy that would have been, eh? <laughs> Do you know what? Most of that, I'm still trying to work out whether you said DLA or DAL. It was DLT20A. Um, go again, Rich. Give me an explanation. Okay, clue number two. I'll have a hollow tubes variation. Ah, uh, IG88. IG88, well done. Well done, IG88. Brilliant. Four points for Stu. Get it. Okay, Jez, you get number one. Yeah. I said number one. Did you? Hmm. No, you didn't. I right. did IG88 on the first go. <laughs> right, Jez, I'm going to give you another point. Yeah. You're on five now. Okay. Thanks, man. Bike us. Oh, we're up now. Don't stop giving him points. <laughs> right. This is unprecedented. My weapon of choice is an EC 17. Okay. Okay, moving on. Uh, so if I guess now, uh, is that me game over or can I carry yes, on? Yes, it moves on to Pete. All right, then. So, no, uh, I'll have another clue, please, Bob. I have an accessory that was specifically created for me, but it was sold separately. Okay, I think oh, I know where we are with this. Yeah, so I. I think I know where we are with this. Do you want to go um, one? I guess. No, I, do you know what? I'm going to go for it. Go for it. Chewbacca. No. Pete. Oh, you numpty. <laughs> Pete. Oh, I forgot. Are you on get, phone. Are you, you shut up. Pete, do you want to guess or do you want another clue? Oh, I don't know. Give me another clue. Come on. Okay. As a toy, I have two noticeably different helmets variations, but to be made more accurate, I should have had a retractable helmet so that you could see my face. <laughs> How random. Uh, Darth Vader? Nope. Unfortunately, it's not Darth Vader. That's what Moving I'm on to uh, Stu. Do you I'm want to guess? I'm going to guess because I want the yep. points. Is it Biker Scout? It is indeed Biker Scout. Oh. Well done. You've yeah, you know it is, because he accidentally said it before he I asked said it at the start. Question. <laughs> I actually said it at the said start. It. I, I read the wrong line out. I was expecting yeah. Jez to go... Uh, oh, why did you guess it then, Jez? Points. I didn't hear him say anything. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. You heard the answer, you didn't say it. That's a bit wrong. <laughs> well, it's you've got to make allowances. Having a bike or What accessory did Chewbacca have that was made? Bandolier. Yeah, if you couldn't put that on the action it. figure, could you? Yeah, it's yeah. not. Right. Okay, moving on. Scores on the door so far were Pete with Zilch, Stu with hey. seven, and Jez with five. Okay, so we're doing well so far. Right, category number two, ships and vehicles. Come on, Pete, you've got the choice. One, two, or three? Oh, uh, two. Two. Okay. I am incorrectly painted yellow on a toy display header. No idea. Keep going. I was planned to be re-released as part of the Power of the Force line, but I never made it. Yellow? Power of the Force line? God, I'd, I'd love to use Simon, but he's crap. <sighs> ships and vehicles, yeah? Yep, ships and vehicles. Oh, God. What, what would have been yellow? What would have been yellow? I can't think of anything that had been yellow. That sounds awful. Okay, been... moving on. Yeah. I was available on the following boxes. U.S. Kenner, Kana Canada, Lily Leddy, Bilogo, Trilogo, and Meccano. <laughs> that doesn't help. 
Uh, oh, I don't know. Rebel Troop Transporter, because I have no idea. No, unfortunately it's not. Moving on to Jez. Oh, by the way, I followed him last time. Did yeah. you? Okay, Where's then. Um, I'll have another clue, please, Bob. I was cut in a lot of scenes in Return of the Jedi due to difficulties with filling me in space. I'm going to go with Imperial Shuttle. No. Ah. Jez, do you want to guess or do you want the last clue? I'll have the last clue, please. I was not a popular seller with a retail price of $35. This is for one bonus point. Uh, Y-Wing. Oh, no, I'd love to give you the point. It was the B-Wing. The B-Wing was incorrectly painted yellow, and it was cut in a lot of scenes due to difficulties with filming such a thin ship in space. All right. Okay, Stu, you've got a choice of one or three. Well, I'll probably read a number, and you'll probably read the other one out anyway, Rich. Um, I'm going to go with three. Okay, you've probably took the hard of the two, right? I'd prefer it hard. Yeah. I was advertised as being suitable for play with the Imperial Commander in the catalogue. Although he never appeared on the box. Okay. Right, I thought next. that was really interesting, that. I've never seen the Imperial Commander linked with any ship of Yago, but never mind. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Next one. I was only available for about a year, and I was never reissued. <sighs> I want to guess something. I'm going to guess it. I'm not sure 100%. Is it the... um? Star Destroyer playset. No, it's not the Star Destroyer playset. Moving on to Jez. Do you want to go for it or another clue? I'll, can I have all the clues in one go, please? Just in case anyone lost any internet Just connection. Just want to go for a point. Absolute. <laughs> I was available on both US and Canada Kenna boxes and as a bi-logo box vehicle. Hmm. Mm. Children had options to create two different versions of me when I was purchased. And the last one... Death Star. Oh, I was going to give you one more clue. Nope, unfortunately, it's not the Death Star. Pete, do you want to guess or do you want the last clue? I'm I'm going to get it wrong, but it's not the the INT-4 or something. No, it's the Battle Damage TIE Fighter. Really? Yes, it was. So that one disappears. Yeah, the Battle Damage TIE Fighter, in the catalogue description, it's advertised that it's a perfect complimentary toy for the Imperial Commander. Right, okay, moving on. Jez, this one's one's probably the easiest of them, so I'm hoping for big things from you here, Jez. Okay, good one. Come on, let's do it. I am known as the Storm 4. Ah, easy. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe he's even thinking about it. Can you (laughs) wait? I'm known as the Storm 4. Yep. Well, you're not known to me, so I'll have another clue, please. <laughs> Project Outside of the Box on TIG shows a US Kenna box and a POC stroke PPB double stamped version only. However, it do also exist as a Palatoy and a Kenna Canada. Oh, Jess, come on. I, I think this is all just, I think I think you're all just winding me up. Um, do you know what? I Because you guys think you know... I'm going to ask Simon. Oh, we <laughs> Simon. Can I have those two clues again, please? Okay. I am also known as Storm 4, and Project Outside the Box shows a US Kenner box and a POC stroke PPB double stamped version, but I do also exist as a Palatoy and a Kenner Canada. Cloud car? Is that what you're going to go with, Jez? 
Yeah, because friendship is worth more than points. Well done. It is the cloud core. Oh, yeah. I'd say it was It's a good great shot, that, wasn't shot. it? Well yeah. done, so the other clues were larger retailers in the USA were offered a yellow stick at special offer version, which included the white best guard, a retail for nine ninety five, and in Canada you could buy special offer versions which included either one carded action figure or two carded action figures which were the same figure. I had no idea what that was yep. then when he was giving That's amazing. So the whole oh, Jeff, oh yeah, cheers, so I'm obvious, a, a guess. A <laughs> so when when you're giving it the whole storm four, Jez, you must know that. Jez, you must know that. Put <laughs> yeah. pressure on me. Mind, mind games, Jez. Mind games. Okay. But you, yeah. you were clever. You used um, yeah. So I got, so I got really lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no okay. <more>. Right. So <laughs> last round. So score so far. Pete, you're on zero, and you've used your lifeline. Stu, yeah. you're on seven, and you've still got your well, we'll just call it a, a just a lifeline. And Jez, you're on nine in, in the lead, and you've used your lifeline. So, okay, Pete, one, two, or three, and the category can, is play sets. Can I sabotage Jez? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can sabotage Jez by giving Stu the answers <laughs> to answer. Um, <laughs> two. Two. Mm, it's an interesting one, this one. Okay, number two. Some collectors consider one of my parts to be an exclusive action figure. Uh, your parts are exclusive action figure. Oh, is the the Droid Factory? Yeah. No, it's not. Unfortunately, oh, you've used your. As well, Pete. You've, you've oh, used your oh Stu, I'm trying to give you a freebie. Okay, moving on to Stu. The word "gun" was added to the Canadian playset boxes. Can you just read clue one again for me? Some collectors consider one of my parts to be an exclusive action figure. It's the Death Star. It's not the Death Star. We'll throw it over to Jez. Despite having a lot of plastic, I was not adapted for the UK market when I was sold under the Palatine name. Crumbs. Do you know what? There are two things in my mind. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go for the third clue, please. Uh, you've had the third one, so we're not the fourth one. Oh, really? I was first advertised on a 41C card back. Oh, good job I didn't go with my first choice then. Um, I, I tell you what, just because, you know, we like our six-hour podcasts, can you just go through all of them again, just yep. as quick as you can, Rich? And you've got one clue at the end still to come. So Ooh. some collectors consider one of my ports to be an exclusive action figure. Yep. The word gun was added to the Canadian playset boxes. Despite mm. having a lot of plastic, I was not adapted for the UK market when I was sold under the Palatoy name. I was first advertised on a 41C. And I've got all our listeners are screaming the answer out now. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> um, and I'm genuinely not, not even Googling this. Mm. No, it can't be. It can't be. No, it won't be. Um... Oh, bloody oh, got it. How, hang on a second. Hang on a second. What about um, got it. turret and probot set? Yeah. Brilliant. Well done, Jez. The turret and probot set. Well the last clue was, I am two different action sequences in one set. So that's you know two, two extra points for Jez. You, you had me on, when you said another action figure, and I would have said what Stu said, which was Death Star, because of Dinoga. Yep. And the next one I was thinking straight away was 
turret and probot set but when you started talking about oh all the extra stuff and i wasn't this and i wasn't that then it kind of threw me off track a little bit so oh, that was a shot in the dark shoot he's threw me off track because google just was not loading <laughs> <laughs> that's not true well, that's not true hey, Stuart, one i three. believe it actually cheers um i'll go with number one. Oh, you went with the harder one unfortunately okay. i've gone with that every time <laughs> but you know that's right. the way i roll okay you'll yeah, give it off the first question i think actually in canada Remember, this is playsets. In Canada, during a promotion, I was shipped with a Yoda action figure together with an 8x10 photo. I'm going to bring in my phone a friend here because I know I need the maximum points. So I either go big or go home here. So, Sai, I want to bring you in to, to discuss this with me. Pack your bags, baby. You're going home. What came with Yoda? Well, the obvious ones. It's Dagobah. Dagobah. But yeah. I, that, that's not how Rich rolls. What other ESB places were there? Well, you've it's been... not. It's not going to be the Hoff ones, is it? It's not. No. no. So you're then looking at Cloud City place. I've never known that. I don't even know if that came out in Canada. Yoda. Why would Yoda come with any other playset? The dude didn't leave Dagobah. <laughs> is it too obvious? Well, let's go. With, you've got to go. You've got to go with it. You've got to go yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. Rich Dagobah. Nope, it's not Diego Bar. Moving what? on to Jez. Do you want to go for it or do you want the next clue? Let's go clue again. Come on, clue okay. me up. I was described as weird in the catalogue description with no fewer than 10 recommended action figures in the promo shot. Got another one? I was initially designed to have a white base with predominant white and reds throughout the features. These were heavily changed before I was released. No. In the UK, they replaced some of the expensive plastic components with cardboard. <laughs> Death Star? No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to hey. Stu. Oh, sorry, hey. Pete. Pete. Okay. Oh, Do you want the last clue or are you going to go for it? <laughs> right, the last clue. My oh. base was reused in the Kenner Western Cafe playset. Oh. What? I know it now. Oh, I don't know, the canteen. Yeah, yes, the creature canteen at place. Yes, well done. point. One point. Yes. How odd, though, why was that packed with Yoda? If anybody knows random. that, can you just, you know, send us a message? Because I'd love to know why that was packed with Yoda. Do you reckon it was just because it was a creature and it was a cantina and it was a, oh, yeah, he's a creature, who knows? didn't care. Maybe, maybe Yoda's a drunk, we didn't know. Maybe well, that was a cutscene. He's probably got his own little brewery going on in, in Dagobah. Yeah. Jez. Last one. Run away leader, but if you yeah, fluff right. this up, mind, Stu could still sneak it. Stu, we've got to try and sabotage him. Okay. I am one of the few playsets for which a hard copy still exists. Oh. Sarlacc Pit, Jez. Sarlacc Pit from the Power of the Force range. Yeah. That's Thanks not what I'm going to go for. Next question, please. Bye the on. sculptor of this set carved his daughter's name into the features. Oh, I bloody know it. This is really good stuff. This is really good stuff. But all I need is one point. So I'm oh, go big, on, go big. On. You're you're going to play tactically. Tact. Look at this. This is disgusting. On, as a I'm special offer, this. This. as a special offer, I could be purchased with bagged accessories. Okay. Well, you still don't know it. Well, it could be one of a few things actually. So carry on, please, Richard. I have an extra piece which is designed for use with a droid. 
Carry on, please, Richard. And the last one for one point. Due to deterioration, I am one of the very few items whereby reproduction items are accepted. Yeah, well, this is Dagobah Swamp because Mm. of the foam. Brilliant. It It was Dagobah. Yes, get in. Jez, I take great pride in announcing you the winner. The winner of the tough, incredibly tough quiz. And you smashed everybody in every round. I held my nerve there. I held my nerve. I think you bottled it. I I think you bottled it. And I believe, if if I've got this right, the sculptor actually used tree branches to write his daughter's name on the playset. This is brilliant, Rich. So, for the 2018 league table... Um, we don't have a league table at the beginning. Yes, we do. The 2018 yes. league table of, of quizzes on the Vintage Rebellion podcast. Who is at the top of the table? Jazzy is. Oh, that's fantastic. He did a wrongy with righty. Faker sent to the detention centre. Have LFL been brushing up on the SWCA? The rebel base is on the moon on the far side. We are preparing to orbit the planet. Posty did a wrongy with righty. Is this, you know, is this some sort of illicit sexual encounter with the postman? Well, surprisingly not, Stu. Now, before we start this story, I really want to stress that Simon knows he's been a bit daft. So I don't think any criticism at all is going to help the situation. Simon, with hindsight, should never have done what he'd done. And I think, you know, it's just one of those situations where he's tried to help out a fellow collector and it's gone badly wrong. So just to give a, a little bit of background to the story for those who aren't away. Vectis, was it last year, I think? Probably early, early part of last year. They had sold an item that we discussed on the podcast, which was the Kenna Jawa that was found, mint on card, fully sealed, with the Harbot price tag on the back of it, the one that was for sale at Vectis. So that was purchased by Paul Chu, and Paul had taken it to celebration for Tom Darby of Collectibles and Vestige Brokerage to look at and examine, and he thought it was a fake, with two card backs that had been glued together. And we've discussed this among the podcast team, you know, how's it possible to do that? And then the likes of Nick Rayner and other people sent us photographs whereby cord backs have fell in half and you possibly could stick two together. And, you know, it was such a such a bizarre thing and nobody at the time really understood what was going on. Now, Paul sent this back to Vectis because he wasn't happy, paid a lot of money for this. And Vectis received the item but they checked it over again and they disagreed and said, actually, no, they believe it was genuinely be good. Now, unfortunately, Vectis have now said that there was further damage to it and that wasn't like that when Vectis had sent it on. So possibly, you know, in the inspection of it, you know, having a bit of a poke around to see if it was glued. Don't know what's really happened, but Vectis haven't taken it back and haven't accepted it because they believe it's genuine. Obviously, Paul's concerned, you know, he's got this item and he 
you know, he's been told by one guy it's a fake and another guy has said, no, it's absolutely not. So both Paul Chu and Nick Dykes had reached out to Simon Wright. And they reached out to Simon because Simon has an open bubbled version of the same card pack with a Harbard price sticker on the back. And he's had that for about four years. Since most of his collections and storage, he had to make a three hour round trip to go to his storage place. And he got the item out and he sent really close, detailed photographs to Paul, to Nick and to Tom Darby. Now, Tom said, yeah, he appreciated the photographs, but he would really like to have it in his hand so that he could examine both of them together. And, you know, Simon was kind of like, you know, it's Tom Darby, you know, formerly of EFA, CIB, really well respected. What could possibly go wrong? So Paul had said, OK, he has the address. Can you please post it off? Right. He said, well, how do you want it sent? He was then told to insure it for less than $50. The reason being, I presume, is because they didn't want to incur any of the um, import fees or any kind of taxes when it was sent to the States. So Simon did that. He insured it for $50, but he didn't use Paul's FedEx services. He sent it by a service called Aussie Post, which is, which is very similar. A two-day courier picked up the item and off to the US it went. And it was posted on the 2nd of November. But on the 7th of November, he received an update to say it had been delivered. So he contacted Tom, and Tom had said, don't know what you're on about, nothing's arrived. Simon contacted Ozpost and said, can I have a tracking number, because you've told me that this item's arrived, but the person who was meant to have received it hasn't received it. So Ozpost did a bit of searching on it and said, actually, it's been delivered to somebody in the UK. So Simon has obviously had a really difficult time all through November, a really difficult time all the way through December, and on Tuesday the 5th of December, Aussie Post declared it lost and the case was closed. Simon was absolutely devastated, as anybody would be. Immediately kicking himself, thinking, why did I send it for $50 insurance? At the end of the day, he was only trying to help out the fellow collector. He then launched the, the Where is Right is Parcel campaign. And he now has quite a big bounty, if found, he would pay out 3000 Australian dollars for the safe return of the card back and bubble and then once he's got it back he's then in his words deal with the muppets that caused this later now everybody he's contacted aussie post the other you know the local shipping companies they've all said it was delivered to a place in the uk and as each week went by there was another update to where it possibly could be he learned it was delivered in birmingham and then after a bit more digging somebody called jay bailey in birmingham Eventually, he got tipped off that it's at a company called Selfridges, which is a big department store in the UK, and there is a Jay Bailey who works in Selfridges. A guy in the forum then said, well, you know what? I work just over the road from Selfridges. Do you want me to pop in and see what we can do? So DHL, who were the company who delivered it in the UK, they contacted Wrighty fairly recently, and they had said that... Yes, we can confirm it's gone to Selfridges in Birmingham. That's where I believe it to be. Your best chance is to contact Selfridges directly. And Simon did that. And the response from Selfridges was, Good evening, Simon. Jay Bailey does indeed work for us. He works in the department area of Selfridges. Typically, we accept multiple pallets at one time with hundreds of deliveries on them. 
And unfortunately, due to the amount of parcels we deliver to salvages, they are signed for bulk unchecked. Jay Bailey has confirmed that he does not recall the parcel, though because of the amount of shipments that he receives on a daily basis, it's not something that's unusual, and I'm not going to say that he hasn't received the delivery. We have your details on file, and we will contact you if we find any trace of the parcel in our warehouse. I feel sorry to deliver you this disappointing news. And that's signed by the customer care team manager. Incredibly sad story. I really hope that at some point, if it's been delivered to Jay Bailey and Selfridges, that this gets returned back to Wrighty. If it hasn't been delivered in Birmingham, and it has been delivered to the US, and it's in some kind of customs area, that it gets turned back and sent back to Wrighty. Thankfully, a lot of people on Stores Forum UK have been contacting and said, don't necessarily worry. There have been a similar situations whereby six months in the future, items have been found and then returned. It's about the size of a trainer shoebox, okay? Bright red with clearly labelled markings on it, you know, post at Simon Wright, and we really hope this parcel gets back to where it should be. So from all of us, Stars Forum UK, Vintage Rebellion, all of the different facets of the community, all of us really hope that rightly you get that back you try to do a really good thing. It's very unfortunate. It's nobody's fault. We all know how bitter you're going to be feeling about this, but it isn't really anybody's fault that this has happened, other than, as you've said, the Muppets who've lost your parcel. I, I looked through the thread, Rich. I don't even know how it's ended up in the UK. There's just nothing on that address, which is British, that, you know, clearly yeah. states. USA, um, USA codes. It's not. A, I just really don't even know how it ends up in the wrong country, let alone the wrong address. It's possibly being a mistake in the post office, isn't it, where there's the USA pile, there's the UK pile, it's been put on the wrong pile, or it's fell off the wrong pile, somebody's picked it up and put it on the other pile. And but then to caught... still end up in the wrong place, though, even if it ends well, up in the UK, you'd think they'd then look at it, but to then yeah. deliver it in Birmingham... That's the problem. Why would anybody try to deliver it to a guy in Birmingham? How's it got added to this huge pallet? It, d- it does not make any sense at all. You're, you're totally right. I can accept it's went to the UK by mistake. I can get that bit. You know? Unless unless it's one of these, you, you see these videos of workers, don't you, that it's in the wrong country. The sorters just looked at it and just dumped it in a big pile that's going somewhere. But, yeah, because it's less hustle. Yeah. I've had a few of these, Rich, um, stuff that suddenly appears in another country. And how on earth is that going on? So... Yeah, let's say I'm sending something to the to, you know, Chile, and uh, suddenly I look through it and it's in in Australia, and you go, what? <laughs> I don't know whether it's just someone keying in the wrong thing, or it just gets put in. Like, like I said, it it might have just been a box lying there, fallen off uh, a delivery, and they just whack it. Like I said, he's got a pallet coming in to Salfridges, and they've just gone, well, there's probably from there, and thrown it on. It's just it's just un unbelievable and. You know, I'm actually gutted for the person who's who sent this, but that whole insurance thing, you know, that, so that is very frustrating. Well, the sad thing is, you, you, uh, also, this could be sent to someone who knows nothing about Star Wars, nothing about the community, you know, but the majority of people don't. Open up something like that, see an old piece of damaged cardboard and just toss it in the bin. And that's yeah. a really, really, really rare piece of history there with regards to Star Wars. And... It'll probably never be seen again. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it's worth. In I know it's, it's a bit after the uh, horses bolted kind of situation, but maybe just if you are sending stuff, just put a put a note in there or a letter, just saying if this does go astray, this is what it is. 
you don't have to put a value on it, but just say this is there. This means something. If it is a bit of a random cardboard and with a bubble on it, maybe it is worth putting a note in there saying this this actually means something to me. If it does get lost, please you know contact me and I'll pay for a return of postage. I know it's like I said, it's a bit after the Lord's Lord Mayor show, but maybe it is worth doing something along those lines. Death Star Right, Faker sent to the detention centre. Now, this is a little story about that really famous and quite hard to come by He-Man figure being sent to jail, I believe. You know what, Stu, right? I don't think this was my title. I'm pretty sure. I didn't, you know. I'm pretty sure that Mr. Jez came up with this one all by himself. Is that correct? Well... You just said, oh, I want to add this. You didn't give me a title or anything, so I, I knew that you would come up with a title, so this is just a uh, placeholder. What, what, what a great uh, jazz. You know, you're such a great guy. You're such a great guy. You've started 2018, right? Fair <laughs> enough, right? You had a crop 2016 and a crop 2017, right? But I'm, I'm a great believer that anybody can change. You smashed the quiz, and you've contributed one great Rebel Briefing title. So you keep <laughs> it going, boy, or you keep it going. Right, anyway, back onto the story. Back onto the story. So we talked about this in a show a couple of months ago um, when we had Aussie James on. We talked about the fake Leah Blasters and, you know, how they had infiltrated the UK market. And you had a couple of guys on eBay who were selling vast quantities of these. Other people were going, they're not fake, you know, they're genuine. He found them. He found them in the Palatoy factory. But obviously, you know, once the guys like, you know, the Jabba's Court guys and, and Aussie delved into it, definite fakes. So... But from our point of view, a really, really positive end of that story. So the guy who was acquiring these items, Christopher Smith, as we now know, 42, who was from Teesside, which isn't too far away from me. It's actually in Vectis territory. He has been jailed and he was caught with 2,000 fake garments, mostly children's football kits and tracksuits in his attic. There was no mention at all on any of the news articles about um, these, these Star Wars weapons, which is a bit of a shame. Chris was selling these items to his sister's husband or sister's boyfriend, EB account, and he was called Paul Gilden. So he went by P-E-U Glynn hyphen six on EB. So that account has now been shut down. So Paul, Paul Gilden, who was, um, it was his EB account, but it was Chris who was selling them through his account on EB. And what can we say? What a victory for the guys, especially the Jabba's Court guys, because um, Nick Reeves was very, very quick portion. This is the guy, you know, he's been caught, he's been jailed for six months. Absolutely fantastic news. Now, there's nothing at all in the article that actually links him to Star Wars items. So so Nick and, and the guys, you know, Jim Woolley and them, they've obviously done some great research on this and a fantastic story. So, and there's a couple... There's a couple of others, obviously, EB accounts as well. We've got that Tom Lee 6, which a few people are questioning. Now, he was a guy who bought a load of these fake blasters from um, Chris or Paul on eBay. Um, but he knows the fake and is selling them. Um, so a couple of guys asking, well, what's going to happen with the Tom Lee 6 account? Is that one going to get shut down? Has it been shut down? And then quite a few people are saying, okay, who's next in the target lights? Should we start going again after Darren Orm or other people who are selling the replicated items? All I can just say is this is a fantastic piece of news. Really, really pleased. I'm finally glad that EP has taken some notice and they've shut down fake sellers' account. But obviously, this is because they've been selling current licensed products, such as Nike tracksuits and things like that. Whereas, you know, the license for these Kenner items, I think a lot of people are turning a blind eye. But I really hope that this has got a lot of people panicking now. 
can we just clarify? Did eBay close the account down, or the account down, or did Paul Gilding close the account down following the arresting conviction of his brother-in-law? Well, we don't know that because the account is completely gone, so we we don't yeah. know. And that. also, I didn't see any dodgy tracksuits or football stuff being sold on the Paul Gilding Six account. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think eBay have actually done a damned thing, which would fit entirely in with their approach to reproduction and fake items. Uh, That's it's, a good been point, dis- huh? it's been quite a discussion point on Star Wars forum where they have posted someone, I can't remember which user it was, but they had an extended chat conversation with a eBay customer service representative who basically turned round and said, no, it's fine to sell reproduction items as long as you list them as reproduction. Couldn't give a toss and will not give a toss because it's all about their bottom line. They're a bunch of greedy. Um, you know what? In terms of Tommy Six, I've been having great fun with Tommy Six on eBay. I sent him when it, when he was trying to peddle the weapons as oh they've been in my family for ages they were in a loft I got them with a load of toys he, he's come out with a different story every other day and I'd message him saying you know you are aware you know where you got these from because your last bit of feedback as a buyer was from Paul Gildon Six um, and he said oh no no they they I've had them forever and he's not the most intelligent chap. Let's put it like that. You can you can you can tell from his grammar, bless him. And then um, I think one of someone on Jabber's court was it posted a load of feedback on his account saying these are a fake load of rubbish and gave him three negative feedbacks and all the rest of it, making up stories about where he's got them from. So I messaged him again last night. I said I thought I'd explain to you what fraud is. Uh, do you do you need a reminder again? Oh, just to let you know, your mate Chris Smith's just been sent down for eighteen months for flogging fake football kits alongside his fake Star Wars stuff. Good luck with avoiding the uh, law enforcement. And he said, I've stopped selling the stuff. I've stopped selling the stuff. Anyway, why would they bother? It's only it's only toys. I said, weirdly enough, he said the same sort of thing about kids' football kits. Here's a link to the story. Uh, and he said, oh, well, I'm not selling any weapons anymore, just figures. So, and having a look at his account today, it does appear that he is now just selling figures. That's Tom Lee Six. Yeah, I've great bit of knowledge. So I, I didn't know a lot of that. Yes, you're right. He's been he's been jailed for eighteen months, but I think probably under the UK justice system, he probably is going to be out in six. But you know, it goes to show. I, I mean, the, this guy's in danger of losing his house now. He was already in mortgage arrears. Under normal circumstances, I've, I'd have sympathy. I've got none, absolutely none. He's a plague on the community. You know, it's not helping the community. He's not doing anything. You know, if if you had made, we've talked about this before. If you had made the weapons white, if you had made the weapons red, but he's genuinely went out there to deceive. I've got no sympathy at all. It's a fantastic result, uh, but let's not forget that it's a fantastic result because the copyright and trademark holders of the football kits actually care. What's very clear is Disney have got zero interest in the vintage market. They could kick up a stink about this sort of thing. They could get people like Chris Smith prosecuted and Darren Orm so easily. So, so easily. But they don't care because, frankly, they've got bigger fish to fry over there. There's no benefit in, in setting their lawyers on these people. Uh, it, the, the, the intellectual property, such as it is, is donkey's years old. They're not making this stuff like that anymore. If they were knocking out the new figures from TLJ or something like that, then I'm sure they'd be all over them. But... They've got no interest in this. So this result has come about purely because football clubs don't like their bottom lines being um, affected 
regardless, it is a great result, and I quite agree. Zero sympathy. Don't drop the soap, Chris. Mm, yep, the greedy got greedier. Rebel base, one minute and closing. Have LFL been brushing up on the SWCA? You can tell that Rich wrote this one and not Jez, with all the initials and stuff. So, Rich, what are you going on about? Well... A lot of talk on Facebook on this one. So the leaked Lego poster, um, shots from the new solo movie. Guys, you've looked at the poster. So what is it initially that got people excited? It's the bit in the front of the Falcon. Yeah. So the front of the Millennium Falcon, where we've got that gap on the the Kenner toy, where there's a gap in the movies, that's got people looking at it and thinking, hold on a second, the gap's not there in the poster. But then... Disney, Lucasfilm, whoever it was, come out and said, no, these leaked images aren't genuine. These are fan-made images. You know, take no notice of them, etc., etc. A couple of days gone by and have now been confirmed as being legitimate images. We have talked about this a long time ago, and I'm not even going... Actually, Stu, you claim to be the podcast genius. When did we talk about this item that I'm going to cover? Can you remember which episode? Cool. Blimey, Rich, that is a that's got to be right back in the early days. Yeah, I think it is probably about episode four or something. Yeah. But on the SWCA, they've got some fantastic, absolutely awesome images that have come from a line extension presentation binder, which is basically photographs of toys that may have been introduced to extend the line. And on one of those items was a mini rig. And it's a very, very small mini rig that would have fit snugly into that gap at the front of the Millennium Falcon. And it would be its own little detachable ship. Genius idea, because it had the potential to sell two toys. The low-cost mini rig, which would have been, you know, probably at the same price as the mini rigs, but also to rejuvenate the sales of the Millennium Falcon. Because by that point, you would have had a lot of children growing up who may not have been able to get a Falcon as easily. Genius idea, reusing something like that. Okay, it was absolutely brilliant. Do you think that with everything that we've seen in Rebels, you know, with them going back and digging out you know, the Imperial Troop Transport, does anybody think that people at Lucasfilm have been really doing their homework here and have actually went and scoured things like the Kenner archives, having a look at images such as what's on the SWC, to get inspiration for things that could make the vintage fans go, wow, I get that, little Easter eggs. Rich, I think that a lot of the speculation and stuff has come from the fact that, I can't remember which book it was, but um, in, in some of the, the Lucasfilm concepts, the Millennium Falcon was supposed to have been from a, a disc-shaped ship, which had additions on it, so you had things to, to, to pick up and load, and weaponry, and all sorts. So the concept was supposed to have been a disc, and then you had all sorts of bits and pieces. So I would think that what they've done with a lot of this stuff has gone back to those original drafts and drawings and uh, and and seen where, you know, what, what are the concepts they came up with? Because um, I've been reading a lot of the J.W. Rinsler books and so much of the modern stuff has emerged. And I'm talking about modern films, modern you know, things like Rebels and Last Jedi and stuff. A lot of that stuff has, has emerged from the original storylines the original drawings um so i think I, I don't think they would have gone looking at vintage toys but i think because those vintage toys came from concepts that uh, that existed back in the uh, the very early days now i've got a feeling if you go back and read the jw rinsler 
um, Han Solo concepts of his storyline, I reckon you might be able to work out what the film's going to be about. Yeah, I think that's a good point, actually, uh, Pete. I believe the image is also in Steve Sansweet's from Concept of Screen to Collectible book as well. I think it's in the, 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 the photograph of the, of this item that we discussed. Personally, I agree with you, Pete. I don't think for any second at all whatsoever as went back and had a look at Kenner, you know, drawings and Kenner ideas for toys. It's probably much more likely, you know, in the, like in the case of um, Dave Filoni, in that these guys might have had mini rigs as a child and thought, you know, it would be interesting to stick one or two of them in there, such as like what Dave did with Imperial 2 Transport. But I think you're right on this one in that if there is anything at the front of the vehicle, I, I don't think they've lightened to the fact of it's if it, if it's a detachable ship, such as what we're seeing on the SWCA. When you look at the image, and yes, it is an artistic impression, this image. I'm not sure if other images have been released yet. But when you look at the image, it's, it's a little bit difficult to see whether it's intentionally been designed like that or whether it is, you know, a gap that has been filled in, or whether indeed, like what you've said there, possibly it, it is a different front of the ship. What do you think of the ICWCA's mini rig then? What, how would the, that have ranked in your mini rig collection? It, it doesn't look right to me in that image, with it sitting in there. I should think it would be a wicked little ship, but when it's sitting in the Falcon, it doesn't look like it should be part of the Falcon. So it's just the way they've that concept's been made, that prototype thing. But I take it this actually exists by someone, yeah? Someone's got this piece? I think Steve Sunspeed's got this. Oh, here it is. It says it on the CI bit. From the collection it... of Lisa Stevens and Vic Wirtz. Um, I think that may be the page of the binders from the collection of Lisa Stevens and Vic Wirtz. Oh, yes. It's an image, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Okay. Do you know what, Rich? If you remember back to Essen, when they first started launching the Rebels cartoon, they were telling Mm -hmm. us all about it, and they were saying, yeah, you know, we've gone back and and we've looked at the early Macquarie stuff, and we've looked at the original artwork, and they've tinkered with it, and they've changed this, that, and the other, and they brought stuff in, and they showed comparison shots between the Rebels animated series and the original artwork. And I think that's it. I think Pete was right, that they've gone back through the archives, not necessarily Kenner and stuff like that, but I was on the Star Wars Collector's Archive doing a little bit of research for our new acquisitions later on, and there was an unproduced droid. I can't remember for the life of me, unfortunately, the name of it, but there was an unproduced uh, droid thing. I looked at it, and the way it had a cape on it, I thought, that looks a little bit like Captain Phasma in some respects. And and I, I think they do they do look at it and, and think you know, really holistically about the whole Star Wars concept from beginning to end and, and just try and, um, as you say, little Easter eggs for people, and little little nods and just recognition of what was fantastic work back in the day, um, which didn't make the cut, but they're now recognising it as, oh, that, that was really good. Let's just reuse that. Uh, I think it's really respectful. I think it's really great. Yeah, definitely respectful. That's a good word. But I, I think I agree with Stu a bit here in that, I don't think this toy in particular works with the Kenner toy. It looks, I don't know, it, it to me it spoils the toy. The part of the reason why the Kenner Millennium Falcon was so brilliant was it was so movie accurate in the detail and the, you know, the sculpts and it was, it was fantastic. And then you've, you've put this thing on the front of it that's nowhere near as detailed. And I appreciate the fact that it's a prototype and it may be, it may have been adapted further. It may be a little bit more detailed if it was going to be released. 
but it does just look like something that's going to be fired out, like a, a gun or a bullet, or, or or to go into nowadays the the nerf the nerf darts. You know, that's what it reminds me of a little bit. This is the nerf dart kind of extra that's been added on that's going to be fired off. As a mini rig, I don't think I would have been too keen to have that one as a child. Really, from a playability point of view, let's just throw it in there and mix with vehicle maintenance energizer. No disrespect, um, you know I, I like the vehicle maintenance energizer, but there are a few other mini rigs, which are standalones. You know, not not this, not that, not really. You don't know is it a goody ship? Is it a baddie ship? But if there's something that can feature as part of the Millennium Falcon, well, you know that's a goody ship. And from and from a playability point of view, yeah, I I, I take that over one of the other random mini rigs which you can't necessarily remember yeah i'm surprised with that yeah i am surprised. It's quite cool as a as a standalone ship it just that image just it just doesn't sit right in the falcon to me it doesn't look like it's part of that ship but well, as a mini rig it'd be awesome yeah i mean this whole thing surprises me slightly because when i saw the poster the first one come out um then someone came back quite quickly saying yeah lucasfilm said this is a fake so when you put this in the show notes saying, yeah, we looked at this as Lucasfilm looking at it, I thought, well, this isn't really going to go into much because it's been it's been hailed as a fake. But So it surprised me when you said that, no, no, this is legit. Looks like it's crashed into the front of the Falcon. Does it make you more interested in the Solo movie? No, not really. I'm just looking forward to the movie. You know, big, big Star Wars fan. Loved Last Jedi. I've seen it six times now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, no, I'm just looking forward to it. I, I don't yeah. need a poster. I think my big worry looking at that is the Millennium Falcon is almost a perfect ship. Don't do anything to ruin the Millennium Falcon for me. That's that. That would be my one big concern. Well, I believe that. Um, so and sorry to say, I can't remember which film and when that he has made modifications to the Millennium mm-hmm. Falcon in the original trilogy. So I, I think we're going to have to accept there's going to be some change from what we saw in the first Star Wars film and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi to what we're, we're going to get there um, yeah. in, in that film because otherwise it, it won't, won't, won't make much sense. So I'm assuming we're going to see it in its original Corellian fight, fighter or transport ship or whatever it was originally intended for and then Han Solo turns into a smuggler's well, vest. We did Definitely. in the Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, but was that 100% confirmed that that was the ship? I mean, I mean, what's the story there? We, we, we just don't know. We just don't mm. know. If you take screenshots of the inside of the Millennium Falcon in episode four versus um, what we will be seeing in Red Cup or what we will be seeing in the Han Solo movie, um, the inside of Millennium Falcon, the the cockpit will be different. There'll be some subtleties because he's made a few special modifications. It's it's nice to think that Lucasfilm all put the time and effort in to go back, have a look at early concept designs. I mean, who's to know? Perhaps even Kenner got this idea from an early Lucasfilm idea for the mini rig. We don't know enough about that item, so it would be nice if one of the Vintage Podcast Alliance guys could contact us and say, no, this was a Kenner-inspired item. It was a Kenner concept. It wasn't a Lucasfilm concept. And where was the basis for that? That would be really interesting to know. Looking forward to the Han Solo movie. Don't want to see any more leaked images, though.
year is 1978, and Palatoy bring you Star Wars. Here on Death Star, Ben Kenobi combats the awesome power of Darth Vader, while Han and Leia battle for their lives in the trash compactor. Luke evades the stormtroopers with R2, D2, and C-3PO, but can he escape in the X-Wing fighter? Only you will know. Only you can create your own Star Wars. Death Star, vehicles, figures, all sold separately. May the Force be with you. I, I, I was under a bit of pressure when he told me Simon was joining us, so I can't, you know, I've got to... Brilliant. Oh, this is going to be entertaining. Siam, um, I think when we put Siam on board on the podcast, he messaged me and he went, he goes, if there's any Palatoy talk, always bring me in on it, he said, because there's nothing I don't know about Palatoy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a... Yeah, so prepare to be grilled, John, yeah, because I know everything. <laughs> Delighted to welcome John Abes, better known on the Star Wars forum as Palatoy Junkie. Now, John, welcome to the Vintage Rebellion and a huge Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you guys as well, and it's it's an honour and a pleasure to be asked to be on. I really appreciate that, and I love listening to your show. Joining us to discuss Vintage Star Wars with John this evening, who else would we choose off the podcast but our own Palatoy expert, Simon? Good evening, Si. What are you doing? Palatoy <laughs> expert? You've just set me up for failure, like I need setting up. Evening, Stu. Evening, John. Evening. You've got quite a few showcases on the Star Wars form if people want to go and check out your your items. Something yep. I noticed on, I think it's on page, I think it might even be the front page of the showcase at the moment, is uh, in December you posted an image of your beautiful Empire Strikes Back quad poster, which you've been trying to get signed by cast and crew. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, so I purchased that poster, I think it was early 2016, and I just sort of had an idea. It would be like really nice to get some of this signed up. You know, celebration was around the corner, so I thought that would be ideal. I sort of made the decision to... To, um, to sort of prioritise that. It, it was quite a sacrifice because I, I did miss out on a fair bit of stuff, you know. I mean, the amount of queue time that was involved, it really did eat up a lot of showtime and there was quite a few talks and things that I missed. It was a sacrifice, but I'd sort of managed to do exactly what I wanted to do. I, you know, I got all the signatures I really wanted. Are you yeah. purely going down Empire? Yes, so that that was... So basically everybody on that poster that signed it would have been in the Empire Strikes Back. I'm just looking down the um the list of people you've got here obviously yes so i'm guessing mark hamill yes. carrie fisher anthony daniels uh-huh. yep uh peter mayhew all at celebration yes billy d wasn't there was he so you know he wasn't um i i got him recently I, I don't like to say it but you know time's getting on you know these people are not getting any younger and you um you know we we, we sadly lost two of them but i got signed you know carrie and kenny yeah i was supposed to say it's great that you've You've managed yeah. to get Kenny and Carrie on there. Absolutely. Obviously, because 2017 wasn't a good year. And if you've only been doing this 18 months, it's obviously the likes of Ford and uh, Lucas aren't going to be. No, no. I've, I said I'm um, optimistically, or stupid optimism, left a nice space for them, but I don't expect them to be filled. You well, never, I never know. say never. You, know, you never know. Just out of interest, we often see people online getting a bit of jip about signing mint on cards. You haven't had any yeah. bad reaction about getting a vintage poster signed? No, I, I don't know. It seems to be a tad different when you um, get 
posters signed seems to be more acceptable to collectors for some reason I don't know why because I, 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 I wouldn't get a vintage card signed even if it was by Ford or Lucas I, I wouldn't get them to sign it what, what I've done I've got a couple of like acrylic cases and they've signed the outside of the case so you look at it and it looks signed and you can obviously take the figure out so it's card isn't signed yeah. you, you do the same don't you you've got a um, poster you're getting I have but I started mine in about 96 97 wow. and I haven't got that many signatures yet so I mean, you've you, you, done if well if you took the show away I, I wouldn't have that many either it, it was that one hit on the show that really helped out but you know that's amazing mate it just looks amazing and you, you yeah. stuck with the silver ink on, against the black case I, 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 did. Um, I remember Tony Daniels was like saying, "Oh, I don't think I should sign that in silver. It'll look better in another colour." And I was like, "And I was trying to be polite." I said, I said you, "You're probably right, but I just I want to keep it uniform because all the others are silver, and you, you sort of got to try and find the darkest parts of the poster to have the silver and for it to show out <laughs> the best. It, it's it's difficult, but I think it's not too bad so far." Who wanted to sign it in a different colour? Um, Anthony Daniels. Oh, he would do. Of wouldn't course, he, he yeah. did. Yeah, <laughs> just to stand out and be different. Yeah, he sort of looked to me and, and he was he did it yeah but it looks amazing to be honest with you I, I don't think mint on card signed make the card look any better but the poster looks amazing you know and it's kind of makes a bit more sense to me to have okay. the signatures on that than yeah. on a, a toy it's Thank funny you, isn't man. it because as you say toys no no posters yeah. yes books absolutely yeah so I wouldn't mind one or two on there I, I don't know I mean I see some posters and, and they are they've got so many signatures all over them and bits had overkill but so I, I'll just stick to as main characters as I, as I can. I wouldn't mind maybe Captain Needers on there. It would be amazing to get, say, Frank Oz or John Williams, something like that, but I think I'd be quite lucky to get that. Let's go back to your childhood. So I was born in uh, October 75. Obviously, Star Wars came out 25th of May 77, and in this country, I think it was the um, the day after Boxing Day, um, end of 77. So I'd have been just over two. Um, unfortunately, I was a bit too young to enjoy Star Wars coming out. My era was definitely more late Empire Jedi. That was when I got my toys. Were these your main toys as a child? From memory, those are the main toys that I can remember and a bit of Lego. But it was it was mainly Star Wars, yeah. Did you have quite a good set as a kid? I, I didn't have the biggest set. I mean, one of the lovely things is when, when you was a kid, like, you know, you, you wouldn't have it all, but you're... Between you and your friends, you'd, you'd have probably most of it. And um, I remember one of my friends was quite spoiled. I mean, his mum used to go all over the place to get his stuff, you know, Harrods, uh, Hamleys, Selfridges, you know. And she used, to, she used to be on the phone to my mum saying, oh, you know, I'm glad I found this, I found that. And I mean, he, he had so much. I think my other friend had a few bits. But I, I, don't, I didn't have a massive collection. Um, I only remember having, like, uh, the Atat and the X-Wing and a few mini rigs, like Jabba the Hutt and stuff as a kid. If I went shopping with mum to the local um, shopping centre, I'd, I'd get one figure a week. Um, I'd, I'd only ever get like a major toy for Christmas or birthday or something. Life was different back then, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it, you know, I was over the moon getting a figure a week. It was, you know, it's brilliant. You know, so. Yeah, I, I never had an incredible collection. I'm taking your love of Palatoy. Uh, your memories are of the. Well, do you know, so, do you know, do you know something? I, I'll stop you dead right there. Um, I actually remember the Kenner logo more than the Palatoy logo. Man, and right. The reason for that, and, and, and the reason for that is pretty simple. Because when I got into um, Star Wars figures, the the Palatoy logo was more or less all but disappeared. So on on the Palatoy stuff, you know, after eighty one. 
82, the logo is pretty much not there. I remember getting a few pieces that were Kenner imports. So my ATAT was a Kenner. The story goes, one evening, my friend's mum called my mum and she said, oh, Tesco have just got a load of ATATs in because when they came out, they were hot. I mean, they, they were sold out everywhere, I think. <laughs> but they, Tesco got a load in. I think they got a load of, it was a Kenner import. It was the box that was half um, colour and half black and white. It was cheap as well. I think it was like about 22 quid, my mum said to me. And she went Friday night and picked one up and she actually put it in a big black bag and hid it around the corner in the front garden so I wouldn't find it for Christmas. I've, I've not got a Palotoata, I've got a Kenner one because that's the one I had. The exact same one, it's got the uh, survival kit offer on the front of the box and that's the one I've got in my collection, like the uh, Mint Unused and I've, I've got the original box I had as a kid as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure like everyone else, you either put them away somewhere when you got to a certain age or, or sold them on. Well, uh, mum was quite a hoarder and um, I think she kept that asset box, it was great for putting blankets in it or something, she used to use it for storage. The figures, they like she sent off for the Darth Vader as collector's case I think you have to send off about six or eight name tags some postage price and my figures stayed in there she sort of put that away for, yeah I, I just forgot about them all I suppose you still got them today yes yes I have yeah, yeah thankfully she kept them and I've got them today we move on okay so you, okay. You know, for your teen years and whatnot you get to around 95 96 and we're getting yep. Star Wars has been rehashed it's back at the cinema Yes. And Star Wars toys are back on the shelves after oh, yes. a, a bleak, bleak period. Now, absolutely, was this something you uh, you fell for like the rest of us, or absolutely? Did it so I, I, I'll tell you what happened. They re-released Star Wars for the last time. They just they remastered on VHS, and I think it was '95. And I went out and I bought all three movies widescreen, of course. And uh, <laughs> inside each cassette, there was this little promo leaflet promoting the release of the new Power of the Force two line toys. And what blew me away was the vehicles, not the figures, because I thought the figures looked terrible but the vehicles they were incredible because they used the same molds and um it was just a bit more detail better color and so on more realistic and it but but i, I recognize them as, as vintage vehicles because of the you know the molds were the same and in the promo promo leaflet they were using original vintage figures so like the land speed i think you had luke and ben in the land speed like the original vintage toys just as like a display uh, model so that's what got me going i thought wow this is incredible and um i said i've got to get a couple of these because i at the time i I didn't really know what vintage would be available i i I suppose i I thought i'm never going to get the original toys again so i went out and i bought the uh the x-wing the land speeder and the falcon Um, do you remember what kind of price they were the yeah, I, I do. The, the land speeder was about a tenner. Um, I think the X-Wing was under £20 and, and the Falcon was actually expensive. That was like 50 quid, £49 something. Yeah, quite a lot in the mid-90s. Now the universe has changed forever. The Star Wars Power of the Force collection. When Darth Vader and his stormtroopers attack, join Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. Escape in the mighty Millennium Falcon. Experience the real movie sounds of light speed. When Darth Vader's TIE Fighters are on your tail, hear the force of the Falcon's turbo lasers. Can you blast Vader's TIE Fighters to pieces? Never underestimate the power of the force. The Star Wars Power of the Force collection, each sold separately from Kenner. You picked those three up. Did you I actually did. Um, end up buying any of the figures? I didn't. I, I, I Okay, I think I remember buying the Han Solo in Carbonites. That was the only figure I remember buying. I did not buy any of the others. I, I, I just didn't like them. Yeah, when they got past the bulky figures, they were nice. Sorry, yep. you're a massive Power of the Force 2 fan. Oh, I did my, the Dark Secrets well and truly, aren't they? I love Power of the Force 2. I, I think the sculpts from the sort of freeze frame era onwards were 
absolutely brilliant. So, uh, yeah. but John, your your original figures, what sort of condition were they in when um, when you rediscovered well, well, them? Well played with. So yeah. As a kid, I bit off every um, NT of every lightsaber because, as a kid, I thought the lightsaber should be the same width all the way along, like you know, a lightsaber in a film. <laughs> totally. And so, so that was my um, argument for biting the ends off. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that that was. Like, a conscious yeah. decision justification <laughs> that's, that's what it was yeah absolutely and um, they, they were well played with so, some of the figures were in lovely condition I remember the boss was amazing for some reason I don't know why so you never maybe played with him as a kid maybe though. I never played with him maybe I just sort of sat him there and left him alone but you bought a few ships and you yes. mixed them in with your original figures I, I opened them I applied the stickers and I displayed them and I was yeah I was happy as Larry and you've still got them as well I take it no I haven't they actually went not long after because I uh, sort of moved on discovering a bit of vintage and um the guy who took my Falcon, it was a shop called Mother's Loft in um, Croydon. And the guy said, look, he said, there's such a massive amount of stickers and you've applied them perfectly. He said, I'll be able to sell this so easily to like a kid because the stickers have already been applied and it, it looks great. I said, OK, fair enough. And I think I, um, I got rid of them all there. I just traded them in. Well, you traded them for vintage? Yeah. That was in the late 90s, I think. I've done that. You're starting to buy vintage. Where are you finding your vintage in the 90s? Because obviously, before the internet, yeah. is right. So there, there was a shop relatively local to me called um, the New Curiosity Shop, a place called Southgate. It's quite an amusing story. I, I remember first walking past the window and seeing um, a Kenner diecast carded land speeder in the window. And the uh, the price on it said 100. And I thought it was a pound. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and and then I was uh, educated, and you know the rest is history. Really, I, was, I always have that vivid memory. Pretty expensive still, yeah, late nineties. Yeah, twenty absolutely. years ago, because yeah. you wouldn't pay that much more than that now. I wouldn't. No, have no, you're right. It, it was it was very expensive because there wasn't any vintage anywhere else in the area. To be honest, they were cleaning up. They'd buy collections and they displayed them in the window and that. And I remember every and at the end of every week, the figures, the loose figures I had in the window, they'd all, all have gone. They'd have sold them all and had a fresh batch of next week. You've got this shop. Did you um, frequent the toy fairs that were Jason Joyner was putting on at that time? I started to go to those soon after discovering that shop, sort of advancing, if you like. Yeah, natural progression, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and that, that really was an eye-opener. You know, going to the fairs, I mean, you get such a buzz going um, to those back then because, as you say, there was no internet. You couldn't look at lovely Star Wars toys online. You'd only see them at these events. You don't know what you're going to see. And, yeah, very exciting times, you know, going to those fairs. Got any memories of any particular, like, pickups at those fairs? Anything that stands out? Yeah, plenty. I mean, I... um, so I used to go to the Chesant Fairs run by Jason Joyner. I remember picking up quite a few loose figures that I didn't have as a kid. I picked up box stuff. I think I picked up Landspeeder, unused Kenner Landspeeder, the one that was the um, the 1983 reissue, the collector series one. Oh, right, yeah. That. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was just picking up anything I could get my hands on that I really liked. I, I think mean, that's how a lot of people start collecting, isn't yeah. it, vintage? You're just you're getting just, it. And you're, you're just trying just... to grab it all. It's just yeah. overwhelming. And, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. So You've yeah. mentioned the land speeder quite a lot. Particular favourite ship? I do. I, I, when I was at school, the last day of school, you could bring your toys in. I, I, I never had the land speed as a kid, but I remember my friend bringing his one in, and I just, yeah, I just really liked it. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do like the land speeder. Let, let's go on to your collection a bit now. So, like you just said, at the time you had no particular focus, you were buying anything and everything yeah. you fancied. So, you're now, you named yourself the Palatoy Junkie on the forum. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, there's a, there's a few people that have called themselves Palatoy, I think, sorry, or other, on there. Yeah. 
But where you are, I would say, yeah. you're very heavily in, in Palatoy. Yeah. You are someone who's dabbled in it to quite a, I, I, I've been quite a high level. I've, I've had a bit of luck and a, quite a bit of health along the way, yeah. I've been pretty fortunate. So you, you said earlier that you don't really remember Palatoy. No. So why Palatoy and when I, did Palatoy start becoming a focus? So as time went on, I... Um, you know, people were talking and, and Palatoy was British and I, I suppose I fell in love with that logo. I, I just loved that logo and I just um, thought, well, it'd be nice to get the, you know, the, the British toys. And I, and I sort of just, as time went on, I, I had more of an interest in, in, in the Palatoy line of stuff. But I remember like going to one of Jason Joyner's shops back in the late 90s and, and he had like a few Palatoy carded um, 20 backs and he also had a few Kenner carded 21 backs. There wasn't a massive difference in price but I think I think it was the Death Star droid was like £115 Kenner and like £145 Palatoy and, and I bought the Kenner one because you know I was counting my pennies and I thought well there's not much in it I'm I, I'm just going to buy the, the cheaper one and then as time went on I suppose I realised I, I wish I'd have bought the Palatoy ones and um, it wasn't until 2009 that I started to really focus on on Palatoy. Before I focused on Palatoy, I think I got the first 10 Empire figures on Kenner 31 back, which is sort of the first release on the Kenner line of the Empire figures. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was quite happy to get those. And it, I, remember, I remember it actually took me a long, long time to find the 31 back boss. Very long time. You know, you every time I, I saw a boss and I turned it over, it was a 32 back. There was loads of 32 backs, but you just couldn't find a 31 back. And I finally found one of those. Kai eventually ended up selling my um, Kenner stuff as a set to um, one of my dealer friends, Carl Flaherty. He took them off me, and he, and he said, you know, he's got a buyer for the 31 back boss because he knew that it was pretty tough to get as well. What happened was my friend actually alerted me on eBay. Somebody had listed um, Palatoy 12 back Chewbacca. And he said in his listing that he's got the others, and he said, yeah, I've got the Luke and the Ben double telescope. And I was thinking, hmm, doesn't really know what he's talking about. But I'm going to inquire anyway. And, and lo and behold, he, he had the Luke. And I always said, if I could ever get my hands on a 12-back Palatoy Luke, I would. It was always a bit of a grail piece. Even back in the day, it was very expensive to, to buy and quite hard to find. He quoted me a price which was really cheap, to be honest. And, um, and I bought it. It turned out that he'd acquired the set from Jim Stevenson in uh, late 2008. He bought a complete set of the first 20 from Jim and we're talking you know pretty mint condition his circumstances changed he uh, he had to sell up and he he sold up and uh, I managed to get a few of those figures myself and my friend we managed to bag a few of those from that collection and uh, that's what sort of started me off on a quest to get the the first 20 um so the first 12 you can only get on um, right. 12 back yeah okay. so the second series is just 20 back and um i think i'd secured the tuscan raider from another seller who was i think his name was simon philpotts and he, he he was selling up his set of um i don't know how many he had but he was selling up quite a few and i, I bought the sand people from him and i picked up the loot from this other chap who bought it from jim and I secured his uh, twenty back Greedo, and, bef- and 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 that was it for a little while. Before I knew it, I then secured the Jow, the Stormtrooper, the Leia. It turned out as luck would have my friend, a good friend in the hobby, Lee Gregory. He he bought the Ben and the Han from this guy. I mean, they were stunning condition. And uh, it turned out, you know, moving on towards the end, um, I managed to pick them up from Lee to uh, to complete my my set of um, twelve backs. And I picked those up at the end of 2010. 
You've um, completed that run in quite a short period of time it, as well. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I, I realised that because I was speaking to other people. I think one guy took about seven years to, to do it. But I, I, I just had a bit of good fortune from that source. And, and you know, it, it's a bit of luck, really, a bit of timing. Because I do appreciate it was relatively quick, you know. You're buying them in 2009. And obviously, yes. Palatoy's had a real uh, real surge in popularity yes. since then. Yes. I know Palatoy's were expensive back then still, but... They were. Is there a massive difference between 2009 prices and 2017 prices? Some some pieces, yes, absolutely. So I'll give you an example. So my sand people cost me, and, and this was graded, it was graded AFA 85, so it was a top graded piece. Um, I got that for £390. Today in AFA 85 sand people, you could pay £1,200 for one, £1,400 for one you could pay. That's a huge difference. The Luke... I got that cheap. I actually got that for um, £1,350 I paid for that. And I remember when the guy emailed me, I thought he'd made a typo error. I thought he wanted two and a half grand for it. So uh, I naturally snapped that, that up. That was cheap. The Chewbacca, that, that was a massive difference. Because that, at the time when I picked up mine, I think the going rate for a Chewy was about 1500 quid. Then there was this massive benchmark set by some guy who was on the forum. I think, I can't remember what he called himself, something like Dr. Pithenstein or something. He had he, he had a, a twelve back chewy and he put it on eBay and it went for like five thousand six hundred pounds and we couldn't believe it. My friend he was determined to get it and he said I'm I'm just going to slap a four grand bid on it. I'm going to get it and I said yeah. I said you'll you'll get it and and he was blown away and couldn't believe it. So, wow. so the, the, the Chewbacca that went for a ludicrous amount of money. But yeah, I mean generally, the, I mean obviously the Jawa today. I mean when I was getting my Twelves and twenties. The Jawa was one of the easier ones. That that any, any Palatoy collector of any length of time will tell you that. I mean, I, I think I paid five hundred pounds for my Jawa. Yeah, I mean the Jawa was considered relatively gettable, no problem. And, this is um, the insane thing, though, isn't it? The, the, all yeah. it takes—it's like that Chewbacca. All it takes is is for one extraordinary sale, and all of a sudden the benchmark's been set. And it's as you say, right, Simon, the, yeah. the the Jawa. I mean Jawa DSC Tuscan. Yeah. It was only, what, three years ago that they were considered, as you say, the easiest of the 12 backs to get. The, the yeah. last three released, not yeah. a problem at all. All of a sudden, there's no Jawa on the market for 18 months, and people go, ooh, no. and three or four people want it. And now the yeah. benchmark, what, for a Jawa? Two and a half? Three? Three and a half? Yeah, there's one on uh, on Facebook for three and a half right now, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. yeah it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. It really is. I mean, I, I I I paid I think um, eight hundred pounds for a vinyl cape Jawa in the late nineties. So wow. yeah, ridiculous. You've owned a vinyl cape Jawa. I have. I did manage to put together the first twenty-one on on Kenner, and I think three of them were Palatoy because I was just trying to get. So, so what it was sort of back then, people were sort of wowed by Star Wars cardage figures, and um, and and Power of the Force was pretty big back then. People were going crazy for that as well. It's like I, I had never seen a Star Wars carded piece um, before I got back into collecting in the 90s because my era was Empire and Jedi. I remember going to that local shop I was telling you about and um, their their sort of Bible was the uh, Tomart's Price Guide to Worldwide Star Wars Collectibles that was, I think, published in 1994. And they like, well, still a great book. Yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've, I've got um, a mint condition one of that and the second series. I've got the, um, I've got the second series in hardback which has like 40 pages of prototypes and stuff, which is incredible, that one. But anyway, so I remember looking at a completely battered example of the first issue 
which they would, they basically use that as like a price guide in their in their shop. They sort of use that and they price up their stuff according to the Tomarts guide. And um, I remember looking through that book and seeing like a, a Ben Kenobi on a Star Wars card, and I was just blown away. I was like, this is incredible, you know, to see that because I've never seen it before. So uh, mm. that's that's a very fond memory and seeing a Star Wars card in figure for the first time. If they were using Tomarts, it's a shame they. You, they didn't have a few uh, Trilogo Medines in. Yeah. I think they were about $45 or something, weren't they? Yeah, I, I used to <laughs> chuckle at the... Um, I, 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 it's classic, because I think um, the loose figures on some of the, the... The loose version of some of the figures was priced higher than a battered Trilogo version. So yeah. they'd have, like, a mint-in-pack and mint-in-mint-pack. And I think, That's like, right. a mint-in-pack a, a mint Trilogo Jawa was, was cheaper than a, possibly a, a loose one or some, some, some stupidness like that. And I used to laugh at <laughs> things like that, because... Yeah, it was amusing. Obviously, their prices went out the window. So you've you've got this full set of the twenties. Then you sell them in. I think in my notes here, you gave me twenty thirteen. So two thousand. I mean, it, it seems terrible. I'm I'm selling out. You know, it's um, it, it, it's. But yes, I, I um, I had an offer that I couldn't refuse at the time. And what made it a tad easier to deal with was I ended up keeping back my twelve back Luke and the Luke X-Wing. So I let, um, what, 19 go, because I had the large head hard as well, so I had, I had um, 21 carded figures, and um, I, I let them go and kept back the Lukes. I, I, I don't mind saying it, I, I, uh, I got £27,000 for those in 2013. So was that for the... The, the Palatoy run, or the, the sort yeah, of Kenner... Yeah, run. The, the Kenner run um, was sold in, I believe it was 2002, I sold the Kenner run. Right. And that was an amusing story because I, I decided to sort of let them go and I actually went to the NEC as like standing in with a table on, on the Sunday in 2002 and um, I didn't take a bean. I, I had people wanting to do trades with me and things like that. Maybe I priced them too high, I don't know. I didn't sell anything. And two weeks later, the shop I was selling about, you know, I'd, I'd become quite friendly with the guy who owned it. Um, he had had a call from somebody who wanted the Star Wars figures and he told them about me and um, I met this guy in the shop and um, I sold them to him for about I think it was £9,000 I got for the Kenner for the 21 Kenner figures I I let them go in one hit like that and um, the guy who bought my stuff in 2013 is quite a good friend of mine now in the hobby I think it was the Chewbacca that was like the catalyst because he he just could not get a Chewie He, he, he was the one who missed out on that one that went for five six on ebay and he was really struggling to find a chewbacca he just really wanted one and and that was one of the main reasons why he bought my set i think you move on to the empire figures yes uh, palatoy empire figures whilst you've still got this collection haven't you you've well it's funny because i I, it's almost as though it's like i saw i did the star wars thing and i sold and it was because of the sale that i was able to move on and pick up some empire because i don't think i could have probably afforded to keep the star wars and and buy the empire as well it was it was nice to complete the star wars it wasn't my plan it just sort of happened that way you were buying them on their debut cards yeah well so, trying to so with, with the empire 30 backs the the first 10 debuted on what we call a 38 it's basically got a mid-sized palatoy logo on the front 
I tried to get them all on on 38 if I could, but you know beggars can't be choosy. If if, if I found one on a B, I was going to pick it up. You know I wasn't going to dismiss it just because it was on a B. So that's that's I was just picking them up when I when I could and, and however I could, and, and that was it with those. The ten debuts on 30 backs. So we've got Boss Guy G, yeah, FX7, yeah, Luke Bespin, Lair Bespin, yeah, White Bespin Guard, um, Hanhoff, Bes- Lando, Rebel Soldier. And the Hoth Trooper. Now, the, th- the 30 backs are... Um, obviously, you were saying earlier that the 12... First 12 weren't available on the 20 backs. Did, no. Did the 30 backs... Could you get all 30 figures? Or was it just, again, the debut card figures that came out? No, with the, with the 30 backs, you, you could... Right, so there, there, are, there are quite a few that haven't been seen, I believe. But it, it's, it's it's difficult. I mean, there's some that I've, I've never seen card backs for. And we're talking the Star Wars characters here. All, all the Empire figures, yeah, you, you can get them all on, on, on 30 back, like the, the first 10 and then the second 10. And there are some Star Wars figures you can get on 30 back that I've seen. Um, I do own the Luke X-Wing. But there's some that are questionable. There are collectors that say they've got them, but I've never seen them. I've never seen card backs for like the 3PO, the R2, the Luke, the Jawa. You know, there, there's a handful of Luke X-Wings that exist. But then I would have thought that they would have done a Darth Vader because I've never seen a card back for that. And I don't know anybody that has. Um, I even asked Bill McBride once and he said it probably exists, but he couldn't say that he'd seen it. You can get the first 10 Empire, no problem. Out of my first 10 that I managed to get, the IG-88, the Bestman Guard and the Bosque were all on B cards and the rest of them were on A cards. And unfortunately, the three that were on B cards are three of the toughest ones to find so I, I didn't pin much hope on finding them on a cards and i believe that my good friend gary smith is the only person who's got all first 10 on a i think that's as far as we know that's the only complete set of first 10 out there on a cards oh wow yeah, Not it's, an easy pretty one ser- it's, it's pretty serious i mean it is it's actually incredible you know to to, uh, to see that um i mean it, it Gary said to me, it's pretty impressive to complete the set at all. You know, I, I didn't really care how I did it. But it's funny because some of the ones that we deem as more gettable, like easier to get on, on, on the A cards, are very, very hard on B cards. Extremely hard, actually. You know, things like the Rebel Soldier. That's, I think, again, I think Gary's got the only known example of that on, on the B card that he knows of. What is it that makes the 30 backs that just that hard to get were they out for a very short window of time between the 20s it, it, and the 41s it, it must have been it, it must have been because um I, I always remember that they were trying to promote the next thing the next thing as quickly as possible you know i mean I, my late empire attack has got jedi instructions in it so i think there's always trying to push forward and um i think some things didn't exist for very long in the shops you know they had a short window as you say Plus the fact that they were so popular. I remember people saying, you know, they'd, they'd make orders for, for figures and they'd only get a fraction delivered. You know, that's hard. they just couldn't get the stuff. I think figures were a lot more in abundance during the Jedi era and so on. But Star Wars and Empire, it was, well, there, was, there was, you know, you ordered them and you wouldn't get as much as you wanted, I think. No retailers and so on. Yeah, I believe a lot of the smaller stores struggled. Or they they were they were strong armed into buying all sorts of other lines, which yeah. is a which is a trick that toy retailers or wholesalers still still do now. So it's obviously a, yes. a tried and tested technique. Absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> it's all business, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You then put on a showcase. You've then you've then got a set of you've done some on forty five backs. Yes. Now, are these debuting on this forty five back? These they are figures? indeed. Yeah. So so what what I sort of 
I, I set a more realistic goal because I started so late in the day, if you like. I was thinking, you know, I'm doing well to get these debuts. I, I'm, I'm never going to be able to get complete runs, you know, like to get, you know, Star Wars characters on, you know, 30, 41, 45A and so on. So I, I never set myself that goal because it's, I probably couldn't afford it, number one, and, and it's just so many more figures to get. So I stuck with the debut. I thought, you know, if I get anything, I'm just going to stick to debut and just go for that. And um, with the 45As, there's there's eight or nine debut figures. I say eight or nine because Dengar's in question. Um, there is talk of him existing on a 41 back. Again, never seen the card back. Um, until I see one, I won't believe it, to be quite frank. Now, he's so, actually stated on Jason Smith's thing it, it as a 41, is isn't he? Yes, yes, it is. But without being rude, a lot of what's on that matrix is by word and mouth, apparently. So if he's been told, exa- I mean, listen, I'm sure he takes what he hears, you know, different people, you know, got credibility, fair enough. It doesn't mean that it's been actually seen by by many. So I, I've never seen a card back. I don't know anyone else that's seen a card back. So apart from Dengar, you've got eight figures that debuted on the 45A. Can I ask you a quick question, right? So this, yeah. this is going to sound a bit... This, this is my naivety when it comes to no. Palatoids. So, okay. so we've, got, we've got the 30 backs yeah. and you've got 10 debuting on there. Yes. And then we've you've then put 45 backs where you're saying nine are debuting. So what debuted on the 41? Because surely, coming after the 30 backs, there should have been 11 debuting on there. You're right. And this is where sort of Kenner have it spot on and, and Palatoid didn't. So the second series of figures um, that Palatoid did that are available on 30 back, um, when you look at the back of a 30 back, you can't see any of them. You, they're, they're, they're not there. So 2-1-B, you know, Imperial Commander, Rebel Commander, Asset Driver... Leia Hoth and so on. None of those are seen on the back of a 30 back. If Dengar does exist on a 41 back, then that would be the only one that debuted on a on a 41 back. The others, they all debuted on a 30 back. So it's all a bit about ask about tit, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably um, not bothering to print any more card back. They'll just go with the save money or whatever. They'll just go with the 30 back card and put the second series on that. That's what they've done, pretty much. John, uh, question for you. Uh, I don't know if you've got any more insight into this than I do, but it's something that's always driven me mad. As you've alluded to, there are there are certain people who claim to have certain well mint on cards, let alone yes, card backs. Indeed, yeah. And yet they will not share images of them. What is that about? Yeah. Simon, I don't know why. I mean, one guy I did actually ask him outright if he wouldn't mind sending me a picture. I said it's something I'm not I'm not going to show off. You know, I've known you for like nearly twenty odd years. You know, I'm a serious collector. Don't understand the problem. Why can't you just show me? He refused to show me. Wouldn't show me. And um, I, I don't understand that at all. I really don't. At the end of the day, they own it. It's up to them, isn't it? I can't. Um, I just don't understand it personally. I mean, I, I remember years ago, um, Lee Bullock he said to me he said it's you know it's not nice to collect in a vacuum he said you know you should be amongst collectors and and share things and you know this is one of the most valuable things even more valuable than the piece themselves the people i've met you know the friends i've made you know all you guys it's such a nice thing to to get to know all these people i mean i don't talk about my stuff well i only really talk about stuff with fellow collectors people that are interested in it and i'd happily show any serious fellow collector any of my pieces no problem i don't mind that at all it does seem to be uh, it's only something i've come across with palatoys yes, yes you don't get you don't get you know you've got 
rare pre-production pieces that yeah. the, the, the Kenner collectors are more than happy to show yeah. off high-definition photographs. Um, yeah. I don't understand the mentality in not sharing photographs of, I, of I, these things. I, I don't either. I really don't. It's bizarre. As you say, it's all about the community. It's all about, it's all yeah, about it, that. It is. It's... It really is. You know. Before we move on, I just want to, with the Empire figures as well. Now, Zuckus... Um, you can only buy. You can't get in with the logo, can you? No, no, not not as far as we know. Um, so you, you can't even get him on a on a British card. It's an import. Um, so you, you've either you've got two options. You've got the Dutch import, which I've got, and you've got um, a Kenner import with a Palatoy sticker on the back. And I think that's the only way you can get Zuckus on an Empire Palatoy card. Any rhyme or reason why he's missing? Um, I, I don't know. Um, he, he was very late, um, extremely late. So maybe by the time that he was available over here, it would have been the Jedi card. Um, I, I don't know any more than that. I don't know if Simon, if you know any more than that. Um, <laughs> no more. Yeah, I imagine uh, Simon knows because he knows yeah, everything about Palatine. That's, that's <laughs> right. And until you said that just then, Stu, that had never occurred to me. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I'm... I, you just don't see Zuckus on, certainly not a logoed card, but no. he's fairly hard to find on anything other than a Chai logo. Yeah, he is. He, he's pretty tough, yeah. Yeah, if he ever comes up for sale on, on, on um, obviously, the Empire or, or Jedi, he, he, he will sell. Yeah, he's pretty tough. Whereas Forlom is a complete whore and is a widely oh. available on anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fall on, yeah, oh yeah, definitely, and it's quite amusing because fall on is Zuckus and yeah, fall on, but yeah, <laughs> that's another. <laughs> but yeah, so well, they are they are impressive, uh, impressive runs. If um, okay with yourself, um, might no. I like to share a couple of those images? Yes, certainly. Obviously, we're getting on to the hour already, John. Before we move on, I just want to mention... Crazy, your... isn't it? You can talk Star Wars and the time just flies. Exactly. Time <laughs> just disappears. But you've got quite um, quite a lovely Luke focus as well on on there. Are you, are you talking about the um, showcase I did with the Luke transport thing? Or, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what, I'm, yeah, that's what sure. I looked at earlier. So you've got... Sure. You called it um, Luke and his various types of transport, which is which yeah. is cool. So you got first of all, you go through the original Luke Skywalker, his set yeah. with land speeders. Now you've got the Kenner land speeder in there. I have, as I well have. as the Palatoy. Is that just because you love this this uh, vehicle? It is. That's one of the reasons. But what it is, I managed to acquire a few of the Kenner vehicles um, in my my sort of infancy of serious collecting, and um, I, I just kept hold of those. They're all either unused or sealed. I mean, well, everything in my collection is now, but and and they were back then, and um and and the artwork's different. And I thought it's, I I just I quite like them. And I mean, the, the Kenner toys are superior in the fact that you know you've got toys that have got laser lights and sounds and things, and your Kenner Land Speeder's got an opening bonnet, stuff like that. Yeah, wash you know. your mouth out. I, I know it's terrible, isn't it, to admit it? But you know, the Kenner stuff is <laughs> is pretty awesome. As, it, as, it's as true, purely so. from a toy no, point of view. No, no, no. I'm, no. Apart from the, apart from the Death Star. <laughs> Death Star. That's it. That's, no, that yeah, is I, where I, the argument I, I ends. And, that is and where I, the argument ends. You were with me last year, Simon. Yeah. We went to Palatoy right. Factory. Yep. And Bob yep. Breakin was very, very vocal about how much better his Death Star was than the oh, uh, Genoa. They were, he was very proud of that, and quite rightly too. <laughs> well, well that, that was outstandingly um, better. I mean, the creativity of that... Palatoid Death Star is just in a different league to the Canon yeah. one. Absolutely, no, hundred percent there. Yeah. So, That's just cool. just going back to your, your Luke focus, have you got yes. these displayed on these shelves as they're no? Um, unfortunately, here? they're they're not displayed as they were in the pictures. I so these are for... cleared a so, couple of shelves and I and, and I put them up like that. So they, they are on display. They're not displayed. Um, I just, 
I just want to run through to our listeners exactly. So this this first image is you've got yep. your twelve pack Luke Skywalker. Uh-huh. You've got him um, graded loose. The, the, the loose have, ones are double telescoping Luke. Yeah. Oh right. So even more impressive on this run then. <laughs> then you've got the Palatine and the Kenner land speeders. Yes. And a diecast land speeder. So this is yep. this is your Luke Skywalker. Yes. So we then go down. We then got Luke X wing. Uh-huh. With a Kenner and a Palatoy X-wing alongside him, yeah, with the twenty so the, pack. The, the, the Kenner one is a sealed X-wing. Um, the Palatoy is unused, which is pretty tough to find unused. And, yeah. and stunning condition, stunning condition. That yeah, the boxes are pretty awesome. I have to say, yeah. they are pretty awesome. Yeah. What I like about the rest of this is, so we've got this is called Luke and his various types of transport. So <laughs> we get down to Luke Hoff. Yeah, he's on. Uh, is that forty-five pack? Uh, that's a forty-five A. Yeah, and we've got the Tonton. Split uh-huh. belly, yep. solid belly, and a yep. wampa because he's uh, yep. yeah, obviously dragging him. He dragged so him. There you go. He's classed That's as a vehicle. That's right. <laughs> love, love it. <laughs> um, we yep. then come to Luke X Wing again. This uh-huh. time you've got him alongside a snow speeder, Palatine yes. snow speeder, and an Empire X Wing. Yes. And then we go down to the next one. So we've got Luke Jedi <laughs> on um, Palatoy. Side. Yeah. Do you want? Do you want to guess what Luke Jedi's vehicle is? Sorry, I was just uh, marvelling at the 65-back Blue Sabre Luke Jedi then. Oh, man. Oh, so you're looking at the photos anyway. So me asking you what vehicle he's got with him. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm... It's the Rancor vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> he did lift him towards his mouth at one point, I suppose. Well, do, do you know something? Actually, a good friend of mine pointed that out. That wasn't my original idea. I, I think I'd put up the focus without that picture. My friend Max, he uh, he pointed out Luke actually was uh, picked up by the Rancor. So I said, oh, God. <laughs> How many exactly blue lightsabers do you need on one card? Yeah, I know. Simon, I was going to say, did you notice that? It just um, I got that from Jim a few years ago. At the time, I, I just wanted a, a blue saber card, Luke Jedi Palatoy, and uh, he had that one, and it was obviously a mistake. Had two in the bubble. I said, well, I'll have that. Um, that is brilliant. I, I've never yeah. seen another one. It's, it, it might be unique. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> This is what I've noticed then. So I'm looking at this Luke Jedi photo sitting on top of the Rancor. Yeah. I've noticed something as well, yeah. <laughs> to the right, he may yeah. have sold his Power of the Force, but I can oh, see... Oh, I don't want my Power of the Force. No, <laughs> they hanging on the wall. But I'll take it? a is bolt it? up Luke Jedi Theatre Edition any day of the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I know, I know. What's I mean, I, uh, I picked that up quite a few years ago from another friend and i just remember the hype in uh, in 97 I, I think i paid about 20 quid for it and um i remember back in the day one dealer had one and he like wanted 150 quid for it and he was saying <laughs> oh this is going to be worth thousands in years to come and yeah and i then, think the, i think the going rate was about 50 50 60 quid yeah and that's, that's before right. they all dropped off their cards because all the seals were rubbish on those yeah uh, that's that's the other thing the seals are rubbish and i've known people that have had them delivered by you know posts and, and the bubbles have come off so um i suppose i should be grateful the bubble's still on the card but yeah it's just i, I just sort of have that there as sort of a little bit of history you know when they re-released them oh. um, jedi that's that's all but Obviously, it does stick out like a sore thumb a bit, but yeah. <laughs> so, and a you know. tri-logo at-at driver next to him as well. You got many tri-logos? I did have the last 17 on, on tri-logo, but I did sell nearly all of them. I, again, I kept back the Lukes, and, and I, I sold them to fund my um, Bertie back purchase of the IG88, to be honest. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah. Because that cost a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, I, I just made the decision. I said, look, you know, I, I just can't justify spending that kind of money, you know, out of savings or something. So I'm, I'm just going to generate the money from my, my collection. 
yeah, I mean, it, it was a bit sad to see the last 17 go, but it was just nice to be able to... That that was the set completer of my first 10 Empire, getting that IG-88, because that's the toughest one to get. That was a good trade. You get over losing the last 17 quite quickly, don't you? Yeah, and, and you know... If I really wanted them again, I could sort of exactly. get them, you know. But um, Good call. When, when I when I, when I was picking up the tri logos, I, that at the time years ago it was sort of deemed it was very very hard to find them, you know, with near perfect bubbles, you know. And and and, I, and at the time I did have a couple of Power of Force, and I was thinking it's so lovely to find them on really clean tri logo cards. Most of my, I think, well, nearly all of them were really clean cards i think the amana man had like a bubble ding but as far as the amana man's go it's pretty good it was a nice one john we've kept you for way over the hour <laughs> like <laughs> i normally do it's been fascinating and i love looking through your images we'll definitely we'll share some just want to give you our final question that we do always uh, ask everyone oh. and that is if we oh. were being relocated to a new habitat and the earth's going to be no more so space is really yep. limited on the shuttle monetary value is not going to matter so you can't no. take something expensive to, no. to sell out there what one item are you grabbing from your collection to take with you could i right i, I would love to take because i don't know if this is cheating but i'd love to take my darth vader's collector's case the one i had as a kid now full of your stuff that <laughs> does contain about 32 figures might be cheating with, but that's something that i remember mum sending off for and you know I just have so many great memories of the stuff, you know, like that. And so, it, it, if it was anything, it'll be something from my original childhood collection. You know, forget about anything expensive or you no know, serious in today's collecting. It would be some. It would be that. We'll, we'll allow that because I'm. Thank I'm you. Nice, I'm nicer than Simon. What? So, hey, <laughs> it's so cheating. Collectors go. I'll just take my collecting room with me because it's it's an integral yeah. part of my house. And yeah. <laughs> well, John, thank you ever so much for taking your time with us. Time's just flowing by. I think we could have uh, probably done another hour quite easily, but um, <laughs> I've got no, to edit it, so I'm stopping it. Yeah, sure. No, no, it's my pleasure, Stuart. You know, really, my pleasure, and it's nice. Thanks, Simon, for. On as well, you know. nice no, thanks for your time, John. Yeah, it's, no. uh, you've got a an incredible collection, and I look forward to seeing where it's going to go next. What what is on your what is <laughs> yeah, on your good, radar? Good question. Well, I um, what I'm sort of trying to do this year is um, I'd, I'd like to try and put the Luke X-wing run together, so from like start to finish. I'm missing currently the 41 back, a Jedi, and the Trilogo. I'm hoping to pick up the Trilogo very soon, um, but I know I'm going to struggle with the... I, I think, to be honest, I'm probably going to struggle more with the, the Jedi example than the 41 back. There's sleepers in the Jedi range, isn't there? In fact... Yeah, yeah there are I'm, plenty, Simon, as you know. Yep, yeah, the 45Bs <laughs> and the Jedis, okay. there are some that people won't look twice at. No. But no they way. are, they're insane. Yeah. Uh, Leia Organa on a Jedi. Oh, People go, oh, yeah, on a Kenner card, she's really hard. Really? Yeah, Try it on yeah. a Palatoy. Same with a Tusken Raider. Good luck on finding that on a Jedi card. Yeah. You know? but, yeah. Uh, no top collectors that are still looking for those pieces. Yeah. So if I, if I can do that, that would be pretty amazing because that would probably be the only complete run I ever manage. You know, I, I, I can't see me managing anything else. But so, yeah. So if I, if I can, if I can do that, I'd be over the moon. I mean, I'm not expecting to do it this year, but it's just something that I can look forward to. And yeah, one or two um, vehicles and mini rigs I'd like to get a hold of, like unused. I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, it keeps the fire going a bit. Brilliant, John. Yep. We'll keep an eye out. Look out yep. for another um, showcase of mini rigs <laughs> then. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he collected um he collected the whole run of twenty backs in a year and a half. The mini rigs are probably haven't done by March. Well, I wouldn't have yeah, thought by the time you've edited this, Jude, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Well, John, thank you ever so much for taking your time with us. So on to this month's song, and this is going to be the last song for the foreseeable future, unless we're tagged in something or we find something which we absolutely love. Uh, the songs won't be a regular feature on a monthly basis, so they will come and go. Now, last month during the Gimcrack Awards, we had win the Gimcrack Award was Erwin the Dynamic Duck. Now, I've uh, I've looked into this a little bit, and I did say we would play a song from it. Now, I am going to play the title track, Erwin the Dynamic Duck Strikes Back, um, which I think is to Darth Vader's theme. But the rest of the album, although they have bits of talking about Star Wars, it is all songs like Yellow Submarine and Octopus's Garden by the Beatles. So if you want to hear Yellow Submarine sung by human ducks, um, go and look it up on YouTube. But for this month, here is Erwin the Dynamic Duck Strikes Back. Shining down on the peaceful town, give no inkling of danger ahead as our hero, Erwin the Dynamic Duck, walks his girlfriend, Debbie, home. Oh, Erwin, I had a wonderful time at the movies. So did I, but I always do when I'm with you. Mmm, what a beautiful night. The stars are so clear and bright. And, ooh, look, one of the stars is moving, coming straight down toward us. Yes, and fast. as the evil Dark Raider takes off into the night sky with Debbie. I can't let him get away. I'll follow him to the ends of the universe if I have to. But how? Oh, but Irwin is not one to let red-hot anger cloud the cool, machine-like functioning of his brilliant mind. And like a flash, the answer comes to him. The park! There's an Air Force display with a real rocket ship there. I'll borrow it! And off he races to that world-famous, wonder-filled playground. 
There it is, ready to go. Dark Reader, here I come. Wherever you go, I'll find you. There is no place you can hide. So let's go over to this month's NA with Jez in his white dress. Never fear, Jez Allison's here. new acquisitions yeah checking out the forums we're checking out facebook to see what people are posting what people have said hey look i've got this hello what have we here and we can look at it and we can celebrate it and we can maybe even research it if it's something which we don't know but we start off as we always do over at star wars forum uk where they just constantly post great items and it was on page 2171 the forum favorite michael sith posted a nice little mini hall of bargain carded figures but they were carded open figures she's put on c-3po a luke x-wing pilot and an attack driver now if i think about it lads you know a few years ago opened carded figures no one was really interested but i think because of the way the market has just exploded the way the prices have shot up you know these have now entered my collection i think i think people are a lot lot more open excuse the pun, to open carded figures. Now, what are your thoughts on this? Because I just do think that Michael's just got such a great deal because when we look at some of the prices, boy, oh boy, I think, I think the boy's done well. Jess, are you, uh, are you trying to suggest you're coming to me with tracker information? Well, yeah, I could do. I was just, you know, Pete, you are forever reliable on your tracker information. I know that. So I was just putting that out there to everyone. But all right then, Pete, what, what's you saying? That a C-3PO, 45 back, Bubble, it's really interesting because the bubble was originally upside down, but the price in which he's paid, £23, including post, for a Palatoy card back and the C-3PO itself, which I think is brilliant. I love the fact it's got a £1.25 price ticket for Fenwick's as well. So that's the C-3PO. Let's talk about that one first of all then, Pete. Well, out of the three, this is the one that actually had a bit of data towards it because obviously it's... uh... It's slightly rare, but not not as bad as the other two. If you had that carded, you're talking around about, well, an average of 171 quid and a top price of £187. I'm assuming that was the 45B. If it's the 45C, it's a bit less. It's only £41. It was the only one on tracker that sold 41. And if it's a General Mills one, then it was £104. But I don't think it was a General Mills. But there, yeah, there wasn't a lot of data, but there, were, there was something. There was something. But he still scored well. And then Luke X-Wing. Palatoy 41, I love this, Hamley's price ticker, posh. It's got the nameplate cut out, and uh, he said it came with an incorrect blaster. He's got some ideas, he wants to do a fix. He, he said he likes the idea of, uh, of fixing things. He, he likes a project, he likes to do a rescue. So he, he's looked at sort of fixing a nameplate or, or doing this or doing that. But again, so the Luke X-Wing Palatoy 41 back, for £22 all-in, so the card, the bubble, and the figure. I think that's brilliant. Now, Jez, do you have one of these, a sealed one? No. No, because they're blooming rare, because I can't find any in three and a half years of tracker information. None have appeared. Now, interestingly enough, you can, and in the last six months, several of these card backs, in better condition than that, have appeared on eBay and gone for utter bargain prices. Um, one recently sold for £5.50, just the card back, no bubble or anything, but intact with the nameplate. Another one 
went in an auction for £1.71 p. Really? So, I mean, I, I would, and then one, well, I, this might have been the one he bought, actually, went for £23.33p. These, these seem to appear, and no one's that interested in them. I don't know whether it's just because people aren't looking for the, just the card back, so it's not a big deal for, you know, obviously if, if that came with a, with a bubble and, you know, or if, it was a, if it was a mint on card, for example, then obviously the, the prices would go probably quite bonkers, you know, in the hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Yeah. But lose card back, I mean, that's, that's a ridiculous price. So I reckon he should hang around a bit, and uh, he might well find himself a better version of that card back, intact with the nameplate. All these ones I mentioned had nameplates on them, so they're all intact. Just a bit, you know. Someone, one of them had quite a rough rip from the bubble. Some kid had obviously got it and gone right. I'm having that, and uh, torn it out. But it was better intact, so you know he might have uh, might have more fun that way if he's gonna kind of do a kind of restoration kind of project. So I was quite surprised at that, but no data on Tracker because it just seems to be ridiculously rare. So I don't know whether really? anyone, yeah, so whether anyone's seen one. I just could not find one. So, so and the other one then, the final one is the Atat Driver Palatoy 41 with nameplate, uh, no rifle, and uh, £23 all in. £23, this guy's done so well. But as I said to you at the beginning, I... I've gone back to some just regular carded figures, my non-focus focus of just looking at what I think. Do you know what? I love that card art. And when coupled with a bubble, he can get these. Yes, he can try and do projects, try and fix them and stuff. But with some decent acrylic cases or what have you, with the bubble pressed up against it, figure in a bubble, not necessarily sealed, but against a card. The price he's paying, I, I think that's a fantastic addition to a collection. So congratulations michael I, I think you've done great mate yeah those those last that last one attack driver that particular car back only two have appeared in the last four years on the corner tracker so uh, i'm assuming we have people out there who can give us more of a, an update of things that they pay for because i reckon that uh, martin or lom might well have, might well have one of these lying around but only two have come up in the last few years and they went for in 2016 373 pounds and in 2015, 396 pounds. And that are the only two of, of that particular car back that have appeared. So to get any variant of that car back in, in the condition it's in now is, you know, uh, even a battered up one is, is a decent little price. I mean, that is that is a, a rare little item, I think, if you're, if you're after those particular ones. And I'm sure that's, that's why Michael has, uh, has, has got those, because they are so blooming hard to find. So, yeah, well done him. And it'd be nice to see them if he displays them with, uh, with a figure and bubble in, a, in an acrylic case. It'd be quite interesting to see if he actually puts them together like that, or he actually tries to restore them. It'd be nice. Interesting. We've, we've said this so many times now, there's absolutely no place for vintage snobbery in the, the hobby, as far as I'm concerned, because what Mike's got is a truly exceptional piece that he loves, he enjoys, and it gives him something to do whether he is going to restore them. I, th- I think these items do have a place in the hobby. I've got a couple of cards with crack bubbles. I've got a couple of cards with a tear. I've had two reseals. I don't think I've got any reseals anymore. But they are there, or I've purchased them in the past, because the the ones that are in, you know, EFA 80 and above condition are just so ridiculously expensive. It makes perfect sense for me to pay £40 for something that's got a crack bubble, or whether it's a reseal, when the you know the EFAE equivalent is possibly even into four figures, I think there's a definite place in the hobby, and there's definite love for these worn beater card backs, you know, crack bubbles, reseals, little projects, tears. 
you know, vintage rugby, I don't think has has got a place. I'm looking at a, a clipper card back I've got at the moment, and it's got a huge tear at the top. The, the punch tab's pretty much been ripped clean out. But when I look at that, I don't even really notice it. You know, a lot of people, but their eyes will go straight to that tear and go, oh, that's a load of rubbish. But to me, it's a nice clipper card back, you know, and it's going to sit there, and I've got no intention of selling it. I've got no intention of upgrading it. It's just a nice item. So, well, well done, Mike. I think good on you. So, lads, on page 2173, old Greedo Lay, or Greedol, whatever, um, it's got two unpainted heads from the unproduced second Ewoks wave. Now, Rich, I've asked you to look into this range a little bit. Uh, what have you got for us, mate? Yeah, Jez, and I've got to say a chance for that because you've, you've given me a really, really interesting little area to look at here. Unproduced droids and Ewoks, which some people may say abbreviated as UDE. Those were the droids and Ewoks that were quite literally unproduced. And surprisingly, a lot of pre-production items for that range does exist. Now, when I say a lot, it's comparative. Okay, you're not going to be able to go and find, you know, a complete Morag anytime soon. You're probably never ever going to find one. But there, there are. There's a surprisingly a lot of cardbacks, coins, headshots, all that kind of stuff. When you compare them to the kind of Star Wars lines, so it it is a really fascinating range, and I, I really enjoyed looking at it. So I'm not going to focus on the droids. That may be for another time because Greedo Lay has posted some first shot unpainted heads. And these are from the Ewok line. So for the Ewok line, and only those who've seen the Ewok cartoons will know these characters, although one or two did make it in Star Wars or Return of the Jedi, we have Chitua, or however that's pronounced, Chief Chirper, but it's a completely different sculpt. It doesn't even look like the Chief Chirper from the uh, from the movie Kenner line. Bondo, Paplu. Paplu looks a bit closer to the original Kenner one, but he is different. Morag. And Weechi or Wiki or however that's pronounced. Okay, so those were, so those were the Ewoks that were unproduced. And what's fantastic about these is that the colours are just so vibrant. They've really taken the Nelvano colours from the for the animated series, and they've really brought these to life. And I'm going to throw them around there. Jez, have you looked at these images? Yeah, have you looked yeah. at the car backs? Yeah. I think that if these were released as the first wave. I think this line would have been a bit more successful. Interesting. When you compare them to the Ewoks that they've got in the first wave. A bit more variety. Yeah, definitely. And these these are characters, though, you know, like Papu and Chief, Chief Chirper. These are Ewoks that were in the movie. Whereas if you look at that first wave, there were some dire characters there. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, so totally. it's, 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 it's such a shame. So what Greedo, Greedo Lee has shown with there, as he said, it's, it's, a, it's a first shot, unpainted head, of Morag, and Morag's cardback art is one of the best that I've ever seen. It's absolutely brilliant, and this could be right out of not Master of the Universe, what's the other? Uh, Thundercats. Uh, what was the evil character on Thundercats called? I remember. Monra. Monra, yeah. If you think of Monra and Thundercats, and then look at this Morag the Witch cardback, it's just absolutely brilliant. The colours, the the whole depiction, this is a, a truly evil character. It looks absolutely brilliant. And when you read the description, it's evil and powerful Tulgar, whose magical powers rival those of Logre. Now, we all know how powerful Logre is. You know, it, Logre oozes power when you see the Return of the Jedi movie. And then when he collected that action figure, we all knew how powerful Logre was. 
So for Logue to have an equally powerful witch is, you know, it's just a great file. Fantastic character. The other one he has is of Bondo. So Bondo is described as a jovial chieftain of the nomadic Jinda tribe. Okay, so Jez, I'm not going to ask you to name all of the Jinda tribe because I don't want to drag things out too long. But um, just the whole the whole way that they went with these characters, these are far more interesting to me than what we've got, you know, the Jewlocks and the, you know, the shamans and things like that. These are brilliant. And I really think that Mr. Trick should have released these ones first and then release the other ones as a second wave. Well, cheers, Rich. Thanks ever so much for that. Spot on. I completely agree with you. I heartily agree with you, sir. Before I go on to the Star Wars Collector's Archive and, and the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance, I, I did contact Greed LA and say, hey, tell me about these. I mean, I haven't really conversed with him on, online or on the forums before, so I just said, right, so tell me what you know. And he's just said, well, I'm not really sure what I could add. He's got a contact in Germany that was selling off a lot of the stuff. He was selling unpainted Sherpa second waves, multiple King Guaneshes, some painted, some not, and then these heads. He said the only thing he knows is the Bondo head originated from the Earth toy mile. And he said he's he's not really a focus collector. He just picks up bits he likes. First shot, 2D revenge, Uze's, Trems, etc. So a whole, a whole variety of different pieces. Um, but he And he listens to podcasts, which is great. So he said, um, keep up the good work. He loves listening to it. So this is someone who just goes out collecting bits and pieces. But I think they're, they're fantastic. We'll definitely have to put these on Instagram. Two crazy little pieces. And as you say, a lot more interesting than the standard Ewoks line. Now, I didn't contact the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance and say, guys, help us out a little bit because there's some crazy stuff online. So let's just go straight over now to see what it is they've got to say about this second generation Ewoks wave. You are part of the Rebel Alliance. Hi, this is Chris Jorgulius with another installment for the Vintage Rebellion podcast. And today I'm going to talk about the second series of Ewoks figures. They were first debuted by Kenner in the 1986 pre-Toy Fair catalog and um, a few months later shown in the regular Toy Fair catalog for that year. They were developed to coincide with the second season of the Ewoks TV show made for kids. And... The designs really got more elaborate and uh, kind of more colorful, too, for this, this line. As you may know, the original Ewoks cartoon line consisted of six characters, and the second series was an additional six characters. And those six are Bondo, Chatur, Weechi, Morag, Chief Chirpa, and Paplu. And most of those characters, the figures... Um, had two accessories each, except for, um, I think, Chatur, who just had a whip. Now, this series never was released, but it got far along in the development process, so actual tooled production-quality figures were available, and items spanning all phases of the development have turned up from original Kenner sources, it seems that by this t- period of time, the Kenner employees were pretty wise and really saved pretty much everything. So as far as the second series of Ewoks, you can find original sketches, concept art. There's concept sculptings, original sculptings, hard copies, first shots, painted and unpainted, as well as, uh, like I mentioned, production quality figures. 
and into the packaging. The original artwork for each was was rescued, and there's uh, packaging samples, mock-ups made that were rescued by employees, and um, even some more production quality mock-ups for Paplu and Chief Chirpa especially. Those two were on like production quality card backs uh, with, with factory applied bubbles, but they com- contain B-Wing pilot coins just um, as a space saver there. Other other figures have been found uh, on mock-up cards where they put double sticky tape on the, on the bubbles to adhere them to proof cards. You can find a lot of these on the Star Wars Collector's Archive online if you care to look for them. The the figures themselves are much more colorful. Most of them are more robust seeing. I guess it's because they have three of the original characters. They decided um, on the first series were Dulocs, which are real spindly looking guys, and and now you have more plump, larger, almost heavier figures for for the new line. In terms of collectibles, some exist in higher quantities than others. So, for example, um, some of the first ones turning up in the early 90s, Bondo seemed to be available more, more readily. Um, other ones like Paplu, maybe Chief Chirpa. I think one of the hardest ones is, is Morag. And when you get to the accessories, it gets really hard. I think some of the people trying to complete sets of these figures find that I think the Morag pot, then the staff, and I think the Chief Chirpa bag are all very difficult accessories to find but uh just finding some in any in any in any um completeness is 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 fun for a collector you know because these were never released they 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 got to the point and that the line was dropped before it they made it to store shelves and um you know and then some some collectors that really go for uh rare prototypes they'll go for these some collectors, you know, who want to collect mostly the main figure lines, uh, many people don't even consider the Ewoks part of the original set of Kenner figures. You know, they, they consider, you know, your first, you know, 93 or 100 or however many figures you count in your set. And they don't they don't cross over to this. But um, it, it's not very, it's not much of a leap to get to the Ewoks because the sister TV show at the time was Droids. And those figures figure, um, included characters that were directly ported over from the original trilogy line. And you have the exactly the same Boba Fett and A-Wing pilot were repackaged in that line. As was the A-Wing, pi- the A-Wing ship itself was only released in droids packaging. And people consider the A-Wing ship part of the line and... And there's it's an easy crossover there, and once you cross over into droids, it's it's not far of a stretch to to pick up the Ewoks themselves. So anyway, and then it can get really crazy when you try to find some of the original second series Ewoks figures. But um, they're out there, and they've been a lot of fun for some people to track down. They're really colorful and interesting, and I encourage you to. You know, take a look. They, they, the coins were actually developed for the Ewoks first series and the Ewoks second series. So there are prototype coins around. Most of the coins you see for the Ewoks second series are were just um, like samples made of regular aluminum. So they're just a regular silver color. 
they're not the the copper color that the that the first series were. Now there are copper ones out there. There's painted, hand painted ones, but most of the ones you see in prototype form are the um, the regular silver. So that's another way to dabble into this um, this line, you know. And, and prototypes of the coins exist in terms of dyes and artwork and plasters and sculptings. So there's a there's a big wide variety of things for this line. And like I mentioned, it's. It's all because of very late, but by, by, by this point, everybody was conscious and they were saving everything. So um, it allows people to, to get into this line easier than they, they would be able to get pieces for um, earlier lines. So I, um, I hope you learned quite a bit here. I, uh, there's a lot to, to absorb on this line, but it's, it's a fun line. You know, it's a vintage line. It's, uh, it's pure Kenner. So... Check it out. Take care. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. They're more dangerous than you realize. You know, Jez, it doesn't matter how many times we do research on the SWCA and Rebel Scum places like that. It's only by speaking to them guys do we get information like that. You know, because it doesn't matter how many times I've read, you know, articles that they've written. Whenever you talk to them, you always get that little bit of extra information that you just don't get elsewhere. So, brilliant. Well done. Yeah, absolutely, Rich. Yeah. Completely, wholeheartedly agree. Thank you ever so much, guys, for just putting the effort in that you do, because not only do we, but our listeners massively appreciate it. So we're going to move on to page 2175 and then rapidly 2178. Palatoy present Star Wars Toys. The princess has been captured. Our heroes are on their way. But who is this mysterious figure? Boba Fett! Will he save Princess Lear or side with Darth Farder? See comics and toy shops for details of Boba Fett's special offer now. He's waiting. Because Sub-Zero on the forum puts on... He, he, he's got this great little display case with the Tri-Logo Fett lineup. It's fantastic. So he puts on the first post on page 2175 saying, I've got all four, four different Tri-Logo Fets. So I've got the painted knee, the unpainted dart... The unpainted knee and the unpainted dart. The painted knee, painted dart, and the unpainted knee, painted dart. He's got four v- variations there, all looking great, and a lovely little acrylic case all stood up. But then he comes on page 2178 saying, After a tip-off from someone on my last Tri-Logo tri- Fet post, I was made aware I only had four of the five main Light Fet variants. So I was very happy to add the final 
PBP to complete the set, the painted knee, unpainted dart, second from the farthest right on the picture. Sorry about the awful lighting. So there we go, five different vets, including the PPP. This is just a quick shout out to Sub-Zero. Mate, it looks brilliant. You've just managed to shoehorn the fifth one in there. Thank goodness there isn't a sixth. Uh, but yeah, it looks brilliant. Whoa, 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 there is a sixth, isn't there? there isn't there an unpainted knee, painted left boot, unpainted elbow? Six, <laughs> I'm sure there's a six one, Jez. Okay, sub zero, we'll, we'll, pull your finger yeah. out, will you, and get we'll, that six one? Rusty sticker glove belt thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice one. Well done, sub zero. Cheers. I thought you had me there for a sec. So then, on page 2175, Seahawks, your friend of the podcast, he's put on some cracking Play Doh sets. No, I love all of them. Now, Stu, I said this is right up your alley, mate, because you've got the Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi Kenner Play-Doh sets. Mate, no, I can only imagine that your eBay watch list has just been completely inundated with Play-Doh sets after this little challenge. What can you tell us, buddy? Do you know what? You're, you're so right, Jez. Now, I've got to go back. It's probably 20 shows, 25 shows. That I I actually covered in the NA the Palatoy Star Wars adventure modeling set, which, in my opinion, is the best box out of all the Play Doh sets. But so to come back with the Kenner sets is brilliant. Now, Seahawks has shared his three Kenner Play Doh sets, like you just said. He got the Star Wars one, the Empire one, and a Jabba the Hutt one. And these are a massive interest of me. I actually adore the artwork on these. And I've been so close to pulling the trigger in the past, but I haven't done. Now, I contacted Jason, first of all, and asked him, you know, well, why have you picked these up? He did just say that. The main reason I started to collect them is a little over a year ago. He was visiting his folks for Christmas and his mum bought out a box of old photos, mostly from his childhood. And he posted several of these on the forums. And within these photos, his birthday in 1978 is one of him holding a stretch Armstrong monster, a stretch monster. And in the background, you can see the Star Wars Play-Doh action set. And then he was surprised because he only remembered the ESB, so it was neat to see because he didn't realise he had it. And then there's another photo from Christmas 1980, where he's playing with another toy at the front, and in the background is the ESB. So Kenner released six of these sets during the vintage years. Uh, these Play-Doh sets are a very basic action set. Uh, the sets usually consist of a plastic mat, which depicted a Star Wars image, a basic ship, and three figure moulds, uh, a few more in the later later ones. A plastic trimmer, and of course the Play-Doh, which you've got three tubs of. First up was the Star Wars action set, which Jason has highlighted. In this thread, uh, the map was a large Death Star with an X-Wing flying towards it and depicts there's a Dinogre on the Death Star, which is quite a nice little touch. Uh, had a plastic X-Wing with it and then three moulds, which I know you can make Leia, R2, Vader, 3PO, Luke. Got a feeling there was a sixth one, but can't quite figure it out. So in 1980, they followed up with a second set to go alongside this release. Uh, that was the Empire Strikes Back action set. Again, Jason shows this off in the acquisitions. Uh, this time, the scene is a Hoff scene, and it came with a plastic snow speeder. So another great, great image. Uh, uh, the mats are amazing on their own without any of the other sets. Uh, 1981, we then got another Play-Doh set from Empire, the Yoda play set. Now, Jason hasn't got this one yet, and he is going to be on the lookout for this. Uh, originally came out in the white box like the first two, but was quickly changed to the yellow box which would follow all the following sets now the white box of the yoda play set 
is without doubt the hardest Play-Doh set to track down as uh, it wasn't available for very long. Uh, the X-Wing returns from the first set as the plastic ship and the image this time is of Dagobah. And of course we get a little Yoda, Yoda uh, mould for this one. 1983, I've got, I've got a memory of this set but I don't think I had it. I think I've just made it up somewhere in my subconscious. But 1983, Return of the Jedi hits the theatres and straight away out comes a fourth Play-Doh set. Uh, obviously, the Jabba the Hutt play set. Obviously, couldn't release it before the movie due to Jabba being kept secret. But this came with loads more moulds. And for me, these are the best two moulds. You've got a Jabba, which if made from brown Play-Doh, like it looks on the box, does look like a little turd. But um, for me, the standout mould in this is the Han in Carbonite. How cool is that? You can just, just imagine making the hand in carbonite. Uh, you could have layer defrosting him and then him just splodging on the floor. But, you know, brilliant. The skiff was the um, was the ship and it's Jabba's throne room as the the picture on the mat. So you've got the throne in the background where you can stick your past to seeing Jabba. And then you've also got the grill at the front where it leads to the Frankel pit. 1983 also saw the release of their fifth Play-Doh set, Wicket the Ewok. Now, this is, without doubt, the best of the best when it comes to the moulds. Wicket, Chirper, Nisa, a baby Ewok were joined by 3PO, R2 and Bagger. Um, and there was plenty of other moulds and a little bit more in-depth moulds. A plastic cart was included, which you could attach Bagger to if you wanted to. And the image on the map was the Ewok Village. Probably my favourite uh, my favorite set, but probably the worst of the box art. And then you had the final set, which came under the um, Power of the Force banner, which was called the Attack of the Death Star set. Now, this box is completely different. It's, it's got um, a Death Star with loads of Star Destroyers being attacked by A-Wings and B-Wings. Uh, released in 1985, it didn't sell well. And that is considered to be what is one of the easiest sets to find, sealed and complete. Uh, rather than figure moulds, we have moulds of small ships like Y-Wings and X-Wings. And it also included a mould of explosions. And the map was just a space scene which had the Death Star on it and other ships where you could recreate those uh, amazing space scenes. Uh, the plastic thing, no ship this time, it had a launching pad included in it, which is a bit strange. So... So Jason is halfway there. He has told me that he is going to try and track down the other three. And uh. I am going to state it here now. I will definitely, definitely pop my Play-Doh cherry this year. But, um, <laughs> I love yeah, the idea of that last one. And that's quite exciting, the fact that you say it didn't sell well, but it's it's relatively speaking easy to get hold of still sealed. I mean, I'm not sure if I'd want a sealed one, actually, because I would want to see what the contents look like, but... That well, it would, it would fit with your Luke X-Wing because his face is in like an oval on top of the scene, so it's quite prominent. Now, I, I've looked at these, and in the UK, you're looking normally around the £100 mark right. for a, a set when they come up, and they're often incomplete. Obviously, the Play-Dohs dry out and get yeah. thrown away, and moulds get lost. But uh, Jason did did say to me that the um, the last one he, he purchased in that, he only paid 25 uh, Twenty-five dollars for uh, that was the Jabber one. So wow. that kind of money—they they obviously come up a lot more often yeah. in the states than they do over here. But um, yeah, right place, oh, right great. time. Definitely going to be on the lookout, mate. That's some great info. We'll have to uh, get all six images and, and put them 
if we can, on a sort of collage on Instagram or what have you, and put them on the Facebook page because, yeah, I, I love I love the boxes, the the variety there. Obviously, we've got the difference between the um, Parker and the Kenner. But before we do that, we'll, we'll go over to Pete. Pete, what's it you got, mate? Well, I've got some amazing Play-Doh facts here. Oh, now, let's see if you can. I mean, amazing, amazing facts. Right. So, Stu, you, you're going to pop your Play-Doh cherry. I think you should have a little little party on uh, September the 16th when you do, because do you know what day it is on September the 16th? Is it their anniversary? No. Is it National Play-Doh Day? It is National Play-Doh Day. <laughs> so, Stu will have to invite us all around for a big Play-Doh party. Now, seeing as you're all Play-Dohed up, how many units or cans of Play-Doh, because that's how it used to appear in and going forward, how many of those sold since 1955 when it launched? Have a guess. It's gone. Come on, just have a guess. This is podcasting gold. This is Come on, still, Jez. It's still going now, isn't it? It's like... It's still going now. Star Wars still, still with a Star Wars license. Can heads. Absolutely. Come on. Give me a, give me a number. Is it seven figures? Mm, could be. <laughs> Worldwide, I come on <laughs> five million. Oh no, Jeff. I would say thirty-nine million. Okay, boys, you want to guess? Because these two are way out. I'm going four hundred million. Better, come on, Richard. I've given you a clues now. Twelve. <laughs> just 12 <laughs> brilliant it's over right it's over it was it was over 2 billion in uh, nine, in, nine, in 2005 so right. it's well on to the th- it's going towards 3 billion cans originally made as window putty there you go <laughs> now my final question Stu which you might have tried to answer here is what's it made out of what is it well, my mum used to do homemade uh, Play-Doh. I don't know if anyone else's did. Yeah. She used to make, make Play-Doh um, and just put food colourings in it. So we would often have that in the school holidays. Made out of what, though, Stu? What's it she made out of? She would make it out of, must have been, well, it's like a, a bread dough, I take it. Uh, yeah. It was flour, flour, water, um, something to make it non-stick, wasn't it? Yeah. What it was, though. Well, well, the popular recipe is water, salt and flour, but the actual recipe is a bit harsher, so I wouldn't go on eating this stuff um, because it's got a lot of stuff in it. So there's a starch-based binder, a retrogradation inhibitor, salt, lubricant, surfactant, preservation materials, um, a hardener, and fragrance, obviously colours. And then, just to make sure you don't eat it, there's petroleum and borax traces. Sounds in. like the ingredients for a pot noodle. <laughs> it does. <laughs> probably, probably just as tasty. But um, yeah, there's there's some of my amazing Play-Doh facts for you boys. And you know what? I wasn't joking. It was we covered. This is the one thing that stuck in my head from when I covered it with Palatoy. It was initially made for putty for windows. Yes. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy how things happen. And it's still going today. All is it 1955? Can you believe it? Do you know what? I back in the 80s we had um, other sets. Which once I got my garage up and running, I'd love a little Play-Doh unit. Because we had like the dentist set, we had the teeth were made from Play-Doh, and uh, the hairdressers, we used to push it through the plastic heads of people. Play-Doh was amazing. Yeah, it was magic. I always remember the hairdresser set, that was a big thing, it was on TV, mm. had a big long hair coming out and you push it in, brilliant. Mm. Now I'll continue. Do you know what, it's, 
is it moments like this that I, ju I just can't get over the fact that our listeners uh, have got this to download free of charge. You know, we, the, as I said, this is podcast gold moments to come out with Play-Doh <laughs> facts like that. This is um, unbelievable. Thank you very much, oh. Pete and Stu. That, that's fantastic. So we're also talking about this lineup then. So we've seen it and, and he's put on, Jason's put on some great photos of the three he's got. And you compare it between the Kenner and the, the Parker version. I've gone on to Star Wars Collector's Archive like we do just to see what they've got. They've got some fantastic stuff and, and other links as well. And they go on to say that the most notable difference is the packaging, the colour. Parker's use of silver packaging colour significantly differs from the, the general yellow which was found on the Kenner. And the rear of the Parker packaging face is entirely devoid of graphics. But there was also a size difference as well. The, the Parker ones were generally released with uh, plastic wrapping around the sealed box. But it does go on later on to say when compared side by side, the Parker boxes are noticeably larger than both the Kenner and the Clipper versions. But there's uh, one chap who I wanted to point out who the Star Wars Collectors Archive quite clearly linked to. And that's someone who goes, uh, who's got Rasmus Holt, uh, directs his collecting energies towards procurement of all things Play-Doh from the Star Wars universe. Many fine Play-Doh prototypes and other production sets from Rasmus's collection are available for viewing and they provide a link. So if you want to know more, I mean, obviously the, the lads have wet your whistle, wet your appetite for these Play-Doh things, but there are some great links and, and further information on on prototypes for the Play-Doh range as well. So go and check out the Star Wars Collector's Archive and keep an eye out for what we put out on Instagram and Facebook. Guys, Play-Doh, fantastic. And I know, Stu, you'll be popping your cherry before long. Something truly special. So then, moving on. Page 2176. Plastic held. Wow, mate. Just a quick shout out to you. Completing two great runs. Now, what I mean runs, he said, right, I want to do the first 12 run. And he's also done a Luke. Now, when I did my non-focus focus, it was a case of, yeah, I want all of the Luke Skywalker characters, all, all seven, are on card. And he's done that. And he's he's delighted with it. Not necessarily debut cards, but some cracking. And, and the variety is great because he, he's got the Tri-Logo without the new figure 159. He's got the Tri-Logo with it. He's, he's got Jedi. He's got Empire. Lovely selection of the seven Luke Skywalkers. But his first 12 line, I mean, when you look at it all lined up like that on display, He's got a mixture of Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi cards. Congratulations, mate. It looks brilliant. I'm absolutely delighted for you. Something truly special. So then we move over to Tantive 11. And again, it was another quick shout out just because of our previous Uncle Gundy beaties when we had Andy on with us. It was just a quick shout out on page 17 of Tantive 11. You've got the 89th Chris and his droids, Uncle Gundy. But the interesting one about this is it was the Kenner Canada version. Now I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Uh, the Canada droids range. Any of you guys know much about this? I know absolutely nothing, I'm afraid. Bits and pieces. Mm. Bits and pieces. Okay, well, when I was online and I, and I was looking at these various different things, I, I looked at this and just thought... Well, not only is the droids range interesting from my point of view because the figure is on the opposite side of the card or you know it's on the right hand side as you face it it's got the coin but i looked at this canadian one and i thought the card art it's got nothing to do with uncle gundy so you've got r2 you've got 3po 
And I imagine as a character, Vlix. And I thought, well, that's a bit strange. So I started looking at more of the droids, um, Minton Carter figures. And then I realized that this was something particular to, to Kenner Canada. And then also later on a, a different company as well. But what it says on the, on Star Wars Collector's Archive is the carded Uncle Gundy released by Kenner Canada features a much different card front style than its American Kenner counterpart. Kenner Canada employed a single card front for the characters in the droid series. Unlike Kenner, he utilized unique images for each character. So how terribly dull is that? I mean, the, so what they're saying is the Canadian Kenners have just got one single lot of card art for their figures. Terribly dull, yes, terribly dull. Was it not a little bit more complicated because of the dual language? Yeah, absolutely. But that still doesn't mean that the picture needs to uh, to suffer, does it? Well, if the selling point of the droids was from the adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO. Absolutely. So you're going to have to, well, you don't have to, I suppose, but it makes more sense to put R2-D2 and C-3PO as the prominent characters. They then obviously don't just want to sell the R2-D2s and C-3PO's, so they put a third character on there. You could argue that, oh, what was it again? Was it was it Tig Farm or Sissy Farm or something they've got in the background? Or was it Vlix? What, on this one Canadian one? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a Flix. It's a Flix. It's a, it's a, a, a chunky lad, yeah. I couldn't remember which one it was, but you, you could argue the fact that they needed another character on there to get people looking at it and going, oh, there's a new character, therefore, you know, we may buy more of them. Because if you just have R2 and C3PO and then you have a Uncle Gundy next to it, there's, to make the correlation between the two is incredibly difficult. Yeah. I just thought it was weird. I, You know, the, the droids, as we've said before, it's a range which don't really know anything about it, but I, I had never for a second thought that there was a difference between the Canadian... Uh, and the regular uh, Kenner, mm-hmm. because you know we sometimes it, it takes a sort of sharp eye or, or a keen eye to see. Oh, you look at that Return of the Jedi front, and oh, that's a, a Canada one because of the uh, dual um, uh, dual language, as, as we've seen in the past, which is I wouldn't say necessarily subtle, but one of those things where it could easily be missed. Whereas these are completely different. So as I was looking at more droids, droids information on the collector's archive, it goes on to talk about the glass leak. And it says, Glass League Company of Brazil issued two lines of Star Wars toys. And as we know, Thurman's um, bearing the popular power of the force. We've seen those. And they also did a droids line. And uh, it goes on to say that the Brazilians passed over the Ewoks line entirely. But the droid series was comprised of seven figures and two small vehicles. Even though they used the same card for each character, the colourful graphics and collage from the series gave it a distinctive look. So again, that's hinting that the Glass League used to the same thing they just stuck on one sort of card art so yeah completely different learn something new each day i thought that was worth worth mentioning to you guys but massive congratulations to the 89th chris for your uncle gundy minton card let's see that new work droid set on to page 17 it was uh christian with a lovely 12 inch leddy luke skywalker but it wasn't just the Luke Skywalker, it was a lovely little post about Clint. Now, as we said before, we say it on pretty much every episode's feedback about the, the work which the Tantive guys do and, you know, the posts which Clint puts on. So I, if you just will indulge me for a second, I just want to read out a quick post which Christian put on Tantive 11 with his Luke Skywalker leddy. Been meaning to share this awesome leddy for a while now. Clint, my wife and I shared an apartment in Orlando. Of course, Clint and I took the bed and kicked my wife onto the sofa bed. 
When we arrived, Clint presented her and I with a bunch of presents. On top of some gourmet Canadian maple syrup, t-shirts with Tantive and my blog logos on them, he handmade them all. He also gave me a bunch of Luke cardbacks and this 12-inch leddy figure. Seriously, I was blown away. All of the mods here know what an unbelievably generous and caring guy Clint is, but I want all of the members to know as well. Don't forget that this is the dude who also handmade and painted all of the Tantive's custom figures that we hand out at conventions, literally hundreds of them. Not to mention the huge amount of work he puts into the forum. He also listened patiently for four days during Celebration 8 whilst his wife stressed about a scar she had from a recent operation, whilst he himself is casually sporting the most wicked battle scars I've ever seen. On top of this, I also received a Christmas present from Clint, which I'm yet to open. I just wanted to say that not only am I honoured to be a model alongside Clint, I'm honoured to have him as a friend. And I saw that, and I just thought it completely sums up everything which we love and respect about the hobby. And obviously, Christian just wanted to give Clint a massive shout-out, put it out there on the on the forum. And I just thought, let's just put it out there on the podcast, because we've all benefited from the work he's done and from the things he's pushed out at the conventions. So on behalf of the, the Vintage Rebellion... Clint, mate, and all the mods around there doing a great job, but Clint in particular, um, fantastic work, mate. Thanks very much. I love you. I know. So we go, go on to page 18 and how hippie. Oh, man, this guy gets some good stuff, as we say, pretty much on a monthly basis. Now, he got the removable limbs 3PO, and it's a lovely little thing because... It is a post which standard for Tantive links to additional links, additional pages. There's so much help on that forum where people are like, yeah, check out this thread, check out this link. So this is a Leddy 3PO, removable limbs. Now, guys, any of you know anything about this Leddy 3PO? And how can you tell that it's a Leddy 3PO? Silence. Exactly. Now, this is where these forums are so good because he's put it on. And it was surprising how quickly things happened and, and changed on the forum. So he puts up this picture of of the Leddy 3PO um, stood up and then of it in, in pieces. And he said on the December the 12th, a Leddy removable limbs, no bag though, but the figure's in really good shape. At 10.54pm, the following day, um, the 89th Chris puts, great find. I'm not sure if the 3PO bag is any different on the Leddy. I'll have to look into that. So there we go. So he's got a leddy, doesn't have the bag. Within three minutes, <laughs> Commander Clint comes on. Great pickups. Both the Lily Leddy 3PO and the Yoda, which he'd also put on. Looked to be in fantastic shape. He then quotes the 89th Chris, who speaks, you know, asks about the bag, saying I might have to look into that. And he then provides a link. A link to another subsection within Tantive, which is dedicated just to that figure. And it talks about the bag, it talks about the, the Leddy figure itself. And this is why, externally, you can't really tell a difference. There's not a massive difference for this. But if you may, it's very, very worthwhile because he goes on to the difference between the figure and then the bag itself. So he says the Leddy 3PO is a very difficult figure to distinguish from its Kenner counterpart. First of all, there's no obvious difference in the used gold paint. Moreover, the gold paint causes reflections, which make it very hard to uncover potential differences in the used moulds. After spending half an hour of magnifying glass, even counting the number of stripes in 3PO's eyes, 
He gave up and concluded that any differences in the mould are too subtle to use as distinct from markers. Luckily, there are still some differences can be observed, but you have to look at the spots which you cannot see from the outside. Compared to its Canon counterpart, the Leddy 3PO has joints with exposed creamy white grey instead of tanned tips. So when you actually take this figure apart, which you designed to removable limbs, it's only when you see the joints you can tell the difference. All of the Kenner figures have joints with tanned tips and only the Leddy figure has creamy white tips. However, we have to keep in mind that this difference might not be consistent as different batches of coloured plastics could have been used during production of the limbs in the factories. A longer left leg caused an leaning sort of Tower of Pisa stance of the figure. Probably this is an artefact which was caused after the limb was released from the steel mould and cooled down too fast. So it might be unique for this specific Leddy figure. However, many Leddy 3PO figures suffer from a left leg which doesn't fit as well as the right leg. So it might be a general phenomenon for Leddy figures. So there you go. Can't see it generally by looking at it. But when you take apart the legs and look at the tips, it's very subtle, very good. But he goes on to talk about the bag. So the bag having a different mould compared to the Kenner bags. The Lily Leddy bag differs in the type of plastic used, soft and glossy black. The size of the three squares in the grid pattern are smaller squares compared to the Kenner bags. And the position of the central square in the middle row compared to its neighbouring rectangles positioned asymmetrically. This is the easiest to distinguish trait. So loads and loads of information. And I just go back to the fact that this guy posted it saying, oh, look at this. Someone else is saying, oh, I need to know a little bit more. And straight away, there's been a very watchful mod on the forum saying, this is what you need to check out. This is what's great about these things because the education is just there. The, the information is just there. And, and I just can't praise these guys enough. Really, really interesting. Defender la flota. Nave rebelde en el radar. ¡Debo destruirla! ¡Blanco a la vista! Naves y personajes se venden por separado. El campo magnético todavía funciona. Va a ser activado. Atacaré sus baterías solares. ¡Pierdo velocidad! ¡Salvamos la flota! ¡El enemigo huye! El halcón milenario y la nave imperial del regreso del Jedi. ¿Quién está pensando en ti? So there we go, lads. Now, I want to move on now to Facebook. And it's Scott Terry on Facebook. He sent me a direct message, and I, and I saw this on a few of the Facebook groups as well. This lucky lad got massively sorted out by his wife, uh, by his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> this lucky lad got massively sorted out by his girlfriend over Christmas with regards to a present. And uh, she, he, he's got a Luke Jedi focus. And and she sorted them out with a 65-back Luke Jedi with blue saber, mint on cards. And uh, and he's absolutely over the moon. This looks brilliant. So he, he's delighted. Mate, you've done well there. I'm looking at it now. It's a 65A Luke Jedi, but with a blue saber, mint on card. Mate, look, it looks awesome. It's, let's have a little look. Oh, it's unpunched. It's got a nice little price digger, which doesn't detract at all from the card art. Bubble looks good. Yeah, he, he's delighted. I would be too. I think your girlfriend has done particularly well there. Tracy Wilson, good on you. Karma coming your way. And she also sorted him out with a Luke Jedi toothbrush. So Merry Christmas, mate. You've been sorted right out there. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to hear 
about our collectors who have got equally good girlfriends or wives or whatever, or, or boyfriends, husbands, sorting them out with some decent vintage Star Wars. I love it. I love you. I know. So, Rich, the final one. You sent me a message saying you wanted to discuss a chap called Paul's boxed land speeder. Now, you know, we love talking about the various ships and stuff, but what was it about this one in particular which got you going, buddy? Yeah, Jez, so I sent you the photograph when you were, you, you know, what you like, you can get quite menstrual at times, and you were going, oh, I'm not sure if I want to talk about the land speeder. But it wasn't <laughs> about the land speeder. I'd sent you the image because I wanted to talk about the sticker that was on the land speeder, and it was a sticker that I've seen a couple of times now, and I just wanted to find more information about it. And it was a sticker that had collector's series written on it. And, I, and I've always been fascinated by that term in that in 1984, can I have stuck stickers on there that said collector, you know? And I, I, just, I just think that's such a, a great thing. So I did, once you said, yeah, yeah, go on, then we'll go, we'll, we'll go with it. I started to do a lot of research on it. And every time I got somewhere close, I would find usually it was a post from Ron and he would say, yeah, he has a great piece of information on the collector series. And I would click it and go, yep, cheers, Ron, mate. And then it would send us to the SWCA. But unfortunately, it would send us to a dead page now that was posted on when it used to be on the old university server. Yeah. And I was oh, no, not again. So then I'd have to go back to Redmond School and go and do some more searching. There's another Ron. Hey, if anybody's interested in the collector series, I'll click this link. And I, click, and, and I was just going dead end, dead end, dead end, dead end. So it's took me quite a while, but I have found, you know, some information on the collector series. And uh, by piecing together bits from Ron and other people on RS probably over the last 15 years, I think I'm a little bit happier now with collector series. So... I wasn't aware, and I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody on the planet was, but I wasn't aware that the Collector series was only released on three items, which was the Land Speeder that we'd seen, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter, and the Jobak. And, you know, initially think, thinking back, you know, perhaps a bit of an odd choice to have uh, the Jobak. So for those who aren't aware, the Collector series was released in 1984, and it was a re-release of the older toys that had been on the Star Wars branding. And back in, I think, 2005, 2006 on Rebelscom, there was a lot of people going, well, you know, what exactly was the point of this? Somebody had hypothesized that Kenner had a lot of old stock and they needed to shift them. So how are we going to shift them? I know we'll stick a, you know, we'll slap a sticker on, collect a series, get rid of them that way. But when you look at the boxes, the stickers are not stuck on the box. They are printed on the box, which clearly suggests to me anyway that these are not just getting rid of old stock. This is something that was purposely designed to sell these products that were, you know, no longer selling. And introducing new children to vehicles and, you know, the Joe back that they could no longer get in stores. You know, the kids who in 1984, like, were, were our age, who were, you know, six, seven years old, who were one or two when the Darth Vader, Thailand, Speed and Joe back were available, clearly you know, stores didn't have those anymore, so they re-released them. And you know, I've, I've read, a, I've read a lot of great information on that. I was, I was really pleased with it. So thanks to all the guys who've who've contributed on those discussions. It was absolutely brilliant. And there is also on the SWCA a link to some kind of promotional materials, which I haven't written down the name of, and that's a bit stupid of me to do that. But it was re-released to coincide, okay, with the network TV premiere in February 1984. And I thought, you know what, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, it makes perfect sense looking at it now 
why have they released this in 84? Because Star Wars was coming back on the TV in 1984. You know, so Ken obviously sees that opportunity. They've already got, you know, the moles. It's not going to be too difficult to churn out a load of TIE fighters, land speeders and jewelbacks. Whack them in these packages, stick a sticker on, it's money for old hope. So it, I know I know it, it looks obvious, but to us, it's, I think it's absolutely genius of Kenner doing that. It's just yet another great way of Kenner of getting rid of this stock. Yeah, very good, very good theory on that. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, is it? I mean, I'm trying to think of other Star Wars boxed items that weren't released on any other packaging. Is it just not simply a case of? I mean, I'd be surprised if they sat on stock no, for six years. No, I don't think they sat on stock, but they had the molds and everything ready. Yeah, yeah. So it's just yeah. a case of flushing them back out again. Back in again. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. It's just, they were never released in any other packaging, were they, after Star Wars? So they're out in 78, 79, maybe, maybe not 80, and then that was it. And yeah. if you look at all those three vehicles, they didn't appear in anything other than Episode Four as well. So they wouldn't have been relevant to Empire, hence not re-released again, I guess. Mind you, the Sandcrawler was in the calendar box, wasn't it? So that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I think, as you say, they just thought a case of, right, new market. Let them have some of these. In which case, why the flop didn't they give us Tarkin in Power of the Force? Hmm? Could have done that, couldn't they? But no. Who wants an old man from Episode 4? It's not relevant. That was one of the arguments why they didn't release it. Because it's Episode 4. Who'd be interested in Episode 4? And yet they go and release these vehicles again. Well, I mean, the Death Star is another one. You know, the Death Star wasn't really released, was it, or anything? No, that's a good point, actually. And that was that was relevant because it was in Jedi. Yeah. Oh, we should have run Kenner Rich. <laughs> well, Jez, obviously, though, you, you've taken upon that, though, and said, right, come on, guys, we may, we may as well talk about the land speeder, haven't you? And you've yes. said this is a good one for to get what you think to. Uh, so I don't know about you, but w- what I did was I went straight to the SWCA and um, thought, okay, what am I going to see on the land speeder? Well, what I was think that? one of the yeah. first things from a... From a UK collectors' point of view as well as the fact that we've been once again done over because yep. yeah the land speeder is cracking cracking iconic thing which you know I'm looking up at mine now I've been fortunate enough I don't have many box items at all but I've got a box for this one but yeah it's there you you can recreate all sorts of different scenes I mean you face the land speeder now been recently. Uh, pushed out hasn't it is a is a in a 2017 kids ride along thing which people have been pushing out images and adverts on facebook so quite clearly an iconic ship or or, or vehicle but yeah so so what was the main difference then between the kenner and, and the palatoy one which we've got well you've got the hood that doesn't open or the bonnet as we would see in the uk yeah. i'm going to come back to the bonnet though because i think that is absolutely totally pointless what do you mean it's pointless? Well, I'm going to come back to that. Okay, can we, you just hold on to that thought, Stu. As you said, it's all about the bonnet and the hood. And in some cases, the uh, the decals or the stickers along the side, because when we go on to yeah. look at um, the Tortoise, the Harbour, Meccano, uh, there's one uh, section which says the Tortoise Land Speeder was released in Australia, very much the same as the Kenner version. The body design was the same, and they even had the opening bonnet or trunk. The main difference was the stripes running down the side with stickers. Another version of the Landspeeder exists that was released under the Palatoy label in Britain. This version of the Landspeeder had stripes that were painted on, like the US Kenner, but it had no opening bonnet. So there are a few different varieties out there. 
interesting one that Steve McGill, Dublin Jeff, has brought up on the, the forum, and it's been a, a topic raised a couple of times, is the early releases in the UK in the Palatoy boxes were actually Kenner vehicles. But they had... So the bonnet would open, but within the bonnet, there was the patent pending stamp, which was clearly added as an afterthought. So you've got the nice, neat row of General Mills text and all the rest of it. And then underneath, it very wobbly. It's raised rather than stamped in. is pat pending. And then there'd be an ink, like a rubber stamp number as well of, of four or five digits. Uh, and I, although the patent pending, I think, does show up in the States, the rubber stamp numbers don't. So that seems to have been some kind of weird... I don't know what the, what the reasoning or the thought was behind it, but that that's a. You, I guess you could count that as a, a slight variation, couldn't you? Mm, yeah, I would. Right, there's a good thread on the forum. It's titled "Anyone Seen Pat Pending Stamped Land Speeder with Serial Number?" Oh yeah, I remember that. Mm. Yeah, that was a little while back. It was, yeah, 2016. Uh, but then it, it's been it's been reignited a couple of times as more and more samples and examples have turned up. But don't you think this is, it is such an iconic shit which belongs in, in everyone's collection. If, you, if you're going to do a sort of first 12 display or what have you, I'm, I'm looking up at mine now and where I've got the original figures and, and the land speeder is there, just sort of precariously pushed on, on the edge of, uh, of one of my sort of dioramas and it, and it does fit, it just looks brilliant. But I think from a, from a parent's point of view, what would have been one of the sort of Attractive points from a, from a parent with regards to this toy in comparison to say uh, some of the other toys, similar price point, similar at era, at a really low price point. Yeah, which is straight away thing. It's quite thick. But I would also say the most that's amazing toy engineering that hover mm. thing for the time. It's a brilliant piece. Um, but is. You're absolutely right. So very much like that and the speeder bike with the ingenuity of the speeder bike, this didn't rely on batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was no guns. Yeah. There was no gun feature to it. I think that might have been a plus. But it was yeah. quite nice if you had figures with guns because you could put them in the opening bonnet, which was a lovely feature. Yeah, a great feature that, wasn't it, Stu? Can you imagine not wanting it? Oh, <laughs> right, continuing you brought it up, right? The reason why I'm going to talk about <laughs> that being totally pointless, right? I don't know if any of you have seen the conceptual model for the land speeder, but on the conceptual model, it has the bonnet. There's no button on the front, but it has a handle on the top of the bonnet, right, for you to lift up and lift down. Now, what it's, you know, hypothesized in the article is that that was removed and replaced with the button, and and it probably was... Oh, no, it doesn't say that. It, it, it possibly, you know, may have been a cost issue or it may have just been a design issue. But personally, I think we're getting rid of that whole feature completely and sticking with the colours that that model is painted in because it has, you know, the red stripes and it has, you know, almost like go faster stripes or racing stripes around it. And it looks far more movie accurate than the one that we got. Now, obviously, the one that we got was just cast in the same plastic for cheapness, but I would rather they got rid of the button, got rid of the open and bonnet, and spent that money on the colours, because it, it oh. just looks absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but it's a toy, Rich, okay? The colours, it might look lovely on display now, right? As a child, when I had um, Corgi cars or whatever they were that made them over here at the time, you gave me a car with opening doors or an opening boot or an opening bonnet. It was far better than just a standard car. And the same with that. If you could put, 
you know, you were doing a Luke and Ben and stuff, you would put your weapons in there. It'd be brilliant. Right. So as a toy, mm. having that opening where you can store stuff is far better than, oh, look, it's got a nice go faster stripe, which is more screen accurate. Well, I must admit, as a kid, I would always buy a mini that was like red with a white stripe on it rather than one that had a bonnet. But I don't know. Perhaps, you don't know, vehicle, how to, perhaps you don't know how to play. It could be. But other than the vehicle maintenance energizer, which Jez has you know, got fond memories of, what else would you have done with the front of that bonnet? You know, pointless. It was far better just to stick your figures inside it and just imagine it being a racing vehicle. But but just think about it, Rich, right? Rather than, well, let's say Luke's selling it. Oh, look at my colours. How about a scenario where he's bent over and he's fixing the bonnet and a stormtrooper slams the bonnet down on his head and traps him and he's holding it in again. <laughs> where are my droids? And he starts bashing his head in with the bonnet hood. That's a much better scenario than look at my colour. Right. Okay, and, and to wrap oh, this up then. Oh, hang on a second. Whilst this up, you've got the Tuscan Raiders sort of ripping it apart and opening the bonnet yeah. and ripping out HT leads and everything else or whatever they've got. Yeah. Right. We'll throw this one out to our listeners then. Did anybody at all, or does anyone remember having any memories of using the bonnets in any kind of player scenario? And did they find it, you know, add, did it add any value at all to that toy? Well, how about, why don't you just ask, what do you think is the better toy, the Palatoy version or Kenner version? Well, who, who would have had both as a kid? No, no one, but people would have seen them now. And you can situate yourself back in that time. That that hood would have been constantly open with things going in it. You're wrong, Rich. You're wrong. I may be wrong, but I, no, you know, no, you're not. We'll maybe see. you're wrong. We'll <laughs> it's the new Star Wars land speeder. Wow! Looks like it's floating. The sand people are coming. It's up to Luke Skywalker and his land speeder to get us out. Action figures each sold separately. The land speeder has a snap open space hatch, and Star Wars action figures R two D two and C three PO fit right in back. Kenner's new Star Wars Landspeeder. Action figures each sold separately. So the Landspeeder, as described on Star Wars Collector's Archive, it, it talks about how, how popular it was. We, we've spoken about the, this particular one, which Richard found. It said this was the first of three vehicles which Kenner brought to market. Landspeeder was available throughout 1978 and 79 and part of 80. In 78, Kenner offered the larger clients a special offer version of the toy which included the free R2-D2 and C-3PO figures, as well as a yellow box sticker advertising this bonus. Then in the 1979, the LP logo, which we know is short for long play, which had appeared on all of Kenner's 1978 products, was removed from the packaging, so it disappeared. And then, as we said, in 1984, Kenner brought back to the market part of the collector's series of older Star Wars toys, and although this version of the Landspeeder was unmodified, the box underwent slight revisions, the most noticeable of which was the addition of a red and yellow collector's stick series Starburst to the upper right corner. In addition, the Star Wars toy licensees of several other countries, among them Australia and the UK, issued a slightly altered version, which we've spoken about. First issued in 1978 with the Star Wars packaging and the LP logo, reissues 78 Star Wars packaging with R2-D2 C-3PO special offer, 79 without the LP and 84 collector series. So with regards to focusing or going for a run, 
quite a few to look for in addition, as we said, to the Toll Toys, Meccano and Harbour. So, uh, yeah, a great, great piece of uh, kit, great piece of Star Wars vintage. And I love it. Let's uh, let's go to Pete. Now, now Pete. Hello, you're, Jez. You know, you know, you're the market expert and you look at various different bits. Now, I have Earlier on, you surprised us, and you just pulled it out of the bag. With yeah, you got Play-Doh a question, mate. Facts, Play-Doh facts. <laughs> Do you have any land speeder facts or land speeder information for us, Peter? Well, first, Jeremy, um, let's talk prices. All right, what do you think the average price of just a, a normal, complete land speeder is? Loose, loose, loosey goosey. Twenty quid. Ooh. Rich, twenty-two quid. 22 quid, that's about sort of almost spot on. It's about £19.55. Ah. So pretty easy to get get hold of. <laughs> now, now your collector series one, Rich, that's not the top price paper. So there's actually quite a few of these. Um, for one in a box, not sealed, uh, you're looking at around about 80 quid, which I'm quite surprised. But one in a box, complete and sealed, 270 six pounds you can pick it up for but that's not the top price land speeder in the world these days if you're, you're buying it that's no nowhere near yeah. can you guess can you guess what it could be jez uh xp38 what on earth are you talking about <laughs> is <laughs> it the meccano one it came out they're just not in demand uh, well the, the meccano one there's no data from meccano one on tracker do you know what it's the most beautiful box art mm-hmm. of any ship yeah i love it if I could own one, I'd love it. I know they're so rare, and I know we have um, Matea on once to discuss it, but it is the most beautiful box. R2-D2 is not on the land speeder, is he? I think there's R2 to the side of it, and he's... Is that uh, he's standing up. It's like the yeah. Palatoy. It's the Palatoy one. He's not in the... um, Not laying down on the ship either, yeah, is he? That's right, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think it's the same image as the... um. He's lurking. thing. But I think it's just the Meccano logo with the it's got the blue bit underneath with the writing and it's called an aero glisseur which is just just oh it's just radiant and sexual it's amazing <laughs> now the, the the one that's fetching the high price at the moment is known as the kennedy which has the special offer sticker in the top right hand corner and that is averaging at over 430 pounds at the moment so that's a pretty big beastly beast of a of a seal well it's actually not even sealed it's actually just in a box so if anyone found a sealed one of those the kennedy the fourth version of the kenner box then you're looking at probably quite a tasty price but yeah Star- not- the starburst not more expensive pete no yeah. okay not- it's, it's crazy i mean i guess it's it's because it's like four versions of the kenner and stuff i mean not a lot of them come up but um i suppose with the one richard talked about i mean there was 53 examples of those and that's a couple of years so They've come in boxes, but now let's get down to some land speed information. I was reading about the concept design of the land speeder itself, and um, does anyone know why it was quite a narrow ship and why that was? It's not a big wide thing, is it? It's quite narrow. You can, you can fit two people in it, uh, in the seats, and obviously a couple on the back riding. And you could even put a little goblin-y kind of thing in the front in the front area, Rich. Yeah. Wanted to. So, so why was it so narrow? Why was it designed so narrow in the end? Because it wouldn't fit in the box if it was wider. No, 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 no. no. I'll put the land speed in general, not the toy. The land speeder design in general. Because <laughs> isn't that a bit? Ask, isn't isn't that a bit like asking why a car's only two seats 
wide as well. Well, maybe, but what, yeah. you know, there was a specific reason why it, it got narrowed down quite considerably. It was going to be where the characters actually lie, almost lie down in it. That became too wide. They tried to get three people in there. and then about the, why the toy is narrow or why the actual ship uh, vehicle is on screen? Was actually in the in the movie why it was so narrow. Anyone know why? Is it because uh, it's meant to give the impression of a hovering? And... No. No. Okay. I'll is it because it, uh, Lars Homestead? It was within the garage, so you you did see another one, didn't you? When he was in the darkened area, when Luke was looking mm-hmm. for three PO and R two. Well, closer, Jez. I should give it away because you're not going to get it. Uh, basically, the the small roads in where they actually filmed it in Tunisia were so stupidly narrow they couldn't take it anywhere if they had a big wide design. So they basically used this this um, I can't remember the name of the um, the actual car, but it was a little car that was designed in England. It was actually built by a British manufacturer, a car manufacturer, which is unnamed, and uh, it was basically a three wheeler. And uh, because of the, the size of the roads, they couldn't get a regular kind of truck down there where they were going to film. So it had to be really narrow so it can actually drive on this kind of path where, where you see it in the distance. That was actually a little kind of tiny road. Obviously, they couldn't drive it in the desert. Otherwise, the thing would fall apart. So it actually went on a little kind of dirt track. So they needed it to be as narrow as possible so it actually fit and actually drive up and down this, this, uh, this, this thoroughfare, which is obviously, you know, probably designed for horse and carts, and that's why it was narrow. So there we go. A bit of land speed effect. There are three British cars that I can think of that had three wheels. You've got the Morgan, which would have been far too expensive and not good enough for that sort of thing. The Bond bug, Pete, would that have been it? Yeah, that sounds familiar. I think it yeah. that, that might have been it. Yeah. Yeah so, there's, yeah, so again, another British design. Beautiful thing. British design. No, the, the, the Bond bug was not a beautiful thing at all, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I don't think they used much, they they use much of the car. I think it was the fact that they, they had all yeah, the, the, the chassis, yeah. three-wheeler, effectively. So, it's yeah. about the right colour, actually, because the Bond bug was only available in orange. Oh, beautiful. Right. And just in case there's anyone else out there who's thinking, oh, I wonder what the third one was. What was the third one, sorry? Robin Reliant, mate. Come on, Trotter's Independent Traders. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Wow, awesome, nice one. So there we go, so that's prices. That's some interesting land speed effects. We've discussed the difference between the bonnet opening and not, and the fact that Richard on this one occasion was incorrect with his assumption about which one's the better one. Uh, and <laughs> the fact that, yeah, I, I think parents would love it because not only do the kids like it, but there's no batteries or anything like that to worry about. Classic, iconic, no weapons on it. But there we go. Stew. Now, mate. Yeah. You're the one with his tape dispenser and your Sigma bits and your pyjama bits and your Play-Doh and all sorts of stuff like that. Tell us. There's going to be some Beyond the Toys oddball gimcrack type stuff going on here, surely. Well, it pops up on several pieces, okay? Um, some of them a little bit boring. I've, if you were going to be doing a land speeder uh, focus, I, I picked out the, f- the four best pieces I could find. Two of them just came on food packaging. Now, on the Lucky Charms, the Landspeeder Mobile, which came on the back of the packet, stunning little thing. Don't know how difficult they had to find, but it's a great little thing. And also in Australia, on the streets, lollies, uh, they also had the Stormtrooper, Landspeeder and Jawa packaging, which is also beautiful. But the two best pieces I could find for this now, for the first piece, I've never seen it. In in Japan, there was a series of four items, which was the Landspeeder, an X-Wing, 
TIE Fighter and an R2-D2, which came out, made by Takara, came out, and they were called the Wood Collection. And um, these were basically models made of wood. Never seen them before. They are amazing. I will try and find an image of them to put on our um, on our sites when it's released. But anyone else ever seen the Wood Collection from Takara? No. Oh. Amazing! It's amazing. Go get your tone mark guides out. Amazing pieces. Um, you have. I'm sure we mentioned this ages ago about something else we were talking about, where wood stuff came up, and there was there was all sorts of models they made out of wood. Yeah, wood patterns. Are you sure we didn't do the sand crawler on that? I don't know. It did, it, it definitely rings a bell. Maybe I was looking for something and found them. I've I've never I've never taken notice of these at all, whatsoever. But they are a fascinating looking set. But obviously the Best land speeder piece, without a doubt, better than the toy. Jez just said, Stuart, you're into your Sigma. The land speeder soap dish is incredible. And it's it's got C-3PO sitting up front with R2, um, sitting up front with Ben, the old land speeder. That is the best oddball item or beyond the toys item or gimcrack, whatever you want to call it. The best item you can find for this nice. and still reasonably priced. That's you Go never fail. I contacted the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance. I said, hey, we're talking about the land speed. And now there are so many things on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. So many of the, the pre-production, the concept stuff, the concept work, which again, Pete spoke about earlier on. But they've got other designs, other bits and pieces, which Ken and we're going to bring out. The XP36, the XP38, which are, which are some great pieces of artwork and, and kitbash models and stuff, which they were looking at doing for in the future. Some really, really fantastic stuff. So let's see what it is the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance have got to say. You are part of the Rebel Alliance. Hey guys, this is Ron Salvatore from the Star Wars Collector's Archive checking in as part of the Vintage Rebellion Alliance. This month you asked me to talk about the Landspeeder, so I'll get right to it. Along with the X-Wing and TIE Fighter, the Landspeeder was one of the first three vehicles prototyped for the Star Wars line. Uh, it was the original low-cost action figure vehicle, meaning it's the vehicle you got for Christmas of 1978 if your parents were cheapskates. Of course, the vehicle featured prominently in Star Wars. You all remember it. Also, its scale was suitable for a 3 and 3 quarter inch action figure line, so Kenner's choosing to produce it shouldn't be too surprising. It actually would have been more surprising if they didn't make a Landspeeder toy. In developing the toy, the folks at Kenner came up with some pretty clever action figures, namely a hood that popped open when a button was pushed, uh, as well as a spring-loaded suspension system that made the toy seem as though it was hovering above the ground. Or at least it did if you squinted, stood a few feet away, maybe took a few quaaludes. Earlier I mentioned that the vehicle was prototyped very early in the development of the line. In fact, we know the original uh, model used to conceptualize the toy was built alongside similar models representing the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter. If you think you're unfamiliar with these models, think again. You've seen painted representations of them on the reverse of the 12-back blister card. Um, see, they're right there in front of your nose the whole time. Possibly you didn't even notice, or maybe you did if you were attentive or you read uh, plenty of stuff on Facebook and whatnot. Uh, the paintings used to generate the 12-back representation still exist. They're owned by collectors Gus Lopez and Arno Grunberg, and they can be seen on the Star Wars Collectors Archive website. So if you Google 12-back art, X-Wing, uh, swca.com, you should find them. Uh, but if you look closely at these uh, pieces of art, either on the archive or, or on the 12-back itself, or on the 12-back itself, you may notice that whereas the tie and X-wing are clearly based on those early models, basically early three-dimensional models, 
the Landspeeder looks pretty much like the toy that was eventually released to stores. Uh, what's going on there? Well, I think uh, this probably indicates that the Landspeeder was the first of this trio of vehicles to be more or less completed, uh, at least the design. They had it set by that point in time. So by the time the reverse of the 12-back was designed, the look of the Landspeeder was set. Though the manner in which the vehicle is positioned on the 12-back clearly shows that the painting was originally based on the known photo of the Landspeeder model. You can totally see the representation, the angle of the shot, etc. mimics the shot that's out there of the early model. Uh, the actual model of the Landspeeder can be seen in a couple of different photos on the archive, as well as in some early advertising literature. So this is, as opposed to the painting, which, like I said, looks more like the production Landspeeder than do the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter, the actual model can be seen uh, in several pieces of advertising literature and, like I mentioned, on the archive. Uh, it boasts features not, rep not represented on the production toy. Okay, what are those features? First, there are two pegs on the rear of the model. Presumably, these would have allowed figures to stand in that area. So, as you know, anybody who's played with Star Wars toys knows they, they have holes in the feet that, that affix to those pegs. Uh, I don't know who'd want to stand on the back of the Landspeeder, but it's worth pointing out that on the box of the toy, as it eventually appeared in stores, the droids are depicted on the back of the Landspeeder, although they're laying down rather than standing. The second interesting feature on the model is a little handle affixed to the hood. I believe you British guys call the hood a bonnet, even though it has nothing at all to do with Little House on the Prairie. Uh, that's fine. You can keep calling it that if you'd like. It's kind of quaint, actually. Uh, the handle allowed the hood to be lifted. Of course, the hood on the production toy opened with the push of a button, so Kenner changed that by the time the, the actual toy was out. Uh, what happened when you opened the, the, the hood of the uh, production toy? There was just a sticker inside, so I don't know. It was no big deal anyway. Uh, as luck would have it, once I, I once spoke to one of the men who built this model, and he vividly recalled incorporating the parts of a model kit representing a jetliner into the Landspeeder model. I think it's pretty obvious when you look at that model that its engines are similar in shape to those found on a commercial jet, so that was probably a no-brainer. Uh, the Landspeeder was available right up until 1980 in the release of The Empire Strikes Back. It was a very popular item for Kenner. Uh, then, then it went away for a few years before being brought back in 1984 as part of Kenner's short-lived collector series of vehicles, which also included the Dewback and the Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. Uh, the toy was also available outside of the United States, uh, often with small variations. In Great Britain, for instance, Palatoy released a version that had a fixed hood. You couldn't open it. It was a budget bonnet, very uncracking to say the least. I suppose I'll wrap this up by pointing out that the Landspeeder was featured in Kenner's proposal to continue the Star Wars line beyond 1985, as was a concept rendering of a wholly new type of Landspeeder, the XP-38, which you might remember is actually mentioned in Star Wars. Uh, the image that's in that uh, binder of the XP-38 was drawn by Mark Boudreau, a pretty well-known Kenner designer. You've seen him in some documentaries. Uh, and it includes the following text. Luke's personal Landspeeder is the latest state-of-the-art variant with upgraded ion thrusters, improved defense capabilities, and auto-droid navigation control. The vehicle was mentioned by name in Star Wars. Um, so there you have it, a verified, unproduced Landspeeder toy. If you want to get a sense of what this would have looked like, you can check it out on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Obviously, it's just a drawing, so you have to imagine what the actual toy would have looked like. Uh, that's all I've got this time around. Uh, I hope it uh, was worthwhile for you, and I hope to talk to you guys again soon. I hope you have a great time uh, putting together this show. Thanks. The Rebel Alliance is too well equipped. They're more dangerous than you realize. Wow. Thank you ever so much for that. Yet again, as Rich said earlier on, 
the information which you're able to provide on this podcast is first rate and certainly some stuff which you just couldn't get from looking at the Star Wars Collector's Archive on its own. So thank you very much indeed. Well, thanks so much, guys, for looking at all of our vintage Rebellion new acquisitions this month. And once again, nice one, Scott Terry, and your girlfriend for sorting you right out with your Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight Minton card with a blue saber. Absolutely awesome, but you're over the moon. Cheers, guys. Ladies and Grenadians, children of all ages, Batten down the hatches, take your loved ones into a local restaurant and serve more double portions of grits, make sure your hair is given a thorough brushing and maybe add a delightful bow, it's time for the Market Watch. If you purchased the Vintage Rebellion fanzine issue 2, It Came From The Loft, you may have seen my article on unlicensed Star Wars-esque computer games. In the 1980s, many games tried to capture elements of the Star Wars film through imitation of the Star Wars arcade experience. In the fanzine article, which I recommend you definitely pick up a copy, it's got a free tape on the front, I focused on six games, some I played and others I'd found through research. And it was only the tip of the iceberg. There are loads! Before I start, though, I believe giving these games and game systems some much-needed context, especially for those youngsters out there born in the 1980s. In the early 1980s, arcade games were a vibrant industry. In 1981, the US alone was generating $5 billion of revenue, and the number of arcades doubled in number between 1980 and 1982. Following a dispute over recognition and royalties, several of Atari's key programmers split and founded their own company, Activision, in late 1979. They became the first third-party developer for the Atari 2600. Atari sued Activision for copyright infringement and theft of trade secrets in 1980, but the two parties settled on fixed royalty rates and a process for third parties to develop games on hardware. In the aftermath of the lawsuit, an oversaturated market resulted in companies that never had an interest in video games beginning to work on their own promotional games, and the market became flooded with consoles and many poor quality games. This contributed to the collapse of the video game industry. Revenues peaked at around $3.2 billion in 1983, then fell to around $100 million by 1985. The crash was a serious event that brought an abrupt end to what is now considered the second generation of console video gaming in North America. One of those consoles was called Vectrex. This is the system chosen 2 to 1 over Atari and Intellivision for real arcade gameplay. Fantastic! Presenting the revolutionary Vectrex arcade system. Ordinary home video games can't match the laser-sharp visual effects of Vectrex because only Vectrex has a real arcade screen built in. No TV set needed, so every Vectrex cartridge gives you real arcade gameplay that others can't. Vectrex, it stands alone. Vectrex by GCE stroke Milton Bradley sounded more like a dental product, but looking at this now, it's really cool. In a nutshell, it's a controller attached by a wire to its own CRT portrait screen measuring 8 inches in height by 5 inches width. Games came with screen overlays, which really enhanced the visual experience. The Vectrex system had 29 games that could only be used on its own system and with the overlays. It didn't last very long. One of those games was a homage to the trench run called Starhawk. Starhawk's clip-on screen overlay has various elements and covers the whole of the screen, 
but the bright vector graphics shine through. The overlay added arcade player elements, the name of the game at the bottom, and colour shaded areas to add some depth to the game's graphics. Most of the portrait screen is taken up with the trench in the centre of a moving vector graphic Death Star, and the viewing angle is different to many other trench run games. You are sitting above the trench run with it disappearing over the horizon, and it looks as if you are just about to dive in, but that's as close as you get. Your aim is to shoot various ships and you aren't actually in the trench. Your ship and others fly across the surface. It sounds primitive, but actually looks pretty good and very manic. You are up against time, shooting vector graphics that at times look like TIE Fighters, X-Wings and other Star Wars-y style ships. The sound effects are decent and it gives the impression you're in a mini arcade. In fact, this game was also available to play in the arcades. On eBay, the console with screen can set you back anything from £100 upwards. And Starhawk the game, you can still purchase the box version for just shy of £50. The box is quite large, as it houses a screen overlay and the cartridge. It's a cool display piece, but the only graphic on the front is a representation of the game. Worth checking out www.vectrex.co.uk for a really informative fan site. Intellivision was a home video game console released by Mattel Electronics in 1979. The name Intellivision is a derivative of Intelligent Television. Development of the console began in 1977, the same year as the introduction of its main competitor, the Atari 2600. Games development started in 1978 and continued until 1990, when the Intellivision was finally discontinued. From 1980 to 83, over 3 million Intellivision units were sold, and that rivalry with Atari really heated up and produced some terrific TV advertising. When it comes to space games, nobody compares to Atari. Excuse me, have you compared them to Intellivision? Intellivision? Sure, they've got great space games, like Intellivision Space Battle. I didn't know. And now there's Space Armada and the Incredible Astro Smash. I didn't know. Here, compare for yourself. Intellivision Space Games from Mattel Electronics. Once you compare, you'll know. Space Spartans for the Intellivision has a very X-Wing style fighter launching out the title on the packaging and a speech bubble declares that this game talks. Mattel Electronics presents Space Spartans. The objective of Space Spartans is to survive as long as possible against a never-ending onslaught of alien enemies which resemble TIE Fighters. You're in space with colourful stars as your backdrop and with your crosshairs you blast at anything that comes into range. You then continually return to your console where you get told of your status. Hyperdrive wonder down under repair hyperdrive repair off. And for being the first home console video game in general to provide synthesized speech in real time. Space Spartans is easily available in its original packaging for below £15. The box is decent enough and would look really nice if you're into collecting anything remotely looking like an X-Wing fighter. Also on the Intellivision was Star Strike, which not only imitated the trench run again, but in the artwork on the box there are many Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica ship influences. The main ship resembles the Cylon fighters but with X-Wing weapons. Oh, and what's that? Is that a Death Star planet thing blowing up? Hmm. The game sees you in a fast-moving green Death Star trench, and you have to shoot down various familiar Star Wars crafts, as a large planet looms into view from the left, and you have to blow it up. Anyway... I don't need to sell it. Let George Plimpton convince you.
I've been comparing the exciting new in television space game Star Strike with one of the most popular Atari games, Asteroid. Star Strike has moving images that make the game appear three-dimensional. Asteroids doesn't. And Star Strike features our most exciting visual effect, total destruction of a planet. This is what the other game offers, which is why after Star Strike, Asteroids left me rather flat. Star Strike, new for Intellivision from Mattel Electronics. You can pick this game up fairly easily for anything from £5 to £25, dependent on condition. The packaging opens at the front to reveal a plain black cartridge with Star Strike in white on red writing, with a manual that features a representation of the game as the overall design. The brunt of the crash was felt mainly across the home console market. Home computer gaming continued to thrive in this time period, especially with lower cost machines such as the Commodore 64 and ZX Spectrum. Some computer companies adopted aggressive advertising strategies to compete with gaming consoles and to promote their educational appeal to parents as well. Home computers also allowed motivated users and developers to develop their own games and sometimes their own systems. Not many people think of whales when they consider hotbeds of the computer industry, but the Dragon 32 holds a favourable memory for many in the early 80s in the UK. If you didn't have a Spectrum, a Commodore 64 or a BBC Micro, you likely had a Dragon 32. It sounded really cool, but you were ostracised from your peer groups and you didn't mention it much. It was a fairly bad computer and apparently, I didn't know this, it struggled to display lowercase letters. And it lasted from 1980 until 1984. The 32 is a reference to the 32 kilobytes of RAM and there was actually a Dragon 64, but it did produce a Star Wars-y type game. Intergalactic Force was released by Microdeal, written by C.J. Roslin from Anteco Software. And it was, yes, another trench run. You're in charge of a starship and your mission is to fly through the corridor and drop bombs down the air shafts to destroy the alien invaders in the spaceship below. But first, you must fly through the force of Thigh Fighters, THI, and shoot them before they attack you with their deadly laser bombs. The trench you're in looks more like a vector rendering of being inside the trench. You look like an X-Wing, and the Thigh Fighters really do look like Darth Vader's TIE Fighters. You can pick up this game easy for £5 on eBay on cassette, and it's worth it for the cassette inlay cover graphic alone. Okay, Davis, I hear you cry. Let's have something that's not a blooming trench run. Okay, okay, I hear you. My final offering is that mighty Return of the Jet Eye. And it was a game on the TRS-80. You've heard or read about low-cost personal computers. Today you can see and buy the price leader. Radio Shack's famous under $600 system. Learn how computing can benefit your business, profession, record-keeping, and your education. Come into your nearby Radio Shack today. You will be convinced. The TRS-80 personal computer system, only $599, built and serviced by Radio Shack, a Tandy company. You are flying through the forest and you have to dodge trees, rescue Ewoks for extra points and kill the enemy flyers by either shooting them if they get ahead of you or ramming them into trees. The screen is predominantly green with vertical brown trees coming at you fast to give the effect of moving your speeder through the forest of Endor. Every now and again there will be a horizontal fallen tree. Despite the basic look it was really effective and after a bit of this you proceed to level 2 where you have to fly through several walls with small doorways in them.
On the final and third level, you have to shoot the dead centre of the satellite station before you run into it. It's a fun game that fit into 16K, and I believe the first one to be put out by Thundervision. I can't find any remnants of this game in physical form. It's likely that it was a game you would have had to have typed in from a magazine back in the day before games were released on cassette. There is a video of the game on the YouTube channel, The Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. I recommend you check it out. And that concludes the second part of my look into those unofficial Star Wars type games. If you know any more details on the games I've mentioned, or you have further ones you think I should cover, please contact me via the usual channels. For copies of the Vintage Rebellion fanzine issue 2, with cassette tape on the front cover, we still have some available, and there's a small number of issue 1s also. Again, contact us via personal message on our Facebook page. And now the top 5 price-related land speeder items, according to StarWarsTracker.com. Hey Skywalker, rather than just flog your cool ride off the nearest weird-looking alien, you should have put it on eBay. This loose goose got 58 bids and sold for 144 Australian dollars. At 4, the most visually appealing box version of this just had to be British, for they had the coolest bunch of groovy cats inside a half. It's a palatoy complete, but not sold in box for £280. At 3, Luke was groovy and he was retro. He didn't need a soulless X-38, he was totally okay with an X-34, because all the girls down at Toshi Station loved his style. It's a Kenner Canada with groovy pyramid language logo, for 447 English quids. Straight in at two, this mini diecast is tiny enough for our very own Stuart Skinner to jump in and drive around, pretending earwigs are Wamparats and shrews are Banthers. It's a Harbert for £462. And at one, like a Wamparat being squished because the X-34 repulsor lifts failed at the wrong time. And it was indeed time for an upgrade, Mr. Skywalker. It's a sonic-controlled land speeder for a whopping £1,594. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Right, I want to welcome back John Abes for this month's Rapid Fire. Are you ready to go, John? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Your favourite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. Your favourite Star Wars scene? In Tatooine when Obi-Wan's explaining um, the Force to Luke for the first time. Can you give us a rating out of 10 for The Last Jedi? Planning on seeing that again for the second time tomorrow. From the first viewing, I'm going to say 7. Your favourite on-screen character? Probably Han. Cast or crew member you'd most like to meet? Probably George Lucas, to be honest. Favourite lightsaber duel? To be honest, it's got to be um, Darth Maul v Obi-Wan. Yeah, do you know what? It gets picked all the time on this question. Yeah, it's awesome. If you could own any prop from any of the movies, what would you choose? I'd probably go with Luke's uh, Stormtrooper helmet from episode four. Your favourite figure as a child? As a child, I think I just loved the Han Hoth because, you know, the way you could put the gun into the holster and no other figure that I know of you could do that with. It was just such an awesome little feature. And what is your favourite figure now? It's the original Luke Skywalker. What is your favourite figure variation? I suppose I, I like the Vinyl Coat Jawa. Which figure do you wish they'd made during the vintage era? Probably um, Grand Morph Tarkin. What is your favourite cardback photo image? The, the original Luke. It's the most iconic picture to me. Favourite playset or vehicle? My favourite vehicle would be the, the Atap. Yeah, um, do, do, do you want the playset as well? or just? Yeah, you can do if you've got one. Uh, I suppose I, I love the Jabba the Hutt because I went crazy about that as a kid. Playset or vehicle you wish they'd made? 
the blockade runner. What is your favourite vintage toy line outside of Star Wars? I'm quite a big um, GoBots fan. I know really? that sort of took a shadow like, under Transformers, but um, I used to love watching the cartoon as a kid. Your favourite conventional event you've ever attended? I really enjoyed 2007 at the XL, the, the first convention I've done there that I went to. Yeah, so the first um, celebration, was it? Europe? Yeah, yeah. It, it was just a bit more peaceful than the one in 2016. Or What was the last vintage Star Wars item you purchased? Just recently, I just picked up a 30-back Rebel Soldier. Finally, what is your Holy Grail item? It would be a 30-back Palatoid Darth Vader. John, thank you ever so much. Great answers in there. Wonderful. Right, now let's go over to our rapid-fire question. Now, the points, I've reduced them all back to naught for this year because Jez and Sub are getting a little bit stranded. <laughs> so we'll finish it off as it was last year. So Pete, you won 2017, and Cy, you came fourth. The question this month is, if you could have any prop from the original trilogy, what would you choose and why? And that why bit is really important, how I'm going to be selecting my points this year. So I'm going to go from who was who won last year. So we'll start with Pete. And this is always something I've always wanted, and and it hasn't changed. Um, I would want the hand soloing carbonite prop, so I can have it on the wall, and then I can lie on my settee like Jabba the Hutt and eat small, maybe jelly frogs out of a bowl and pretend to be Jabba, and uh, hopefully a slave lair will appear one day to uh, snuggle up to me on my big Jabba couch. Basically hoping that Slave Leia is just going to wander in. Or um, Slave Leia of any type. Rich, you were second last year, so let's go to you next. I had about 20 ideas, and I was tossing and changing between them, so I'm going to go with Luke's lightsaber from New Hope. I think, arguably, that is the most iconic handheld prop in movie history, but I don't just want the handle. I want the full working lightsaber, like what he's got in New Hope. I want to be able to use it. I want to be able to use it to, you know hack bad guys down i want to decapitate people with it i want to chop people's arms off i was recently reading splinters of the mind's eye and according to splinters of the mind's eye it's got a dial on it that you can turn the dial and the the blade becomes like a needle thin point lightsaber and it can be used to break into banks and in pick locks and things so that's what i want luke skywalker's fully working a new hope lightsaber Beautiful. Now, now, Jez, we obviously bought Scion last year, and uh, there was someone who was worse. So you're you're going third rather than bottom. <laughs> For me, there's lots of lightsabers. There's lots of blasters. There's lots of costumes. There's lots of all sorts of stuff. But there's only one Jedi training ball, which is in the Millennium Falcon. And I think that's perfect because it's, as I said, it's just the one, but it's just from a size point of view. Everyone knows exactly what it is. And regardless of where you live, whether or not you've got the Rancho Obi-Wan, whether or not you're in a huge mansion or in a one-by-one bedroom flat, you can display this and people can see it and it can spark conversation. And I think it's it's a really, really iconic piece. But not only is it iconic, it's a scene where Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker discuss the force, the powers. You know, you, you've got the scoundrel in there being, well, I'm not really so sure. It's a great scene. Uh, it really, really is, and it spans a, a, a while of the movie as well. Yeah, I, I really would love to have the Jedi training ball. 
and uh, Psy. For me, it would have to be Luke Skywalker's Stormtrooper costume because, again, it's it's a new hope. It's the it's the original. It's the best. And Stormtroopers were cool anyway. The costume was the best costume out of the lot anyway. But then you put Luke and Han in Stormtrooper costumes, and it's it's just multiplied by an X factor. And that scene when he walks into Leia's cell and she gives the whole, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What? Huh? Oh. And then he takes it off. It's Luke Skywalker. And he's there to rescue her. And it's just, it's just so cool. It is so cool. So yeah, Luke Skywalker's stormtrooper armor. Can I, can I ask a question, Sai? Mm. If there was a lineup of all of the stormtrooper armors, would you be able to pick Luke's out of a parade? Nope. If there was a lineup of stormtrooper armor, Simon has got a better chance of choosing the Luke Skywalker one than you have had. You have of getting one of those props to act like a real <laughs> lightsaber. So back off, uh, and I think Simon has got a far better chance of you. So I think the way it's going to go, I don't want to preempt it, but nah. I think it's going to be me, Pete. Uh, Sigh then, Rich. I know what you're doing. You're trying. You're trying to sabotage the competition, Jez. I'm. I'm actually quite shocked that you have been so nice to him tonight, Rich. I know. And then he attacks you like that. Yeah. Well, do you know what I'm going to do here? Right. I'm going to look at your four answers and decide on what I would choose, what I would most like in the room I'm sitting in. I am going to give one point. Now, this isn't personal. It's not because I want a running gag from last year. Although the Stormtrooper outfits are cool, Sai. Oh, shut Rich, up, Rich has Skinner. a point of that no. someone comes round, and I say, oh, look, come and look at this. Oh, a Stormtrooper outfit, brilliant. Oh, that's the one Mark Hamill. <sighs> They'll be like, mm, you haven't got a COA, have you? And I'll be like, no, I haven't got a COA. They'll be like, well... Well, that's a bit of a schoolboy error, could be the bloke who did the marathon, you know, and he was really <laughs> short. And I said, yeah, but he's not... <laughs> not um, yeah, so basically, I have to give you one point. I don't that. value what you say because you've just you've just spouted for twenty seconds of pure nonsense. You are decrying having any original prop stormtrooper costume in your room. No, I, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. just. I'm I just, love. I'm I love horrified. Them, but you tell me how I determine that. How you deter? I'm not asking you to determine it. I don't care whether you determine it or not. I don't this, want you having I'm my not, Luke Stormtrooper costume. You're not even looking at it. You are not worthy. No need for that, I. No, he just goes a bit far, doesn't he? <laughs> a bit harsh. A bit harsh. Should have stayed up Shut more. up all of you sycophantic <laughs> knob. Um, two points. Two points. Now, if I was going to... I'm going to put two points on the Han Carbonite block. Now, a lovely piece. You were right, Si. But, um... <laughs> sycophants. That's what it is. <laughs> it, is it is a, a brilliant, carbonite. brilliant piece, but it's going to be made of something like polystyrene. I'll give three points to the lightsaber. And it's funny, his feet, the top two could go together. Luke's lightsaber brilliant be a great talking point and the jedi training ball i'm gonna give five points to because i think that is a great great little show oh, wow and um I, I can't see how this is going to continue but jesse richard's right you're uh, having a belting start i would love the jedi training ball would love it definitely more than a random stormtrooper outfit i sometimes go to conventions and there's like 50 people have got them with them <laughs> am i in some am i in some sort of dream yeah some kind of Weird parallel universe where everything's just wrong. But I've, you know, I've always been the underdog and I've always been. Can you remember the Christmas show where I answered every question and still, still about came the last. movies? I still came last. How, that just doesn't make any sense. So this is karma. This is three years of like podcasting karma. Oh, loving it. <laughs> 
Right. So, Rich, we've actually had two podcasts since the last feedback. So, have we got any feedback from the pair of them? Yes, you've got lots of feedback. But first of all, I'm going to start off with an apology. And this is an apology for all of our listeners who are not from the UK, who've left us a review on iTunes, because sincerely, none of us knew that if somebody from the States, from Europe, or from Australia, or anywhere else in the world leaves us a podcast review on iTunes, we actually don't see it because we only see the reviews that's on iTunes UK stores. And for us to get those reviews, we've had to subscribe to a service called My Podcast Reviews. And as soon as we did that, all of these reviews from different iTunes areas started to trickle in. It's It's been absolutely great. And I've loved sharing all these reviews with um, the guys. Even the one-star review, right up to the five-star reviews, you know, we've... You know, we've shared them all, we've, we've chatted with them, so we appreciate every single one. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to go through all of the iTunes reviews, but... Mate, let's go straight in with the one-star review, because, yeah, you know, let, right, let's not hide it. Yeah, right, we're going with the one-star review, okay, and, and, I, and I agree with this review at the time, okay, but uh, we have made some changes since then. So we do have a one-star review, okay, so I'm just going to call that one up now. So this is from a, a guy in the States, which is fine. Gave up this podcast because the sound quality is terrible, okay, and that's all it is. And that was dated in July 2015. And I certainly know, and we're still to this day claim that we're not podcasting professionals we are four decent guys with jez and we are doing our best to put out a regular show entertaining with the bits of equipment that we've got none of us are you know incredibly rich we don't have mixing desks we don't have all of these fancy bits of equipment i mean up until recently my microphone cost three pound you know and that's a kind of equipment that we've been dealing with and certainly back in 2015 there were some shows that we recorded and went oh for god's sake guys they sound dreadful when we're listening back we do do our best to clean them up but sometimes doesn't matter what you do such as the 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 amy showberg interview you know we try to clean that up and we put it through loads of filters and and sometimes for whatever reason there are gremlins in recordings and rather than scrap them okay rather than just completely get rid of them we've done our best to clean them up and release them and it's not for everybody but hopefully everybody now agrees that our production quality is a lot better than what it was back in um, july 2015 but at least this guy left us a review okay so he's went to the effort to do that you know hopefully you're all listening again and if you if you're listening again just send me a message you know and we'll we'll, we'll happily uh, chat star wars july 15 then rich that would have been just a few months after we got back from Anaheim, where we changed from Star Wars Forum UK podcast to the Vintage Rebellion. So probably around about episode 12, 13, something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe 14. Yeah, I mean, I know I know. back then I was just using the microphone direct to the laptop because I was fresh into it. And uh, as you say, we slowly start adding stuff as we, as we can afford it because it's all self-funded. So... But thanks very much to all the people who have suffered that poor sound quality and have stood with us. And and now hopefully it's slightly easier on the ears for you. I would also just add to Jez's point there that, all right, he's come in July 15th. It's about a year old at that point. Looking at our download statistics, the first episode has been downloaded substantially more than any other podcast. So a lot of people, I, I do it when I find a new podcast, I tend to listen to it from the beginning. And if he's put that first ever episode on, the sound quality, even compared to the second episode, is shockingly bad. And if he's turned off halfway through that, then I kind of understand it. It, it is dreadful at times, you know. There's good information there. You've got to try and get through 
through that, that sound in especially the first two but I think even from episode three four you, you'll find that the sound is already improving and being worked upon it was a massive learning curve those first couple of months still learning now anyway moving on to the other reviews all five star reviews absolutely fantastic we now understand why podcasts are asking for five star reviews five star reviews help us bump up to the rankings so if somebody searches for a star wars podcast the the higher averages will be higher at the list a bit like google search ranks so the more five star reviews the higher it will go in the rankings which is obviously what we want we want more people to listen to the show we want more people interacting with the show and, and you know not just listening to us and taking no notice and download the next one we want people sending us messages we want people getting in contact with us just like all of these other guys have done so massive thank you to Matt Body. you know he's he sent a thing, really informative funny well produced driving force to get me back into collecting that's what I like to see so cheers Matt thanks for that guy going by Shizza01 I really enjoyed this keep up the good work okay thanks very much Shizza an American listener let's have a look at this one so we've got SSE78008 uh, from the States, this podcast has it all. It's packed with information, fun and news, just the right length. <laughs> just the right length. So the wait between episodes isn't bad. Okay, uh, I get the idea now. So the five hours are stretched out over the full four weeks. Brilliant job, mate. Keep it up. Thanks very much for that. Uh, and another bit of uh, British slang in there, which we're starting to see more and more now. Daily 542, brilliant podcast, fellas. Great listening for long journeys. Never get bored of listening. Informative and interesting information. Sharing. Banter is great fun. Poor Rich gets a hard time but he does give as good as he gets there's another person who recognises that you guys are bullying me a lot big shout out to Mini99 but I think we've, we've possibly have read that one out in the previous show I've been meaning to leave a review for this team for ages so here it goes if you're interested in anything related to Star Wars this is the pod you need to download it's like being part of a conversation down the pub so laid back interviews interesting mark the watches and lightning please don't change a thing they make you feel as though you're part of the team I was away from the collecting team for 25 years but after listening to you guys wit around for a few months it made me realise that I need to get back into it thanks very much Brilliant. Thanks very much, Mini99. Another one from Live Mike in America. These blokes from the UK love vintage Star Wars collecting and it shows. Tons of fun every month talking about the most awesome bits of plastic and cardboard in the galaxy. When this show turns up your feed, I audibly shout, yes. It's a very, very long show, which is great because it lasts for the entire week. Okay, brilliant live mic. I hope uh, you know we're, our lingo is rubbing off on you as well. Another one called Gone Broke Racing from America. Been late. It's been great listening to the Vintage Rebellion podcast for several months. I've really enjoyed it. Great mix of information, in-depth reviews and humour. If you went to Vintage Star Wars collecting, this podcast should be right at top of your list. Another one from My Grok in the USA. If you still collect Vintage Star Wars toys or just remember when you did, you'll love listening to the guys from across the pond talking about the latest acquisitions. Some of the best pickups by friends online. They're total pros and you can tell that they put a lot of thought into every show. And I would get away with that one, lads. Eh? Very well produced to keep you entertained for an average of three to four hours. It's become one of my favourite things to look forward to every month, but I only wish it was for every week. Having a bloody laugh there, mate, aren't you? All five guys really know their stuff, okay? There's, uh, <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if somebody's taking the mickle dose here. From rep wars to watch out for, to the wave of smocks and even bootlegs, you should learn and laugh every single show, not to mention all the great interviews from Star Wars celebrities, the vintage Star Wars collectors, and everyone who's impacting and helping the Star Wars community. Do your collection a favour, listen to the show, and tell them Chad Damon sent you. Chad Damon that is an absolutely brilliant review we appreciate everything that you put on there especially thanking for mentioning the vintage uh, kind of vintage celebrities great having the likes of you know the SWCA guys on 
uh, the guys who know the information at the Politai, because they're the real experts. We we just, you know, repackage the information. Thanks very much from Sky. Sky from the Clivecast left, left us a review back in July 2015. Great show that has breadth and depth. So thanks very much for that, Sky. Almost the same date as we got the one-star review. So Sky was happy with the sound quality back then. One from Australia. C3J at Y. Okay. Amazingly well-structured, researched and humorous. All areas of the stores collecting hobby are covered. Topics range from history of toys, prototypes, manufacturing, variants between toy companies, Latest issues such as Toy Tony, Bagger Gate, Rep Wars, Yo Graden. It's a great mix of series discussion, some fun games, and in depth interviews with well respected hobbyists. Thanks very much, um, C3. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce that part of it. Um, and the last one of our iTunes reviews that I'm going to cover is from Chris Leddy from the USA. Um, Chris has left us loads of messages on our Facebook uh, feed. Um, so Chris is definitely somebody who uh, we interact with a lot. I look forward to the show every month. The hosts, Stu, Richard, Jez, Richard, Pete, Richard and Cy and Richard all provide a different perspective, talent and level of insight. First and foremost, this podcast is extremely entertaining, worth listening to every month. Uh, the five and a half hours plus of the show is absolutely great, great information, helps to the community, top-notch interviews, solid pricing info from areas such as Vectis and Hakes and the Facebook groups. I started listening halfway through last year and I've gone back and listened to all of the entire catalogue over the course of a year. Strongly recommend this podcast for any vintage Star Wars collectors. Thanks for all you do, guys. Keep up the good work. Chris Leddy. And what I didn't realise was Chris Leddy is actually Vintage Viewport. And Vintage Viewport has been sending us and liking loads of things on Instagram. So now I've tied those two together. That's absolutely brilliant. Again, big, massive apologies to all of those guys from the States and Australia and and Europe and other places who've left us reviews, but we've just not seen them. Now we should get all of those reviews coming through automatically. So big thank you to all those guys. Now, normally when we start our feedback, we go to Stars Form UK. So we've got a lot of feedback to both podcasts on there. Andy Preston, he has um, commented on the customs. So I listened to the debate on the customs with interest, but I have to say I'm a bit biased as I've done some of these myself back in early 2000. I've copied some of the scans of all photos below and he loaded the photographs of these up. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen them, but they are absolutely brilliant. And what he's done is he's done customs, but he's put them on Palatoy card backs with bubbles. And he's, amongst many others, he's done a Tarkin, a Throne, Mara Jade, um, Admiral Ozil, Admiral Ozil, Admiral Ozil um, Biggs, Han and Stormtrooper, an absolutely cracking range of custom um, figures. And he said there they didn't see any harm in personally taking a real bit of figure and giving it a new lease of life. It's not as if these loose, incomplete figures are in short supply. So uh, cheers, Andy. You know, to- totally agree with a lot of that. But your customs are on the mo- among the best that I've seen. The ones that we see on eBay that are getting sold for like 40 quid were half as good as the kind of stuff that you do. I think I would probably even seriously be tempted to buy some of them. Absolutely brilliant. Now, Andy Norton Spoons has sent us um, a clipping from a comic, which I'm going to read out. Now, this adds weight to the discussion that we had on Dave Prowse with regards to the leaking, not leaking information on the Empire Strikes Back movie. Andy has sent us a clipping which comes from October 1978. So this is what it says. Dear SWW, Yesterday I saw Dave Prowse opening a fate. He gave away important information about the film and films to come. It's all a bit complicated, but he said, as it turns out, that Star Wars number one was meant to be number four. One, two and three are going to be in two or three, and he couldn't be sure that Darth Vader is seen in person and about how he came to be wearing his suit. And either six or seven, Darth gets unmasked, and you see what lurks underneath. He, ev- he eventually dies. He said that George Lucas and Gary Kurtz were hoping that there would be 11 sequels, 
and George hoped that soon in Britain you'll be able to see 24 hours of Star Wars. Filming for the next Star Wars starts in February 1979, so it looks like the Force will be with us for a long while. I hope this data will come useful for the Rebels, and that's sent from a guy called Jonathan Johnson in Surrey. So that was written in October 1978. Now, it's always amazing, isn't it, when people claim that certain parts of the script were only shared with certain individuals, and yet there's Dave Prowse freely talking about that. There is a follow-up, okay, so this one is in Star Wars number 2, January 1979, Dear Star Wars Weekly. On Sunday the 15th of October, I went with my mum and dad to the Star Wars cross-country team chase at Evenden Hall. I met Dave Prowse, and he gave me a green cross code badge. I met Peter Mayhew and Carrie Fisher. I saw R2-D2 and also Stormtroopers. We had a great day and enjoyed meeting the stars who were all very friendly, especially Dave Prowse, who told us that the next Star Wars film would not be ready until 1980. It's a long time to wait, but I bet it will be worth the wait. And then he goes in to discuss a little bit more about George's other sequels ideas, including Avengers on a Wookiee planet, about Wookiees being like Indians, Ben Kenobi, Luke's father, Darth Vader, Darth Vader is killed by Luke's father, Ben kills Vader, falls in the volcanic pit, close-up of Vader's face, which is horrible, iron lung-breathing masks, is actually Luke's father, named in this article. Okay, so there's some there's some real interesting information there. So who out of those four or five names that I mentioned would have passed all that information on? Seems fairly clear. So so thanks for that, Andy. Some great, great information there. Okay, Taffius, who I mentioned right at the start of the show, I'm a newbie that just started listening to the Christmas special. I'm not normally a big court card listener, however, I can't list, listen to this. So I took it out on a jog and the miles flew by. I'm downloading the rest now from episode one in order and I want to listen to them all on the way to work and home again. Thank you very much. And then he asked for some advice for beginners or returners to the new eras of collecting. Actually, I'm very conscious of the fact we do see newbies a lot, but quite often these guys aren't new- newbies. These are guys who may have been collectors in the 90s and who have taken a little bit of time away from the hobby and come back into it. So perhaps newbies, not always the correct term to, to use. Over on Tantive, um, we had some feedback from Clint, and I fully expected this one because it was, you know, Clint's a, a big customer. Uh, big's a, a, Clint's a big customer. Can't see it. Clint's a big customizer. And he's just uh, left us some feedback there. I really enjoyed listening to the current episode and it was interesting to hear all the views. And I really enjoyed the Senate debate on customs. With the current technology and the ability to either 3D print or cast our own parts, this should drastically reduce the number of vintage figures that are being used for customs. I have to agree with whoever said, you have to do this for your own enjoyment. You can't look at it as a way to make money. That's why I always make two of every figure that I create. One for myself and one to trade or to give away. We are very, very lucky to have some talented customizers on TIG, and that's that's incredibly true because it's some of the, the custom stuff that you see on TIG and on Tantive, absolutely brilliant. Huge shout out to everybody on Instagram who've been liking and commenting and sharing our posts and also on Twitter. I've noticed that that's starting to pick up again. It's, it's amazing how cyclic some things go. Twitter seemed to have died off a bit, but now we're starting to get more people picking up on Twitter. So, so thanks for all of that, and um, we do respond to every single message that we get. And lastly, huge thanks for everybody who's wished us a Happy New Year or a Merry Christmas, whether that be on Facebook, whether that be on Private Message, whether that be on Stores From UK, whether that be a Father's From, wherever you've done that, we appreciate it all. You guys are awesome. Now, Stu, if we've got anybody who wants to leave us any feedback, we appreciate every piece of feedback we'll get. How do they get in contact with us? Yeah, they can email us at swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook just by searching The Vintage Rebellion. On Instagram, also by searching The Vintage Rebellion. 
and Twitter at SWTVR Podcast. You can go back and listen to any of the previous 43 shows or four Christmas specials by uh, searching for The Vintage Rebellion on iTunes. And like Richard's already uh, alluded to, please leave us a five-star review. Or you can go via Podbean, which is swtvrpodcast.podbean.com. Com. Thank you to all our guests this month, John Abes, Chris Jagulius, and Ron Salvatore. Now, sadly, or for some of you listeners, it might be something really good, we are going to be without our little Jezebel for February and March. Sai's really happy because he knows he's going to be able to pick up some points on the different rounds of quizzes and get above him. Probably I think Jez will still win. Yeah, I think yeah. Jez will still win. Yeah. <laughs> but um, actually, I might, I might text you, Jez, and get your answers. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. still give you a point, okay? Yeah, so, I can contribute by text. I just, yeah. can't, I just can't commit to Skype for a few months. Jez, where are you for February and March? Um, I'm going away to big boy school. <laughs> um, I haven't, I haven't had to go away with work uh, from a college point of view for a couple of months, uh, for a couple of years rather. Um, certainly since I joined the podcast, but no, I need, I'm going away uh, on a residential college course for this, just part of my career. I need to go away, and it's something which I'm not necessarily looking forward to because I'm not an academic um, by background, and it's just a really, really academic course, lots of essay writing and all sorts of stuff. So um, I really, really need to focus on that. We've said it so many times in the past that this podcast is like um, a second job. The hours it takes, not just the recording, but all the hours, post-production and the editing, etc. And I cannot um, assist the production of a decent podcast for february and march so i just need a little bit of jazz time um for this course and i will definitely be back in april i just need to go off and um make sure that my my uh, career stays on track well jez joking aside you will be missed who will it be <laughs> yes who is yourself who was he what, what, what guy was it again guy that comes to last in the quizzes rich john john isn't it john 2018 league table john. Oh, is he? <laughs> no. I, I, think, I think I know who you mean now. Yeah. But it is for January. Goodbye from Rich. Later, guys. Bye from Jezebel. Cheers, guys. Winning this month. Long may it continue. Uh, goodbye from Simone. Yeah, bye. Catch you next month. Uh, bye from Peedy Weedy. They were nobody. And it is goodnight from me. And remember. Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Do you know what, Rich, what's happened to you, mate? This is a bit like, do you remember when Jess fell a bit in love with you and just kept everything you said was right? It's like in reverse. What's happening? Oh, it's weird. <laughs> I like it. Something's happened off... off uh, off screen here. <laughs> Something's not right because...
he's obviously got so I reckon he's been through um, Richard's files and he's got him on some like target thing. He's got some sniper some because chance. there's no way Richard would act like that. Yes, I'm proud him. of Jez there. I'm really proud of what? him. What? What's that? You normally you, you call him a weakling. You well, do know yeah. that photo you put up in our um, podcast thread of that really rich bloke isn't actually him. <laughs> oh, the guy from Amazon. <laughs> yeah. That's not him. Just looks like him. I can I just well, say, sight, you let me down there, sight. I would have won if that yeah. your rubbish answer. Well, it to be honest, it with you, serves he, you right. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Sai got Jez the win with that cloud car. That was yeah, a great he did. shout. He did. Great shout. You see, Jez has taken Straight the piss up. out of me and my quizzes the very least. So Jez got premier service. What can I say? Yeah. Rich, is it possible to give those points to Sai and see how much closer <laughs> it was? It's possible, but nah, it's not worth it, really. <laughs> oh, 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 Jez, you're amazing. <laughs> right, let's go over to Right Rebel Briefing so uh, we could hear Richard hanging out the back of Jez a bit more. <laughs> 